York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. We open up with Pearl Jam and its classic song, Jeremy, because it's a time where things just appear to be getting worse and worse and worse, as my job here is now to take you to the break of dawn, and there won't be any permitted sleeping along the way. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, Even though the news of the day is that falling asleep in front of the TV each night could lead to an early death, I know that some of you have cheated on me. No doubt about it, you've cheated on me because we've caught you snoring, peeling the the paper right off the wall. We've caught you doing that. And I've done that on a number of occasions. Uh, Unfortunately, though, Chris Libertini has turned that around into a promo to dis and dismiss me uh, as a result of his attempt to uh, foster... Frank Morano into the top ratings uh, master here at WABC. I might add, we just got our ratings. And Frank Morano just barely, just barely is in the lead. I've actually shrunken his lead that he had uh, as I came off the campaign trail and losing to Eric Adams, the mayoralty of the city of New York. And after six months, a lot of people in the city and all five boroughs have begun to uh, wear these uh, buttons that say, don't blame me, I voted for Sliwa. We'll get to that momentarily, but uh, I know they say Chris Libertini, the voice, the person who puts the sound together for WABC, has taken up the cause of Frank Morano, who originally had 17 radios that were tuned to him each hour of his broadcast time, Monday through Fridays, the other side of midnight, from 1 to 5 in the morning, uh... Mondays through Fridays. He had 17 out of every 100 radios tuned to him. He's down to 15 now. And I'm up to 14, having gone from 13 to 14, so I'm nipping right at his heels. But if you notice, ad nauseum, Dizzy, is that Chris Libertini keeps playing that promo that would indicate that a lot of people fall asleep on my program, right? He uses Eileen from Queens. You'll probably find Juan from Boston, originally from Bolivia. Hey, I will never forget that, Juan, even though you called back lickety-split and you made amends. 
The fact is, you can't fall asleep on the Curtis Lee Show. No, 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 no. This other, other side of midnight, in which I take you all six hours to the break of dawn, Saturday mornings, and then so nights, I do it twice on Sundays. And then in the in-between, oh boy, do I have uh, quite the job coming up. I was given that assignment by Sid and Bernie in the morning and their board operator, Lou. Because as you know, in just a few hours, you'll have Anthony Weiner who will be on from 2 to 3, his program called The Middle. And then I was challenged by both uh, Sid Rosenberg and Bernard Bernard McGurk on Thursday morning in the 7 o'clock hour. That I was to challenge and be an inquisitor of Anthony Weiner since the lead story that morning in the New York Post was how his former wife, Huma, is now hanging out with uh, Mr. Uh, Movie Man, Mr. Emmy Award winner, dare I say his name, oh, I'm going to have to later on in the, uh, the uh, show, later on in the day, Bradley Cooper. Because I've been forced into that situation where if I don't ask Anthony Weiner that question, I will be accused of being unmanly by both Sid Rosenberg, who was flexing, and Bernard McGurk. By the way, in another 24 hours, I am going to break down all 68 relevant terms that are used to identify one's gender and one's sexuality. It's up to 68. And according to the rules and regulations of this new generation X, Y, Z, or somewhere in between, if if the person says to you, I want to be identified as this, you have to identify them, even though maybe in five hours they've had a change of mind. Any one of these 68 designations, and I think, ladies and gentlemen, it's time that we just square up. By chromosomes. You're either an XX or an XY and leave it at that. Now, we'll, we'll get into a full-blown discussion 24 hours from now. But, oh boy, do I have quite the assignment on my hands to be the inquisitor to cross-examine Anthony Weiner about how his former wife, Huma Abedin, is hooked up with Bradley Cooper and what does he feel about that? The front cover of Thursday's New York Post said it all. You had... Huma Abedin on one side, Bradley Cooper on the other side, and peering over his shoulder, Anthony Weiner with a very discerning uh, look on his face. Now, he has refused to comment uh, about any of that since. It'll be my job to extricate that out of him. That's why you may be walking around like a zombie, but you got to hear the 3 o'clock show today, left versus right. If you can't catch it on appointment radio, well, then you know what? You got to get it on the podcast by going to WABCRadio.com. That's WABCRadio.com. And while you're there, you don't want to miss a father and son podcast. Uh, Anthony and Curtis, we put another one in the can today. Oh, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. In fact, watch all of them and the other great podcasts that are produced by the host and hostesses here at WABC. But please, do not fall asleep on me. It's exactly what Chris Libertini and Frank Morano are hoping for so that he can continue to edge me out in the ratings panel. I'm, I'm nipping at his heels, and I want to thank all of you who are listening, only, not only throughout the tri-state area, but on the Tower of Power from Lodi, 50,000 powerful watts of sound, now reaching 38 states, parts of Canada, a sliver of Europe, 
And it can be heard by sailors going down to Davy Jones's locker in the Bermuda Triangle between Bermuda and the Bahamas, right out there in the Caribbean. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But I got to give you some updates. The swagger man who has no plan, Eric Adams, as crime continues to rise. Oh, he was uh, patting himself on the back so hard he'd have to go for a chiropractic adjustment uh, two weeks ago, claiming, claiming the murder rate was down. Well, the murder rate has now begun to soar back up. And just to give you an idea, as he is at the Club Zero Bond, yes, he entered the Club Zero Bond at about 11.45 tonight. The little birdies told me, the little rats eating their Parmesan cheese, who were in that downtown car. And remember, the Club Zero Bond is a private club. You pay a lot of money for membership. And the rules and regulations are that whatever happens in the Club Zero Bond Club stays in the Club Zero Bond Club to protect the members. And in this case, our mayor, Eric Adams, with his $5,000 customized suits, his Ferragamo shoes, and the many people who don't want to go on the record, seeing him in public, much rather see him behind closed doors where they can wine him, dine him, and pocket line him. He's already amassed about a million dollars for a re-election campaign, if you can believe that. He says he's only six months through his, his, his term of office. He's got a 29% approval rating, and all he's doing is raising money. He's got close to a million dollars to run again. What the hell is he doing fundraising? And by the way, he was cold busted by Politico, which has cold busted him three times now. First, when he was running in the Democratic primary and claiming to be a resident of New York City, they determined that his primary residence was 22H, apartment 22H in Fort Lee, New Jersey. Cold busted him at that. Then he did, uh, did a pirouette and claimed, oh, no, 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 you got it all wrong, Politico. I live in the basement apartment on Lafayette Avenue in Bed-Stuy, do or die, and I've been living there uh, perpetually. Well, Politico, again, dug in, did a major investigation and determined that he owned the building, yes, but he was not, in fact, a resident of the basement, although he pretended to be as he took the uh, media on a Cook's tour. That's strike two. And now Mayor Eric Adams, who is at the Club Zero Bond as we speak, has been found to be having secret meetings just blocks away from City Hall in the Verizon building in the shadow of the Brooklyn Bridge on the Manhattan side. He shares an office with his very corrupt deputy mayor of public safety, Phil Banks, who avoided getting arrested as a top-flight echelon member of the NYPD years ago in the investigation that took down a few cops for accepting money and bribes in order to get uh, carry permits uh, considered priceless. Uh, Whatever price you wanted to pay, hookers, trips to Vegas, all kinds of tchotchkes, whatever you wanted to do, wine, dine, and pocket line, the police, you could get that valued carry permit. And that's why in issuing carry permits, I would make sure the cops have nothing to do with it at all. It's one of the most corrupt things about the city of New York. But let us continue, please. I need that uh, music underneath me because we got a slow start with Immigration Man by Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Before we get into the very reason as to why I'm playing that song, let me give you a crime update. Boy, this is really bad. 
Earlier today, you remember the young lady who was walking her child, her three-month-year-old child in the baby stroller, up by 95th Street near Seabury Park, the very place that I used to take Anthony, my oldest son, who's an intern here, who does the Father and Son podcast with me each and every Friday. You can, uh, again, listen to it at WABCradio.com. I took him there so he could learn basketball at a very young age. It's a relatively quiet park, but the area has changed, as has almost every neighborhood in this city, which has been subjected to crime, to violations of, uh, of a quality of life that we thought that for 20 years would be maintained, the eight years under Giuliani, the 12 under Bloomberg, and then we lost it. Under the eight years of uh, Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, taking that Miley Cyrus wrecking ball to this city that we love. And now he has the chutzpah, the hubris, the huevos, the cruyones to want to run for Congress in this newly created 10th Congressional District so that he can continue the task of now destroying our nation over my dead body. He's got 15 opponents in the Democratic primary at the end of August including the old out-the-cocka Elizabeth Holzman. I thought she was dead. She's 80 years old and she's running. And wouldn't it be lovely if so many years after she took out Emanuel Seller, who had been in Congress 50 years, she was the young upstart out of Flatbush, Brooklyn, who took down this iconic figure, Emanuel Sellers, that she, against all odds, at the age of 80, would actually win this uh, Democratic primary, which is almost a shoe-in to uh, winning the election on November 8th. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But uh, Mayor Eric Adams is taking secret meetings at the Verizon building uh, in the presence of his deputy uh, mayor of public safety, Phil Banks. And that can only mean one thing, that whoever they're meeting with, they don't want to go on the public record. Probably nefarious folks, probably these Bitcoin bandits, these cryptocurrency Ponzi schemers, and these blockchain ripoff artists. As that uh, currency begins to sink right into Davy Jones's locker. Anyway, we'll give you an update on that. But two stories back to back that have relevance, as I had mentioned, the twenty-year-old uh, uh, woman who had the three-month-old child who was shot and killed in the back of her head outside Seabury Park. It seemed like almost a lifetime ago. Had a wake-in funeral uh, earlier on Friday in East New York. And a lot of folks showed up to express their grievances that she would be lost at such a young age. By the way, it turned out that Vinnie Maduno, the rising star here at WABC, who teaches by day uh, at... Uh, Richmond uh, High School in Staten Island in the shadow of the Bayonne Bridge uh, actually had her as a student. He came on uh, with me last Sunday before his own program. He's on twice now, uh, five to six on Saturdays in just a few hours uh, as protege to Cousin Brucey, his mentor from six to ten. And then Tony Orlando without Dawn, a super spectacular program about Elvis the king of rock and roll from 10 to 12, and then I returned from 12 to 6 to the break of dawn. Anyway, Vinny Madunio came on my last half hour on Sunday right before his program and talked about how he had taught 
this young lady who was uh, in the ROTC. I may have actually given her an award a few years ago because I was giving awards there uh, at uh, Richmond Port Richmond High School to the ROTC, and she was a star on the track team. And then he lost uh, touch with her. But he was crestfallen, and so many other people were well. The wake and the funeral took place earlier on Friday, and then just a few hours afterwards. Check this out, ladies and gentlemen. A few hours afterwards, a drive-by shooter in Far Rockaway shot a mother with a two-year-old child in a stroller and her five-year-old at her side. Luckily, the two little kids were not hit. The woman was shot in the chest. And a man near her was shot. The suspect opened fire from a black Acura SUV as the victims were standing in front of a far Rockaway residential building on Mott Avenue near Cornega Avenue at about 7 o'clock on Friday night. That's just blocks from the Mott Avenue uh, subway station across the street from the Mickey D's there. The 28-year-old woman was shot in the chest, the 44-year-old man in the arm. They were taken to Jamaica Hospital, and guess what? It's two blocks from the precinct, two blocks from the 101 precinct. I mean, these shootings are taking place within proximity of precincts. The boldness, the brazenness, why? Because vehicles are not being stopped and searched as they were during the Giuliani and Bloomberg years, and there are no stop and frisk. And where's the police commissioner, Sewell, who is tapped from the Nassau County Detectives Division, only had about 300 men or women, very little experience, and all of a sudden she is propelled to being police commissioner of the NYPD, largest police force in the world? Come on, they don't even go to her. They sidetrack her. They go to Phil Banks, the deputy mayor for public safety, who has the ear of Eric Adams, our mayor who thinks he, in fact, is the police commissioner also, and yet our crime stats are going up, up, and up in terms of violence. Recruitment is down, down, down in terms of getting new police. And our mayor is just, he's just treading water, treading water. As he's raising the roof tonight at the Club Zero Bond, as he so often does in the wee hours of the morning. This is the mayor of nightlife. This is the mayor of the $5,000 customized suits each and every day. Although, I tell you what, you see that outfit he was wearing earlier? Broadway Bill Lee in front of City Hall? It looked like he was going to take on Bruce Lee. That's right, uh, in the Coliseum in <laughs> in Rome, remember? You remember who took on Bruce Lee in the Coliseum in Rome? In fact, that'll be our first booby prize. What great martial artist? was in that last scene of that great Bruce Lee movie, What Was the Movie, Who Was the Martial Artist, in which they had a death match that went on for many, many minutes. And if you saw earlier in the day on Friday at his press conference outside of City Hall, looked like uh, Eric Adams, our mayor, was dressed like uh, he was going to take on Bruce Lee. I mean, where the hell did he get that outfit from? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. If you actually guess this, you will be getting a Curtis Lee booby prize. Don't ask, don't tell. I throw nickels around like manhole covers. Thankfully, it's John and Margot Katsimatidis who will fund you getting this uh, magnificent WABC baseball cap with the Curtis Lee Show logo on it. And when you go into these kind of neighborhoods I just described in East New York and Far Rockaway, 
It may be the only protection you have against drive-by shooters and thugs and thuggettes. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Wow, a little slow here. Got to get off your marks, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, I'm taking you to the break of dawn. I mean, this is an easy giveaway. What was the martial arts movie starring Bruce Lee in the Roman Coliseum at the very end of the movie? And what great martial artist was he fighting with in a death match that he eventually persevered? And the reason I bring all of that up, if you happen to have seen the mayor of the city of New York hold that press conference on the steps of City Hall earlier on Friday, it looked like he was ready to take on... Bruce Lee. Who did he think he was? Lou Alcinder, a.k.a. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, you remember. You remember. that? What movie was that? Wow, I'm throwing him out fast and furiously, ladies and gentlemen. 1-800-848-9222. But now, the reason. Broadway Bill Lee, on loan from WCBS-FM, where he is an iconic figure. Uh... Well, we brought him back from retirement. He was down there in that senior citizen housing complex in Fort Myers uh, where he was uh, side-by-side with Warner Wolf, who used to be my sports broadcaster, one of the greatest of all time, the GOAT, when uh, I was hosting the morning show with Ron Kuby, whose mommy is a commie. He never wanted uh, Warner Wolf. I did. Let's go to the videotape. Oh, he was so good. So good. And he wrote everything down. Wrote it down meticulously. Didn't use the computer. He was old school. The way I am. Although I'm not as old as Warner Wolf, that's for sure. Or Broadway Billy, who's at the boards. By the way, uh, Avery is handling the phones. Oh, my God. Was he dissed and dismissed by that Mameluke Frank Morano? By the way, we're going to get into it later on. Frank Morano having a barbecue tomorrow. A barbecue. Inviting a hundred and having a primary list and then a secondary list and a dis and dismiss list. Well, guess what? I'm not on any of the three lists whatsoever. Here it is. Can you imagine? I had invited him to Anthony's baptism, then his communion, then his confirmation. The guy didn't show, but the point is I invited him. Now, on his Ponderosa... In the south shore of Staten Island, he's having a barbecue. A barbecue tomorrow from 2 to 8. And I could easily finish my program at 4 o'clock, left versus right with Anthony Weiner. And I could be out there with Anthony in plenty of time before they close it down at 8 o'clock. But aha! Both he and Rachel and probably little Carmine, who probably tips the scale now at about 40 pounds, having been birthed. Uh, A day or so before Thanksgiving, if you remember, it was a 92-year-old nurse, uh, a uh, midwife nurse, on loan from Mount St. Laredo, who helped deliver the huge baby Carmine, who was born at 13 pounds, uh, along with the nurse Ratchet, who was at Richmond Hospital. And remember, I actually talked him into the world while I was talking on the air, substituting for Frank Morano, that mamaluke. Did he ever thank me for that? Of course not. Did he invite me to the barbecue that he's having? Of course not. Did he invite invite me to the baptism and christening of little Carmine? Of course not. He treats me like a person of no consequence. Well, I'm nipping on his heels now. 
He's got only 15 radios out of every 100 listening to radio in the overnights. And I'm up to 14. I'm only one radio behind. And if it wasn't for the tactical air support he gets from the voice of WABC, Chris Libertini, who keeps running that insane promo of Eileen falling asleep on me, I probably would have zoomed past him by July 4th. But I'll get him if it's the last thing I do. First, Chris Libertini. Who's going to have, what, episode number eight tomorrow about Harry Harrison? Guess what? I never listened to Harry Harrison. Because they didn't listen to WABC when they were spinning sacks of wax. Even though ABC stands for Always Broadcasting. Curtis says, I've told many of you, I listen to WMCA. That's right. Remember the good guys? Huh? WMCA, because they didn't just play Top 40. They broke music. WINS before 20 minutes and they give you the world of news. That was a music station. And, of course, WWRL for the uh, R&B music. I didn't listen to WABC. They only played Top 40. Nope. So I'll be contributing to the Harry Harrison uh, uh, episode tomorrow, but I'll be telling you what I was listening to at that time because it sure wasn't WABC. Nope. Not Cousin Brucey in the evenings. Uh, not Harry Harrison. Not Herb Oscar Anderson. No, 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 no. I was not birthed or baptized with WABC. I listened to WMCA before it became the Holy Roller Station that it is now or the number one talker that it was in the 60s. I listened to it when they spun stacks of wax and they were cutting edge. It's WWRL with R&B and WINS. That's right. I said it. Wait a second, that's uh, Mark Levin's line. That's right, I said it. I'm breaking ranks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Chris Libertini came up to me. Hey, what are your thoughts about Harry Harrison? I tell you what, the guy couldn't wait to get the hell out of here. 10 o'clock in the morning, boom, he was out the door. Everybody knew that in the business, but do you think anybody's going to say that on the tribute to Harry Harrison? By the way, who anointed him morning mayor? Who elected him morning mayor? Guy didn't even live in New York City. Oh, I got a lot of ranting and raving to do. How dare you try to get me to lie and say, Oh, yeah, I listen to Harry Harrison in the morning and Herb Oscar Anderson and Cousin Bruce. And I, I did not. Let me clarify that, Chris Libertini, if you're listening right now. And you wanted to use me in that promo. And you wanted to use me in that tribute. And I told you, if you are, I'm going to tell the truth. Nobody elected him mayor of New York City. He lived in Jersey. He wasn't from New York City originally. And by the way, 10 o'clock in the morning, his shift was finished. And Broadway Billy, you know this to be true. He was out the door. Out the door into his limo. Boom. Gone. Gold brick, slacker, deadbeat, like some others in this business. I'm not going to mention names. The moment their shift is over, woofah, they're gone. Hey, have you seen them lately? I don't know. Weren't they just here? Yeah, it was like a minute ago. Where were they? Ran out the door. You got promos to do. I don't know where they went. You got ads to do. I don't know where they went. Chris Lamatini will not get me involved in the propaganda because I will tell you exactly what I told you about Howard Cosell with the bad rug on his head and such an egomaniac he needed a crane to get him in and out of the room. Oh, yeah, yeah, you didn't hear that from anybody else. Oh, no, not at all.
Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. You know why I'm playing this song, Broadway Bill Lee? This is a classic Mother's Day song by the intruders from uh, Philadelphia. In honor of Frank Morano, the Mama Luke's mother, Stephanie, he's always saying, you don't even know the name of my, my mother, Stephanie, worked so hard, worked two jobs along with his uh, father, Carmine, to give him an NYU education to turn him into a violet. 55 G's a year, no frills. But then again, who went to NYU? Rich Rubin. Remember Rich Rubin? Def Jam along with uh, Simmons. Not Richard Simmons. No, no, no. Not the, not, a, not Richard Simmons. That freak. Russell Simmons. Oh, the perv. That's right. They both went to NYU. And what group did they help correct, uh, create? Oh, we're going to be talking about them later. The Beastie Boys. That's right. Well, I believe Rick Rubin was their first DJ when they actually did live concerts, although eventually he screwed them out of money <laughs> when they were on the Def Jam label. And then they went to Capitol Records. Ah, you see, we're moving fast and furiously. It took nine years, counted nine years, for the Beastie Boys to get a street named in their honor, 99 Rivington Street. Nine years. How long did it take for Wu-Tang Clan outside of Park Hill and Stapleton and the North Shore Staten Island? Almost a nanosecond. What about Biggie Smalls, right? Bed Stuy, do or die. O-G-O-A-T. Greatest of all time. Nope. By the way, he had a great mother who sent him to Catholic school, and yet there he was slinging crack, Biggie Smalls, to pregnant mothers, and he decided to leave Lachlan. He didn't get kicked out of Lachlan, the same school that graduated Michael Buttigieg, Rudy Giuliani, and his uh, his consigliere, Peter Powers, who's no longer with us. But uh, he left Lachlan so he could go over to Westinghouse get a vocational education, and hook up with Jay-Z, that degenerate rapper who went there, too. Oh, we're going to get into all of that later. Why did it take him nine years? Because they were Jews? Oh, I'm not supposed to say that, right? Ooh, you shouldn't say that, Curtis. Well, I did. Boy, that sounded like Mark Lemon, too, right? I don't know. I seem to be possessed by Mark Lemon. Oh, by the way. From now on, you know Mark Levin. You can hear him 6 to 9, Monday to Fridays. He starts with the National Anthem. I want him to play the National Anthem done by that Palestinian band in Bethlehem before our president sat down with the dictator of the PLA. It was like the worst rendition earlier. We're going to actually start your morning with that in the 5 o'clock hour. When you listen to this. You are going to say, oh, my God, that's the worst rendition of the United States National Anthem that's ever been done. Worse than any elementary school band, junior high school band, high school band. And there the president was just like nodding his head, like, oh, how patriotic. Uh, this is like an F.U. to the United States and all of us. Oh, we'll get into that later on. Oh, wait, what? What? Let me hear that. 
not going to be playing this jam tomorrow in honor of his mother. What tomorrow? It's just a few hours. His barbecue that I'm not invited to. And in fact, how could it be a fun barbecue? He won't allow any dancing. He won't allow almost any music. And all you can do is play Parcheesi or shoot craps. If there was ever a guy who could take the fun out of a barbecue, right? It's Frank the Mameluke. Morano, I hope he plays this song in his honor of his uh, mother, Stephanie, who has put up with so much, so much agita from him. Anyway, uh, Jeff is calling from Long Island about a trivia answer from last week. Oh, this guy's got a memory. Oh, you're like an elephant. You can't forget, can you, Jeff? Hey, good morning, sir. How are you? I've had better days, Jeff. I just finished my 18-hour day. 18 like hours? Right? Hey, that's just my start. Remember, I go I go from Friday night all the way to Sunday night with a few breaks in between. And that's usually just to go out there and thump some thugs with the Guardian Angels because that's reviving me, resurrecting me. But now you have an answer for a trivia question that I popped a week ago? Yeah, you, you asked the Peckerwood. I answered the question, and I was supposed to get a poopy prize. Oh, Avery. Uh, Now I know why. You have to remember that, right? Yes, you are correct. And I thought for sure Avery picked you up on the backhand side, all your information. But you see, Avery, he takes a month of Sundays to get to the winners. You know, he's like, like a snail when it comes to that. But tomorrow you'll hear Avery get pimp slapped by Frank Morano. Oh, big time. Big time. But anyway, Jeff, you stay on the line because you did have the answer. I'm going to tell you something else. Frank Morano was on the other night, and he said, he said, Curtis is going to tell everybody that I didn't invite him, but I definitely invited him, and he didn't RSVP me. In In order to RSVP somebody, you have to get an invitation. There's no invitation. Uh, he says he's definitely invited. 
He's going to tell everybody on the radio I never invited him, but I definitely invited him, and he didn't RSVP me. No, I'll, I'll prove that to you later. Hold on the line, Jeff. Avery, get to Jeff right in here. This is embarrassing. Imagine if it's two weeks in a row, Broadway, Bill Lee, that Avery snook at this guy. Because I guess Avery, being a Euro-Asiatic black brother, thinks that Jeff is a peck ahead. Make sure you get all of his information. I want to make sure Jeff gets what is rightfully his, a courtesy of a booby prize. See, look, look, look how long Avery's. Oh, he's finally got him. Oh, thank God. Glory, Halioski, hallelujah. Meantime, let's go to Newton, uh, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Newton. Hey, how are you? Mr. Curtis, I don't want to say that, please. Uh, I'm doing as good as possible, but... I wish I could call you Mr. Mayor. Well, let me you ask know. you. Let me ask you a question. You know yeah. you don't want to say that, but you said it. It's like a tick. How you doing? Is it something you have no self control about? It's like somebody who has Tourette syndrome. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? That that, that that's a small problem of mine. I a little bit of stuttering thing, and sometimes a, a well, you know look. an em, a emergency situation Newton. That comes up. You two, you two now have an opportunity to be president of the United States because that's what Joe Biden grew up with in Wilmington, Delaware. So don't think of it as any kind of a handicap. You too can be president of the United States, Newton. All right, all right, all right. I I, I, I want to talk about that ban in Palestine, you know, I uh, and, and with the Bruce Lee, it was the Fight of the Dragon, was it not? Uh, what was the name of that movie? Fight of the Dragon, was that, did I pronounce oh, that correctly? Oh, you're so close. Oh, I know, I'm so close. Oh, I, I'm a big so fan, close. and I was doing by memory, you know? Oh, yeah. Now, now, who was he fighting in the Roman Coliseum? Who was Bruce oh, that was, that, that was Chuck Norris. Was yes. All right. So I'll tell you what. You got two-thirds of it. It was Enter the Dragon. Oh, I'm so close. But you know what? I was going to give it up, and I was going to I was going to not take the prize, and hopefully you could do a T2T donation, whoever gets the highest bidder or something like that. No, you know? no, no. We, we're not going to uh, jip you that way. But by the way, am I permitted to say jip uh, or the gypsies out there, the Roma people, think that that's uh, – uh, that's a diss and dismiss. Well, anyway, that's the way I go. Oh, you think I'm going to jip you? Of course not. Do you think I'm an Indian giver? Oh, here we go again. I say BC. I don't say the, the, the new version. BC. That's me. You okay, know? hold on. Let me get to, I got to, let me smack myself a few times. I said, I don't want to jip you. Now, gypsies and Roma people out there are upset. Uh, I don't want to be an Indian giver. And now Indians out there are going to be upset. Not the Indians from Southeast Asia, you know, from Sri Lanka, a.k.a. Ceylon, who took out their president and their prime minister and went swimming in his pool. I love that. Not like the Southeast Asians from Pakistan or from Bangladesh or from India. No. You stay on the line. You stay on the line right now, Newton. Stay on the line. Avery, make sure you take care of Newton. He's earned the booby prize. He went two-thirds of the way there, right? Broadway, Billy, Enter the Dragon, you know, Chuck Norris. Uh, anyway, the movie, remember, what movie was Bruce Lee? In with Lou Alcindor, a.k.a. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar.
Now that's that's a no-brainer there. I mean, <laughs> if you can't get that, you don't deserve my belly button lint. Oh, I'm not permitted to give out belly button lint any longer. By the way, did Avery get Newton, or is he going to keep him hanging there? Broadway Billy, please make sure we execute on that. I don't want to have to, uh, Newton, uh, you know, acknowledge he had a bit of a stuttering problem like the President of the United States, Joe Biden. And I told Newton, you too can become President of the United States. I'll never hold you back. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to John in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Johnny. Curtis, I'm a subway worker. I work in a token booth. And I just got home from work, and I saw on the news that these kids were they're grown men now, but the, the judge let them free. Oh, well, you're talking about the three young African-American men. was what? Oh, man, it was a long time ago. I'm trying to think they had that guy. I think his name was Kaufman, who was the uh, token booth clerk. Mr. Kaufman, I was working. I'm still working. I got 28 years, Curtis. I okay. work in the token booth, so, and I'm totally disgusted. Well, and I'm, I'm seeing in the news, all the news reports, there's no one there to speak for the worker. There's no one there to speak for Mr. Kaufman on his what he has to say in this uh, this ruling by the judge and the prosecutor. That I understand. It's all one-sided. It's all one-sided. There's the, no one from the union. I, I don't even know if the family was there. I don't even know if Mr. Kaufman's family was there. The problem is this, and I'll tell you, John, because that happened uh, back in 1995. The uh, lead detective who was assigned to the Brooklyn District Attorney's uh, office uh, at that time, the Brooklyn DA was always like half in the bag. Do you know who I'm talking about? Mr. Joe Hines? Yeah, Joe Hines, who had his house out there in Breezy Point, the Irish Riviera, always half in the bag. He had his lead investigator, who was NYPD Detective Louis Scarcella, who jammed up so many guys, mostly black, some white, some Hispanic. I I think it's like 25 guys he set up. And I got to tell you, apparently, Louis Scarcella set these three guys up to take the dive. Uh, That's why this case uh, was reviewed by Eric Gonzalez. As you know, I'm not a fan of Eric Gonzalez. When he busts guys with loaded 9 millimeters the first time, they get a diversion program. Uh, but I also have to credit my former colleague here, Ron Kuby, whose mommy is a commie, who I think represented one or two of them, and brought this information to light. This guy, let me tell you, John, this guy, Louis Scarcella, who lives in Staten Island, imagine has put away about 25 guys wrongfully who did 25 or more years upstate in prison. And yet we can't touch him. We can't do anything to him. So yeah, you know what's upsetting about this with me, Curtis? Yes. Is that this is the first time I've heard about this. There was no like giving people an opportunity to go and speak and present any 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 sides besides what the prosecutor put forward today. Yeah, so but, but, but you a total see, surprise! I I get home and and I see this. Where did this come from? Yeah, we see, or you wouldn't know, and most people wouldn't know, but the moment Louis Scarcella's name was attached to it, I say, oh, he set up some other guys. This guy, I'm telling you, mostly black guys he jammed up, some Hispanic, some white guys. What he would do is he would get a case, 
uh, from Charlie Hines, like I said, half in the bag. And he would go out there and he would jam these guys up and claim that he had evidence against them and claim he had witnesses. And sometimes if they were young, they would confess because he would tell them, hey, look, confess now. You'll be, you'll be out of here in six hours. And the next thing you know, they're being photographed, fingerprinted, and charged with uh, murder, attempted murder, manslaughter, I mean, really serious charges. I got to tell you, John, when you tell me that a detective, Louis Scarcello, was involved in a case, immediately I say he probably set these guys up. The only problem here is, is that what about the cases that were presented properly that he might have got proper convictions with? Are they going to be thrown out as well? No, because each of them... And, and is it going to be like a Friday afternoon surprise in the, in the summertime? You never heard about the case before. I haven't heard about this in 25 years, this case. Yeah, but they... I was they, working at the time, and I'm still working. I'm still working in a token booth. I can't, this is the first time I heard about this in 25 years. Well, I got to tell you, when Ken Thompson was elected DA and unfortunately died at an early point, I think he had uh, pancreatic or prostate cancer. I'm not sure. And then they had the election, and Eric Gonzalez was elected. So he took his place, and then he was elected. They set together, they've put up a unit to review all of these Scarcella cases, a very thorough examination. And I got to tell you, I know it came out of nowhere for you, but they've been, they've been diligently following up these cases for many, many years. And I got to tell you, John, you know, when he's right, he's right. Uh, I know that Ron Kuby was part of this case, uh, diligently kept on the case and made sure that the innocent uh, guys, in addition to their other co-counsel, did not get jammed up. Can you imagine 1995 and you're getting released now? Imagine all those years up there. It's like the Central Park Five, same thing, man, got jammed up. He got jammed up. The guy who actually did it confessed, and the DNA was on the Central Park Jaga. They had nothing to do with it. And Donald Trump never apologized for that. Hey, look, I made a mistake on that, too. Other people made a mistake. I publicly apologized. I thought they had uh, uh, done the rape and the assault on the Central Park Jaga. They didn't. Takes a man or a woman when you make a mistake to own up and fess up and admit you were wrong. Some people never admit they're wrong. Never. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. It's another side of midnight. Seventy seven WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa. Seventy seven WABC. Can you imagine wrongfully incarcerated, doing 15, 20, 25 years of hard time in a state penitentiary, only to find out that you got jammed up by a cop like Scarcella, who's done it over and over again, who's living the life for Riley out in Staten Island, denying everything, and we can't do anything to him. Something wrong about that. Could... Could they all be wrong that he jammed them up? Could could all of these different DAs and all of these different investigators who dug up the dirty bones on this guy, Scarcella, and some of you out there in Staten Island and Brooklyn probably know this guy. 
is a double discretion. He's a double shanda. If he died tomorrow, if he took a shower in the morning, slipped and fell, and broke his neck, God would have done justice to this guy. Whew. Bad dude. Anyway, let's go to Sammy and Howard Beach. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sam. All right, Curtis, listen. Uh, in Avery's defense, I've won four times, and within five days, those prizes have been right on my doorstep. Wow. So you give him a high five. You give Avery a high five. No, I'm not trying to pull a Scarcella here. <laughs> where you, you know. This is good. This is good to hear. All right. Now, I got, I got another thing, you know. Um, I love your lunchtime show. And I don't know if you remember back in the uh, about 2005, 2006, Chaz Terry did a one-man play about a Bronx tale. I think they should do a one-man play about Curtis Sliwa. I think that would be dynamite, going from one subject to another over a period of decades. Now, I had actually, believe it or not, did that in the old supper club, uh, which was on, I think it was, uh, yeah, by the way, I know it was in Broadway. It wasn't on 46, 47. It might have been 48th between 7th and 8th. It was at the uh, supper club, uh, Sammy, and uh, I remember I had a packed audience. It was a one-man show, and I talked about my life and times in a very fast-paced, el rapido fashion. Like a verbal whirling dervish with a Gatling gun, and yet it never went anywhere. It opened one night and closed that next night. But it is ripe for revival. Many people said that the uh, mob put the muscle on those that own the supper club to make sure that that didn't go on more than one night. When those curtains closed, it was curtains for me. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, where was the old supper club, which was the actual staging area for probably the longest-running musical ever to be on Broadway? Old Calcutta. You remember old Calcutta? People didn't wear any clothes. Remember they had those posters in which they had those uh, towels over them, snapping towels? How many of you went to Old Calcutta, huh? Come on, admit it. Admit it. And where was the supper club that I had my one-man show? It opened one night and closed that same night. And some will say it was because of the Bonanno crime family. Inquiring minds want to know. Take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. Don't get nervous, uh, Broadway Bill Lee and Avery. 
No, the the Army has not crossed the uh, Rio Grande yet. Thousands of the illegal aliens, mostly from Mexico, Central America, some from Africa, some from Asia, some from parts unknown. But they're all mounted at the border, and they're just waiting for Papi Chulo, Joe Biden, to say, Mira, 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 andale, andale, andale. Don't worry. Don't worry. So what? We'll all learn uh, English as a second language, right? You have to be say, hey, hey, Avery, you're going to have to speak Spanish. Broadway Bill Lee, you're going to have to speak Spanish. English will be your second language. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I mean, look what happened to Ricky Martin, right, Mr. Menudo there? Oh, my God, is he in trouble. Incest against his nephew? What the hell was that? I want to remember him in Menudo. Remember boy bands, Menudo, Ricky Martin, and, and now what the Well, well, Ricky Martin? Incest with his nephew? Oh, God. All right, don't get nervous. We're playing this music because we're going to do an in-depth discussion about bodegas. Bodegas. Why? Because of Jose Alba who has uh, developed international renown because he was minding his own P's and Q's on 139th Street and Broadway at the Blue Moon Bodega, although it says grocery store. (laughs) Tell that to Andrew Yang. Remember Andrew Yang was running for mayor in the Democratic primary? He was ahead in the polls, ahead of Eric Adams, ahead of the other contestants, and he didn't know the difference between a bodega... A deli and a grocery store. He had no idea. Remember, you walked into a deli. He was living there. What was that? In the Hell's Kitchen. Said deli on it, right? And he said, oh, it's a bodega. Oh, my God. Plus, he got lost. Remember, he took the A train. He thought he was in the Bronx. Uh, A train didn't go to the Bronx. He was on a learning curve. Nice guy. But he's not a learning curve. You think he knows what a bodega is? Now, I think. I think so. Everybody. Everybody talks about bodegas. But do you really think they know anything about bodegas? Probably not. I mean, look at uh, Madam First Lady. She wants to be called a doctor. Dr. Jill Biden, she was uh, in San Antonio. The predominantly Mex-Tex city of San Antonio. Not too many Puerto Ricans down there or Cubanos. Mostly Mexicanos who are Americans. But boy, you think her husband messes up on a daily basis? He does. Uh, you think her uh, son, Hunter Biden, messes up? Did you see him go down that water slide the other day, that picture? Hopefully somebody uh, had some kind of sanitizer on that uh, slide afterwards. And the guy is in a pool, and the crackhead prostitute is filming him, and he's got his Johnson. He's holding on to his Johnson. What a freak! Boy, what a dysfunctional family the Bidens are. I thought the Kennedys were dysfunctional, and they were and still are. I thought... uh, That the Bushes were dysfunctional, right? Bush 43. 
put down a coquina there. He was president of the Texas Rangers and while in a drug-induced psychosis under cocaine, and he was an alcoholic, uh, uh, Spuds McKenzie. Who did he trade from the Texas Rangers to the Chicago Cubs? Slamming Sammy Sosa and got nothing in return. This is when Slamming Sammy Sosa was black. Now, if we went to the DR Santo Domingo, we would run into uh, Slam and Sammy Sosa and we'd say, Oh my God, you are the whitest person I have ever seen in the world. I mean, he's bleached out, right? You know how you call blackout? It's bleach out. I mean, you thought Michael Jackson, that pedophile on a pedestal, was bleached out? You think Beyonce was bleached out on some of those album covers? Man, you got to see Slammin' Sammy Sosa now. It's sort of like, wow, we could put you on the ivory snow box. You're that white. But you see, you caused me to digress because we know that Slammin' Sammy Sosa would know what a, a bodega is. And what goes on inside of a bodega? There's the good, the bad, and the ugly. We're going to get into that. But first, uh, let's listen to Madam First Lady. I will not call her doctor. What is this doctor crap? How many people? Oh, you got to call me doctor. Remember Michael Savage used to be on? Thank God he's on. Oh, I'm Dr. Savage. What are you a doctor of, right? What did you run a cafeteria at Jamaica High School where you went? Doctor this, pal. But here's uh, Jill Biden in San Antonio. Uh, doing a tremendous disservice to Latinas, Latinos, and Hispanics everywhere. Raul helped build this organization with the understanding that the diversity of this community, as distinct as the Bogodas of the Bronx, as beautiful as the blossoms of Miami, and as unique as the breakfast tacos here in San Antonio... Bogota? Isn't that in Colombia? I think. I, I've never been in Colombia. Uh, the only place in Central America I've ever been is Brazil. I would have liked to have been in Uruguay and Paraguay. Would have liked to be in the Argentine last tango in Buenos Aires. Would have liked to have been in Santiago, Chile. Really would have loved to have been in Caracas, Venezuela. Before Hugo Chavez, after Hugo Chavez with Maduro. Would have loved to be in Guyana. Oh, yeah, British Guyana, then French Guyana, and, yeah, Dutch Guyana, a.k.a. Suriname. Oh, God, would have been so good. Bolivia, Colombia, Ecuador. Oh, my wife Nancy has been to Ecuador many times uh, for medical and dental work. Apparently, they really do a good job, and it's like pesos to the dollars. And I'm sure some of you have gone to Ecuador for exactly that purpose, although I understand that one of their culinary de delights is rat. Yuck! Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And this is the uh, song to discuss Jose Alba. Minding his own business in that bodega on 139th and Broadway. He had at one time owned a bodega himself and went chapter 11. Uh, so his son had a bodega and said, hey, Pops, why don't you work in my friend's bodega behind the counter? You know about everything there is to uh, know about bodegas. So he did. 
And you remember that fateful uh, night, he was behind the counter, and an African-American woman comes in with her child, and she's got her snap card. You know what that is. That's the old uh, food stamps. Remember, you used to come in with the coupones, the coupones, and you'd have different coupons for food stamps. And sometimes if you had used up your allotment, somebody would say, hey, I'll give you cash for what you got left because... I know you want to buy things you can't buy with food stamps, uh, with coupones, right? You know, like malt liquor, cigarettes, cigars, tipperellos, blunts, you know, things you can't buy, right? Okay, so it's like, what do you call that, a swap? What do you call that, a, a barter, in essence? And how many times you have a snap card now, like a debit card, and you go in to the cashier, and you see that on the snap card, it's Cheryl. And the guy who has the snap card is the guy who's like six foot two with a beard. And you say, did you go through a transition? Are you a transgender? No, I'm a guy. Yeah, but the picture on the snap card is of a woman. Mind your business. Just swipe it. And oftentimes, if there is enough resource on the card, guess what? You get what you bought. But on this particular evening... The woman assembled $30 uh, worth of different groceries and a bag of Lay's potato chips on the counter. And so Jose Alba took the snap card and put it in once, rejected, twice, rejected, three times, rejected. The woman went crazy and said, ah, no, 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 you're lying, you're lying. He said, I'll tell you, uh, it's just not working. It's rejecting it. And so the uh, girl of the woman is walking out with that big bag of Lay's potato chips. Yeah, you got to give me that back. And the woman goes ballistic, the mother, and she tears up the store on the other side of the counter. And then she tells everybody, I'm going to get my boy toy, I'm going to get my man, and he's going to do you right. Now, when you're in the hood and somebody threatens to bring their man, you got to assume that they are. If they say, I'm going to go back to my crib and get my gun, you got to assume that they are. If they get all whacked out and they say, I'm going to go out and get my posse, we're going to come back and shoot the place up. Guess what? You better hit the mattresses and stir the marinara sauce because there's a pretty good chance you're going to do it. And by the way, you're not going to find no police around. No, no, no. Call 911. And the 911 operator will say, Jose Alba. We have somebody who can translate. Can you hold a second? And then they'll put on the translator in Spanish. What can I do for you, Mr. Alba? Well, this woman uh, threatened to bring a boy toy back. I know he just got back from a bid upstate in which he assaulted a cop. He's a monster on the block. Uh, could you send a squad car? Uh, Mr. Alba, could you call once he does commit a crime? Yeah, I, wait a sec. Please. We have so many calls coming in. You know, this is Fear City nowadays. We can't send a police officer just because of a threat. Click. You know how frustrating that is, Broadway Billy. You know when they threaten you, they mean it. You know the difference between when they're faking you out, when they're fronting you, and when they mean it. And Jose Alba and everybody in that bodega, whether they were playing uh, dominoes outside, drinking... Uh, Bacardi 150, you know, taking shots at that. Oh, my God. Will that knock you off your tuchus? Or they're in the back there, you know, uh, playing illegal 
Dominican lottery games. We're going to get into that momentarily. You know, playing the trifecta there. Three numbers, three numbers. What did it come up in Santo Domingo? Hey, wait a second. I digress. So the boy toy comes and he's flexing. Where's that guy? You! And he comes over the counter and he pushes him down in his chair. And you can see Jose Alba looks, looks away. He's intimidated. And later on, we hear the audio with the video. They say, Papa, I don't want any trouble. And he starts talking trash again. And one of the customers tries to distract his brute. But he ain't taking none of that. And then he grabs Jose Alba. You know he's going to grab him outside. And it's probably some of his homies are going to put boots to the back of his neck and maybe stick him with a knife or two. And it'll be like a squealing pig. And ain't nobody going to jump in. In the hood, ain't nobody jumping in. You're on your own. It's Darwinian. So what does Jose Alba do? Like all bodega workers or owners, they got to stash weapons in different places just in case it gets out of control. And you saw Jose Alba, he takes that butcher knife and then he slices his throat. He gets that jugular vein. So the guy's like bleeding out, but he's still struggling. And while he's struggling with this monster who comes up, the old lady who started it all, right? And reaches into a purse and pulls out a shiv and stabs him in the arm a few times. So he's bleeding, but the monster is bleeding out. And the next thing you know, the woman leaves and says, I'll be back for more. Oh, my God. Cops arrive. What happens? Do they go after the woman with the knife who stabbed him in the arm? No. They put the cuffs on Jose Alba. Sorry. Put him out on Rikers Island. D.A. Bragg, turn him loose, D.A. Bragg. How dare you protect yourself? You dare protect? You're vigilante, huh? What are you, like Bronson and Death's Wish? You like Bernard Getz? We'll fix you, Jose Alba. We're sending you out to the rock. $500,000 bail over your head. If you can put up 250000 in collateral or cash, we'll spring you. Thankfully, his court-appointed attorney, public defender, a woman who I disparaged initially because she had not returned my email since I had Nancy at the ready who had, who has practiced criminal defense in Brooklyn at 100 Skimmerhorn Street. So she knew the routine. I showed up with Nancy and the Guardian Angels in Section F of 100 Center Street. We're ready. And they're going through a whole laundry list. And then finally, after lunch, I had to come back here in order to do the lunchtime edition uh, that I do now Monday through Fridays after Bill O'Reilly's 15-minute update from 12 to 12.15. I'm on from 12.15 to 1. But Nancy and the Guardian Angels held down the fort. They spoke to the family and friends. Uh, We had some Hispanic Guardian Angels, some uh, Hispanic Guardian Angels from the DR, from Washington Heights. And we got a lay of the land. And luckily, his public defender negotiated a new bail, which would have meant they would have had to put up about 50000 figure about 10% of that in collateral. And the judge said, ixnay on that. If you can lay out 5000 in cash, I'm going to let Jose Alba go home tonight from The Rock. He'll have to wear a fortune off uh, a bracelet around his ankle. He'll have to stay at home and only be able to go to doctor or lawyer's appointments, and he has to alert the DA's office before he does that. But he's going to be held under home incarceration under uh, supervised uh, scrutiny. That's how it uh, stood. And then all of a sudden you saw all these organizations pop up like pop-up stores. 
the big bodegas group, the small bodegas group, the Yemeni bodegas group, and every Tom, Dick, and Harry, and Sally, people I've seen before who are charlatans, pimps, they had set up a GoFundMe site. They raised $20,000. You notice how Broadway Bill Lee, boom, they took it down. Where did that 20000 go? You think Jose Alba's going to see a penny of that or his family? Remember, he can't work. He's got no income because he's got to stay at home. Uh, who's paying Jose Alba's family's bills? Well, probably his son who uh, has a bodega, but come on. They raised 20000 Who raised the money uh, in the GoFundMe, and how come all of a sudden it was taken down? Because you know probably damn well it was people ripping off on the name of Jose Alba, and they're all out there. Ladies and gentlemen, there are people fundraising supposedly on behalf of Jose Alba and his and his family. Don't believe it. They're rip-off artists. They're pimps. They're charlatans. Uh, they're what we call... Uh, uh, where have you shown? Where have you been lately? The crew—they all. Oh, I know Jose Alba. It's like Spartacus. I know Jose Alba. I know. No, you—you yeah, you know Jack Daly Squad. And I'm looking at all of this, and I'm saying, "Whoa, he's got all these fair weather friends." And then they went and they met with the uh, Turn 'Em Loose DA, Alvin Bragg. And according to what they said, oh, no, no, he's very amenable. He's not amenable to anything. If he was amenable, he would have cut him loose from day one. This guy protects criminal rights. God forbid, as a victim, you fight back. He's going to make an example of you. And if you notice, we're almost a week away. Has he released Jose Alba? Hell no. There are a lot of charlatans, pimps, and shakedown artists out there. We're getting a lot of FaceTime. Oh, we love Jose Albert. No, you love yourselves, and you love your ability to raise money. Then I love them. They're arguing over the right to carry, the right to defend themselves. The Yemenis say, oh, well, no, no, we didn't say we need guns. Of course not. You got Gurkha knives, and you got a whole family in that, quote, Yemeni bodega. They're the toughest. I've seen them on Malcolm X Boulevard in Bedstuy, do or die. I've seen them on Rockaway Avenue in Brownsville. Never ran, never will. Two, three, four generations of those from Yemen. And I go in and I say, hey, whose side were you on? Were you on the royal side or the communist side in the first civil war? And they go, how the hell do you know that? You mean not, not now the Houthis versus the Saudi-backed uh, uh, fighters in Yemen? I said, no, no, no. I'm talking about the old civil war. Tough. They carry Gurkha knives. You attack one, you attack the entire family, including the women who are in the back room, and they come out ready to slit your throats. You do not want to mess with those from Yemen who own those bodegas. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Joseph, who's calling from Parkchester, where uh, AOC, all our crazy Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, still has not been seen. She claims she lives there. Have you seen her there, Joseph? Giuseppe, what happened? He faked this out. He did a fugazi on us. He stayed on all that time. Uh, let's try one more time. Go to go to Giuseppe right there, please. Hey, you there, Joe? You don't do this to me, Joe. I will find you. I will stalk you. I will hunt you down, Giuseppe. Because you made a fool out of me now. Meantime, Avery is over there laughing. <laughs> Think Avery was part of that setup, huh? 
1-800-848-9222. Now, speak of AOC, all our crazy Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Democratic Socialists of America, the Justice Warriors. He had that guy, that self-appointed conservative comedian who was on the steps of the House of Representatives the other day, basically saying, hey, Mima, hey, mommy, mommy, talking about her round posterior, giving her a booty call. He thought that was cute. He thought that was funny. She said she wanted to knock his schnoz right down his throat. Well, I got to tell you, as much as I disagree with AOC, all our crazy Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she was right. This guy was a pig, a Hazarai. Yay! There's no reason you talk about women in that fashion. No reason whatsoever. And he's getting a lot of cred from different people. Yeah, yeah, you confronted her. No, 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 no. That's not the way you confront a woman. That was wrong with a capital W-R-O-N-G. Man, what a Hazarai. What a pig he was. And he fashions himself as a self-appointed conservative comedian. My God. And I know some of you out there, you were calling up different shows. Oh, yeah, yeah, he, he fixed it. By the way, you know, we'll probably spend more time in the Bronx than AOC, all our crazy Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who spent most of her life in Terrytown Heights in Westchester, went to Terrytown Heights High School. Uh, her name was Sandra Ocasio when she was... Uh, Pretending to be a valley girl. You know, who spent more time in the Bronx? In fact, it's interesting. It was alleged that she had an affair with the prince, the killer of uh, Khashoggi today, who bumped fists with Joe Biden. What is it about these guys in Saudi Arabia? Every one of our presidents buck and bow and kiss their Arab tuchuses with their fake, phony, fraudulent Schmatters on their head. They, they claim they bow to Mecca and Medina five times a day. They're very observant of the 3,000 uh, members of the House of Fraud. And then they come to America, Broadway Billy. They have those knockoff Armani suits. All of a sudden, they're chasing, uh, they're chasing uh, skirts. They're doing cocaine. They're at the Club Zero Bond, probably with our mayor right now. He's still there, by the way. Eric Adams says, not left Club Zero Bond, the private club. Whatever happens at Zero Bond stays at Zero Bond. If you wine them, dine them, pocket line them, nobody will know. Uh, they love to go there. They love to knock back Jameson. They love to be decadent and debaucherous here. And then they pretend to be pristine and celibate there, unless you're talking about all the concubines that they have as part of their harem. But I've seen Bush 43 kiss the crown prince's hand at Crawford in Texas. Yeah. I've seen Barack Obama, our president, bow to the crown prince in Saudi Arabia. What the hell is that? Almost every president. Oh, God, Saudi Arabia. These butchers, these dictators, these oppressors. And then today, fist bumping. What the hell is this a fist bump? God, you know how they deal with dissidents. Uh, yeah, Broadway, Billy Avery, a word to the wise, they take him into the stadium. And they give him a poke and a chop, as if they just had a pork chop. They take that long Saudi sword and they give him a poke right in the gut, and then they chop their heads off. 
because they would dare criticize the crown prince. Let's face it, if it wasn't for us and our military might and the military weapons we send to the House of Fraud, they don't have any fighters there who are willing to fight. They depend on mercenaries, many of them from the Sudan. Oh, yeah, yeah, they hire their fighters. It's like Rome in its final days when it was falling apart and the population was so decadent, so debaucherous. They had to depend on Hessians and mercenaries and others to sustain the empire. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to uh, Benny, who's calling from the Poconos. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Benny? Hey, Curtis. How you doing? Hey, how you, how you how think you? I'm doing, Benny? How you think I'm doing? You had have, you have better days, I know. Thank you. Thank you. By the way, you're in the sixth borough of the city of New York, the Poconos. Which part of the Poconos? Stroudsburg. Huh, and how long you been there? Like 20-something years. You notice a lot of New Yorkers up there, don't you? Oh, yeah, we're all over there. I mean, that red bus leaves the Port Authority every day at about 4.30. It's packed with New York City civil servants uh, who just go back and forth because they get a a cheaper home, better quality of life, better schools. Correct. And they're going to keep coming, Benny. They're going to keep coming. Oh, yeah, once the housing market... Collapses even more, comes up here, pays less taxes, cheaper house, like you said, more land. And what's the other thing, Benny? What can they have up here that they can't have in the city? Guns. Yes. Free open carry. Lots of guns. Carry. <laughs> or as uh, my I wife love Nancy it. loves to vi- uh, visit with her uh, her mother up there because she gets a... She gets to go with her AK-47 that she has stashed in Pennsylvania, and she goes and shoots some stuff or whatever it is she does with those things. There's a couple of ranges up here, too, so. Yeah, no, no, no. My, my, my wife, Nancy, likes to go out there in the wilds, and she goes, I shoot stuff. I said, what do you shoot? She goes, none of your business. Could be the turkeys or bears. Or no, no, no. She remember she's the animal lover. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Never mind oh, that. No, 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 but probably cans and inanimate objects, and she probably puts up pictures of me, silhouettes of me. You know, when I get on her nerves. <laughs> I did see a couple pictures of you floating around town. Yeah, I can imagine. Look, I've had a lot of exes who, uh, if they uh, loved guns uh, like my wife Annie Oakley Nancy, would probably have shot me full of holes like Swiss cheese. But anyway, you have a trivia answer. Yeah, I guess so. Or the Bruce Lee movie. No, no, no. What, what, what do you mean you Kareem guess Abdul-Jabbar. so? What do you mean you guess well, so? Oh, yeah. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Okay, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, a.k.a. Lou Alcindor. Yeah, the movie Game of, Game of Death. Good. Excellent. Wow, you're sharp. You picked that up right away, Benny. Sharp as a nickel. I misjudged you. Shame on me. Shame on me, Benny. I thought for sure you were going to be a dollar short and a day late. Not this time. Now, Benny, do you have any bodegas up there in the Poconos? We are we are bogatas, not bodegas. Oh, bogatas. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I've seen a lot in Allentown. Oh, man, in the Lehigh Valley. Yeah, all over. They're all over. All over. Not a, like. You know, a lot of Puerto Ricans and a lot of Latins over there. You know, Puerto Rican, they parade there. and So tons of bodegas. 
Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I, I've, uh, I'm marching that uh, Puerto Rican Day Parade in Allentown. When we come back, I'm going to tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly about bodegas only the way Curtis Sliwa could. Because so many people assume, they say, Curtis Silva, vaya, Boricua. No, not Puerto Rican. I'm not Hispanic. But if you say Silva, people seem to think, hmm, he's a guy who would know about bodegas. Anyway, stay on the line, Benny Avery. Do due diligence because Benny actually superseded my expectations. I really didn't think he would be up to it, but he slam dunked that about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with Bruce Lee, a.k.a. Lou Alcindor. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. You're going to learn a lot if you listen to Curtis. All night long. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. All right, don't get nervous here. God. Broadway Bill Lee. English is still a primary language. Although with this kind of music playing, you're going to think we're La Mega Radio Wado. You're going to think, uh, well, wait a second. Is this some kind of hot Latin club playing salsa, merengue, bachado? Huh? No, the reason we're playing this is uh, we got to get into a deep-dive discussion about bodegas, good, bad, and ugly. Uh, could I hear what uh, Madam First Lady, I refuse to call her doctor, Jill Biden, had to say in her appearance in San Antonio before a Latino crowd who were hanging on every one of those words dripping from her doctorial lips? Raul helped build this organization with the understanding that the diversity of this community, as distinct as the Bogodas of the Bronx, as beautiful as the Blossoms of Miami, and as unique as the breakfast tacos here in San Antonio. God, (laughs) who the hell wrote that on her teleprompter? I even, her husband can't read the teleprompter. She can't read the teleprompter. Hunting Biden, he doesn't need a teleprompter. Just give him uh, some rocks of crack cocaine. Let him beam himself up to Scotty, and he'll talk on and on and on with a gun in his hand while sliding down that water pond the other day. Who sanitized it after he slid into that pool with the crackhead uh, prostitute uh, taking the video? And then he emerges holding his Johnson in his hand. God, is that a sickola or what? How do they even let him in the White House? Does anybody uh, defog him, you know, cause him to uh, basically de-louse before he can go into the White House? Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Our cell now... It's the Curtis Sliwa bedtime tale, although none of you are going to sleep. We're going to take you to the break of dawn until 6 o'clock. We're going to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly about bodegas, because nobody will do this except for Curtis Sliwa. 
Number one, what is it that a bodega would do that most delis and grocery stores will not do? They will sell you Lucy's. I know, Avery, when you're bummed out because you got that tobacco Jones, because I know you as a righteous Euro-Asiatic man, you love those menthols, man. You love <laughs> those Newports. You walk into a bodega, you can't speak a word of Spanish. All you do is say, Newport, they pop you a, uh, a Lucy. In bad times, it's 50 cent. In good times, it's a dollar. And then, of course, in the back is the illegal Dominican lottery. I'll explain to you momentarily. I know, Broadway Billy, you remember the numbers game. Right? You remember the spots, okay? <laughs> you remember years ago how you would... Uh, you would find your spot right in the neighborhood and play your numbers. Well, that's somewhat similar, but uh, you better take notes. Better get a pad and pen. Now, if you have a malady, say you got pains and strains or toothaches, they'll sell you pills over the counter that are not FDA approved, but only to a fellow Dominican. They're not going to sell it to any gringo or moreno or anybody else. Certainly not an Asian guy because. It's, it's a cultural thing. And by the way, they work. I've actually taken them from time to time. They work. They're like antibiotics, painkillers. Although uh, the FDA would have you locked up if they caught them selling that. Then if all of a sudden, let's say, uh, Broadway Billy, somebody lifts your cell phone, right? Lifts your cell phone. You say, well, why would they steal my cell phone? Because... I can put it on lock, right? Nobody can use it. They're not going to be able to know the code. There are certain bodegas, if you bring that cell phone, an Android is an example, they'll jailbreak it. That's what they call jailbreaking it. They'll break through the code, and then they'll put a chip in, and then all of a sudden they'll sell it. The hardest one for them to jailbreak, it's hard, but they're so popular that they're going to try to, uh, the iPhone, right? Uh, I mean, let's face it. Everybody wants an iPhone. They want an iPhone. And they call that jailbreaking. And all of a sudden, somebody goes into a Gristides or a D'Agostino run by our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis of Red Apple. They're going to specifically look to shoplift hmm, haagen And if they can get through the 52 chains that are now on the refrigerated section, and they took the those pints... Those pints, those quarts of haagen They're going to go from bodega to bodega and see if they could sell it to them, like pennies and pesos to a dollar. I have been in bodegas, especially in East New York and Brownsville, in which they had no liquor license and they were selling nutcrackers. You know what a nutcracker is? Uh, Broadway Billy, you have no idea. Avery, you know what a nutcracker is? I don't know. I know. Many guys will say that's what their old ladies are and that's what their wives are, nutcrackers, but that's not what I'm talking about. Who out there knows what a nutcracker is? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Now, they may not sell you hard liquor other than in the nutcracker, but they'll sell you cerveza without a license. Cerveza, right? But you've got to be Dominican. Oh, they don't trust no gringos, no morenos, no Asians, nobody else, because then they figure out, hey, that's how they get busted. Keep it internal. They'll give you credit. 
like the old-fashioned grocery stores or like the Jewish merchants who used to go door-to-door selling pillowcases and sheets, and they give you credit, you know, they write it down in the book. That's good in the neighborhood, let's face it. A lot of people need that credit, but they got to get the basics. And there will be guys mostly, some women will be hanging outside, they'll be playing the dominoes, so they like keeping an eye on the street, and there will be some uh, locals hanging out inside. Again, uh, you got to be Dominican. You know, the Puerto Ricans, uh, you find your own bodega. Huh? Yemenites, you find your own bodega. And in many instances, for the older Dominicans, it becomes like a bar. You know, you drink in outside and you're drinking in the back. Now, let's say Broadway Bill Lee, you want to find a bookie, a drug dealer, you need a gun, you want to find a prostitute. They're not going to sell it there. They don't have them there, but they'll, they'll steer you. They'll tell you where to go. Now, Avery, I know you're a man of chance. You, the times you work with Frank Morano, that degenerate gambler who always loses his money at the bodega. Excuse me, not the bodega. <laughs> Although, after listening to this, he'll probably go to a bodega in the north shore of Staten Island and play the Dominican lottery. But no, no, he shoots craps. And occasionally CeeLo. But they call it the tripleta. It's three numbers. It's like the pick three. And then... The winning number is whatever number is drawn in the DR. It's illegal. You can go into jewelry stores in the South Bronx. You can go in barbers, hairstylists, all. The Dominicans, they stay open like 24 hours. You say, can you be cutting hair all that time? Little parties going on there in the back room, and they sell the illegal Dominican lottery tickets. You got to ask for the person's name. Again, you got to be Dominican. You're not Dominican, you don't get to first base. And the counterman will produce a handwritten <clears throat> uh handwritten uh text with the illegal lottery number on it. It'll have the date, it'll have the number, and it'll have the place. It's called Los Números. So let's say uh you decide uh uh, Avery, that as a man of chance, you want to play the legal lottery, like Powerball or uh, any of those games, depending on what state or city you're in. It's like usually a 501 payoff, right? Oh, the DR lottery is so much better. It's about 601. And you can bet as much as you want. You could win upwards of $10,000, but no strangers. And a good Dominican barbershop, jewelry store, bodega might be able to clear $200,000 a week in their operation. Most, a hell of a lot less. Remember, they're going to give you a handwritten paper with the date, the number, and the amount that you bet. And remember this, there's a two-block rule. You try to muscle in on somebody's action. You think you're going to set up a hole in the middle of that two-block rule Man, you are asking for a civil war. That's like the old number spot. I know Broadway Bill Lee, you used to hang at the old number spot, right? You used to love the numbers. That's why you'd see so many guys online at 10 o'clock at night for the Bulldog edition, the pink edition of the New York Daily News, waiting for the paramutual returns. That's what kept a lot of those candy stores, those luncheonettes, and those other stores open because guys would be waiting around for the nighttime edition, the Bulldog edition of the Daily News to get the paramutual results from that day's racetrack 
and that would give you the numbers. And did I educate? Did I help you there, Broadway Billy? Remember, don't go into these Dominican barbershops, jewelry stores, bodegas, because you're Moreno. You're not a Dominican. You're not quite Sammy slamming Sammy Sosa. You know where you're Blanquito. But then again. Even though you have black skin, they're going to see you're not Dominican. They're going to ask you, hey, what's your hometown? And you're going to strike out, swing it, <laughs> tell you, get out of here. Want to buy some jewelry? Yeah. You want us to cut your hair? We don't know why, but, hey, we'll cut your hair. You want to buy some groceries here at the bodega? But don't ask about illegal Dominican lottery tickets. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's one 800 848 W.A.B.C., let's go to Al in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at W.A.B.C., Al. Hey, Curtis, you're beating out so much. And I, I don't hate anyone, but they cast the food stamps. They, uh, uh, they, they, he wouldn't afford a child, a uh, uh, potato chip, a bag of potato chip, mom broke. What kind of neighborhood, remember when we grew up, Curtis, that a neighborhood would afford you a bag of potato chips? But the farmer that come down there didn't ask. Al, Al, I'll tell you why. You don't give one bag of chips, a bag of pretzels, a bag of Fritos, a bag of lay chips, because if you give one, they're all going to come and take, take, take. And there's already shoplifting that's going on in which it's sleight of hand. I justify any of what's going on. I'm saying if a child came into my store wanting chips and mom was broke, I will give her the chips. Okay. And that's what I grew up. I grew up on 125th Street and said on Morningside. All right, I but you see, Al, Al, that's your choice. She came in with her mother. Her mother had the snap card. The snap card did not register, and the mother got all belligerent. Well, how, much money you think they, how much money you think they had spent in that store? You think that was their first time in there? They spent money in that store on a regular. And you, you want to afford that child a bag of chips. Dad got to come out and get crazy because no, no one knows what he said to him because she had to go get him. So, so I want I want to know this whole story, Curtis. So you think there's more to it than that? I I, I just don't see. You gotta you gotta turn why that radio you, down. Why would you Why would you uh go get uh dad? All right, now, now, let me, let me ask you. There's a certain code for any business, whether it's a bodega grocery store, deli, supermarket, fast food restaurant, regular restaurant, diner. You don't go over the counter. You go over the counter, you're a dead man, dead woman walking. Oh, no, no. I ain't justifying that, that part. Okay. That All part. Right. All right. I say, listen, you come at me like that, it is winner takes all. Hmm. But, uh, I just, I, me personally, the neighborhood I grew up, what I had in my heart, that child was not that, that store without a bag of chips. That was too easy. Now, let me my ask you a question. Uh, in the neighborhood you uh, grew up, uh, did the local grocery store serve also as the numbers joint? Oh, they had, they had their little thing going on. I had my little thing going on. I was in a lot of stuff when I was growing up. Things were going on, but they always treated everybody with respect. Yeah, that's how I have a bag of chips. That's true, and also they would give you credit. They would give you credit. My mom's had had credit. Yep. Yep, there'll be a little book. I don't don't understand what happened. We got a lot of nasty going on now. Mm. People are listening for the money. 
and they are all say community. I remember when we used to say neighborhood. That's true. Are you they, they, you're giving me something to think about here, Al. I hadn't really contemplated that. I was thinking oh, about. But did you know me? When you set up the tents with Mardi Gras over on Stellar Avenue, I came and took them down, and I spoke to you. When the streets there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. When y'all had the tent out there, you remember when I came and take the tent down for you? Oh yeah, I remember I that. Close. I remember that. Oh, I know you. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what I'm, I, I, you know I, what I'm, I'm, I, I'm thinking about, Al. Now that you've given me some more food for thought to try to do a deep dig on this, because I know there was a press conference out on Staten Island, Broadway. Bill Lee, you saw that with uh, Vito Vassello, the borough president, and the ambulance chaser Mike McMahon, the DA, the Democratic DA, who's threatened to lock up Michael Bonacic, Rudy Giuliani for filing a false police report. Remember when he got slapped in the back at that shop right? And he took the call from Eric Adams, who said, lock up, Rudy, turn the other guy loose. Remember that? Remember that? They had a press conference about the bodega guy, Jose Alba, not at 139th and Broadway, which is where they should have gone. They did it in Eltingville in Staten Island outside of a bagel bending joint. What the hell was that? By the way, Eltingville, the home of Mikey Scars de Leonardo, who set me up for that kidnapping and that killing, who admitted it, became uh, a uh, witness, confidential informant. But he lived right there in Eltingville. And by the way, he had his gumada living right down the block. Did you know that, uh, Broadway Billy? What the, what the hell were they having a press conference in Eltingville? Were they afraid to come to 139th and Broadway? Vito Fasella and uh, the ambulance chaser, Mike McMahon. Hey, Mike, you're going to charge my Kumbadichich Rudy? I'll convince him to move to Staten Island before November and run against you for DA and I'll run you right out of town. Notice you haven't heard nothing from Mike McMahon about that. Nothing. Take, I'll bet you he'll be at uh, Frank Morano's barbecue. He's probably right at the top of the list. That will tready tall. It's probably either number two or three. On the Frank Morano most desired list of attendees to his barbecue. It's taking place in a few hours. Let's go to Barry, who's calling from Bayview. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Barry. Hi, Curtis. How are you? I've had, I've had better days, man. Curtis, do you remember Fishhead? Oh, I remember Fishhead. I remember getting into a fight with him in... Uh, what was it? Fifth grade, and he beat the living daylights out of me. This guy was massive with the orange hair, big Irish kid. Yeah. What was his initials? I can tell you. Can you tell me? Mm, I don't know. He hit me so hard. I, 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 for- always, I always thought he was Italian based on his last name, but I played baseball with Fishhead. I grew up with Howard Schultz. Yeah. And uh, the first 19 years of my life was spent in Bayview. They have uh, they've been selling nutcrackers on the Canarsie Pier for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. I also I I also knew Cecil Sledge and Crazy Sal. Wow. And when you talk about the Bodega Lotteries, remember the Irish sweepstakes? Yeah. Well, uh, let me ask you about this. Let's go back to Fishhead because he was also a great catcher. I remember him in Little League. Had a great arm. Um... Cano- Excuse me, Curtis. I'm yes. sorry. 
Did you play in the Canarsie Little League? Yeah, yeah. I played for the Adam Blowers. How? Oh, my God. That was so embarrassing. He said, who you played for? The Adam Blowers. Oh, God. It was Harry Shoes. It was Bella Fury, the uh, hardware store. See, yeah, I knew Johnny Bella Fury, the, the father and the son. Yeah, well, hold, hold on. I want you to hold on uh, momentarily because Fishhead ended up getting whacked by the guy I sat next to in uh, – Grammar school and elementary school and junior high school, uh, Ronald Finkelstein, brilliant guy, but a whack job. It's another side of midnight, 77 WABC. Uh, you got to get back to the conversation. Hey, don't worry about that. Hey, I want to talk about it. Don't worry about the introduction. Everybody knows who uh, they're listening to right here. Enough of that. Hey, Barry, you still on the line? Yeah, I played for Barbara's Cake Fair. In the Little League, and when we would win a game, we would go over to the bakery, and they would give us those big Linzer tarts. <laughs> yeah, now let, let's get back to Fishhead, because I like the guy. Uh, he body slammed me in fifth grade outside. Everybody came out we were wondering uh, who was going to win. He he's much bigger than me. He was a good baseball player, good softball player, but hung out with the wrong crowd. And I remember he was hanging out with a guy named Pecoraro who lived on a house on the corner of Flatlands and Remsen and another guy. And they were stealing boats right near Broad Channel that were uh, out there on the buoys, uh, along with Ronald Finkelstein, who had gone to school with me, who I had to sit next to in order to control. He had anger management issues. And I remember Ronald Finkelstein uh, wrestled with them for an AR-15, and then he shot all three dead and went on a three-state uh, escape before the FBI busted him. Wow, I didn't know about uh, any of that stuff. I played ball with him and his best friend at that. They were on East 98th Street between M and L. And uh, his little friend, Albert, we were all the same age. Albert was uh, a little... Uh, Hyperactive, let's say. <laughs> a little titched, a little bots. So you knew him too, huh? Yeah, yeah, I did. I got I got to tell you, they they hung out with the wrong crowd because in Canarsie it was very easy to do, especially in the Avenue L. You had the Gambinos on one side. You had the Lucases on the other side. A lot of bad influence for young adults. But when I heard it on Winds, I heard it on Winds, uh, I was on my big Chief Schwinn bicycle at that time. I had that transistor radio, and I heard that the FBI was uh, in a three-state pursuit of Ronald Finkelstein. The guy used to get 98 in uh, science, 98 in math. I used to have to put headlocks on him to control him in class, but I was able to cheat off of him and uh, do pretty well uh, in those subjects. And I never in my life would have thought that he would have been fighting over an AR-15 rifle as they were stealing boats off a broad channel, and he killed Fishhead, Pecoraro, and another kid uh, who, uh, God, it was such a waste. Such a waste, Barry. That's uh, quite a story. As far as Howard Schultz, he was like in the next building. My brother he was uh, dating his sister for a while, and uh, I played stickball with him. For about six, six or seven years, he was a year older than me. And when he went to John Wilson, I was still going to elementary school. Yep. So I didn't see as much of him as I used to. But he was a crossing guard on Seaview Avenue at PS 272. And when we would have punch ball games, 
he would have to leave early to take his post. Yeah, and in fact, uh, he goes on to become CEO of Starbucks. Kid from the projects. He used to babysit for James Sally, the basketball player. And then he'd go over to Flatlands Avenue and look for some action card games uh, in the Lucchese Social Club. He always ended up owing them money. You did not want to owe money to Paulie Vario and the Lucchese's there. Yeah, the real-life guys from Goodfellas. Well, they, they always give him slack because he'd always somehow come up with the money. I had no idea how he did that. But he is my enemy now. He runs Starbucks. Uh, he's closing stores that are in crime-ridden areas. Or how dare they organize a union of baristas? Shut them down. Boy, where's the National Labor Relations Board dealing with how we shutting down stores because they would dare unionize? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. Go to sleep. Can't go to sleep. Oh no. Falling asleep in front of the TV each night could lead to an early death. And let's just attach that to radio, too. You're going to stay with me until the break of dawn because now we're going to talk about where so many of you have fled to or want to flee to Florida. And there is some disturbing news about DeSantis land. It has to do with the uh, cost of living in Florida, which has skyrocketed because of all the snowbirds from uh, north of the Mason-Dixon line fleeing to Florida as their first choice and destination. The prices of a rental, a lease, or the purchase of a home have just hit the fiscal ceiling. In addition, give you an example, this uh, will probably shock a lot of you, that for an average insurance policy for a car there, you may be paying $430 a month. $430 a month, where maybe the average car insurance where you're from is about $150 a month. 
Big difference. And then you got the stifling heat, the reckless drivers, the dangerous critters like the snakes, the toads, and those killer snails that have actually kept an entire town in Florida at bay. So some people are either returning to their state of origin or they're deciding you got to get out of here. Because with home insurance cresting up because of the reality and fear of hurricanes in the hurricane season, a lot of people are moving over to Tennessee. Which, you know, occasionally you get a twister or so that'll come down a tornado. But you don't have the kind of homeowner insurance that you got to carry in Florida because of the danger of storms. So, for instance, average uh, homeowner insurance uh, in a place like Tennessee is about a thousand bucks. In Florida, it's about two thousand bucks. So you start adding it on and on and on. Now, as you know, uh, Pretty Boy Gus Newsom, the governor of California and the most dysfunctional state in America, has decided that he would like to replace. Uh, uh, Papa Chulo, Joe Biden, in fact, while Joe Biden was away, he was actually invited to the White House. Who knows what was going on there? Hush, hush, mush, mush. Maybe a meeting with uh, former secretary, uh, excuse me, attorney general of California, Vice President Harris. Who knows? Who knows? But he is encouraging people from Florida to move to California. And apparently one family took him up on that. This is incredible. Even though Florida is now considered the least affordable state in the country because of the rising cost of housing and other essentials that are posing major challenges for newcomers and long-term residents alike. A guy named Craig and Colleen are leaving Florida and moving to Orange County, California this month with their two children. Based on the advertisements that Governor Newsom is running in the state, they know the cost of living may be higher there, but so are the wages. Apparently, the wages that they earn are rock bottom. The two purchased a four-bedroom Florida home for $496,000 in 2015. And uh, although the family acknowledges they will downsize in their move to California, they can find employment in which they can earn far more in Cali-Cali than they can in Florida. The ultra-wealthy individuals like hedge fund monsters or remote workers who are able to keep their out-of-state salaries can handle the increasing high costs of living in Florida. So, ladies and gentlemen, if any of you are planning your exodus like so many others, Florida is now rated the least affordable state in the country, and the rising cost of housing and other essentials pose major challenges for newbies and for the old Althacockers. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But the one reason you would move to Florida, first and foremost, uh, Broadway, Billy, and Avery, is because... They don't mess around when it comes to law and order. I mean, when you elect a sheriff in a county in Florida, you know that sheriff's got your back. I have been in many states in the United States. I have never seen more legal guns and illegal guns than I have, I've seen in Florida. 
I was in Pine Hills, a.k.a. Crime Hills, which is in Orange County, right outside of Orlando. It's a housing development. We walked in there to patrol the guardian angels down there and myself. They were firing tracer bullets over our heads, one gang and another gang, and we were in between. The sheriff's deputy was, like, way on the outside Orange County. We walked out there afterwards. We say, hey, man, you know, they're shooting at one another. He goes, they do that every night. I said, oh, aren't you going to go in there? Hell no. So why not? Well, you got the gangbangers with their illegal guns shooting, and then you got the senior citizens with their legal guns shooting back from time to time when they've had enough and they have to go to street and uh, sleep. And they say, knock it off, and they start capping some rounds at the gangbangers. <laughs> Man, I got to tell you, from the panhandle out near the Alabama border, right on down from the northeast coast from Augustine, which is uh, north of Jacksonville, Fort Pierce, oh, man, Fort Pierce, which is south of Port St. Lucie, uh, which is the uh, spring training headquarters for the New York Mets, where a lot of former civil servants from New York, you know, they get their uh, pension, their benefits, and then they open up an ice cream store down there. (laughs) Fort Pierce, though, whoa! I remember first time I was invited to Fort Pierce, two sides of the tracks, one on one side, the white retirees, like middle class, lower middle class, upper middle class, nice houses. On the other side, blacks who used to cut sugar cane over in the uh, that corridor that goes right across to the west coast of Florida towards uh, uh, Fort Myers. I mean, these guys, they lived on houses that were... Elevated, I'd say on sticks, you could actually crawl under their house. And in every house I was invited into, somebody had an AK-47 right in their bedroom, fully loaded, ready to go. And I said to myself, man, this is hardcore here. Yeah, Fort Pierce, a little town. Little town. Used to have mostly African Americans. Now it's mostly Haitians. And they still go over in the Everglades there and they get some jobs uh, cutting cane, they call it, cutting cane. And then they take Alligator Alley all the way from the East Coast right on over to the West Coast there. One straight ride. Don't stop along the way. I'm just telling you that. But let's listen to a sheriff talking about how there were a homeowner who had his house in uh, a home invasion in Florida and how he supported the homeowner grabbing that AK-47 and shooting. We have warrants on these two people, and we have now have a suspect uh, you know, name for the third person. So this third person was shot in the head, non-life-threatening injuries, but we are certainly looking to see if he is the third person that we're looking for. As of right now, we have warrants for Antonio Dean Jr., and we have warrants for Detorious Hackworth, and we're working on the third, uh, the third suspect. So those of you who might ask a question, is the homeowner going to be charged for shooting at these people? Absolutely not. The homeowner is protecting himself, and in Florida, in Escambia County, you can protect yourself. In Escambia County. I like that. You see how the sheriff is no hesitation. 
We got the back of the homeowner who had that fully loaded AK-47. By the way, these three bad hombres, as remember President uh, Trump called MS-13 years ago out in Central Islip, Brentwood, at the uh, federal courthouse uh, out there where he met with uh, the attorney general who came with him on Air Force One, Peter King, the congressman, remember? And President Trump then called MS-13 bad hombres, uh, unlike uh, Andrew Evil Ice Cuomo, who only called bad hombres of ICE. Limigre, Immigration and Naturalization Service, he called them thugs. Remember that? What a difference. Thugs, just like Eric Adams. You ask him, what about ICE? What about when they go out and get a retainer? On uh, an illegal alien who has committed crimes. Oh, they're thugs. Really, they're thugs. Not MS-13, not 18th Street. But it causes me to digress. We're talking about Florida. I want to hear that again because Broadway Bill Lee, almost every sheriff from Key West down south through the Okeechobees, right up to Jacksonville, through the panhandle to Pensacola, right before the border with Alabama, almost say the same thing. They support your right in Florida to blast the bad guy. Those of you who might ask a question, is the homeowner going to be charged for shooting at these people? Absolutely not. The homeowner is protecting himself. And in Florida, in Escambia County, you can protect yourself. Escambia County. Well, I guess that's a county you all ought to check into about possibly moving to. And these three bad hombres, I looked at their crime record, and they're only like 20, 21, 22. I mean, they had done B&Es, home invasions, carjackings, shootings, assault. These were enemies of the residents of Florida. They belonged in Stark Prison, the penitentiary there. Uh, where they still do executions from time to time in the northern part of the state. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Let's not forget the uh, Florida sh- sheriff from Santa Rosa County. And I want to say, uh, as to the person, we don't know what homeowner, which homeowner shot at him. Um, I guess they think that they did something wrong, which they did not. If somebody's breaking in your house, you're more than welcome to shoot them in Santa Rosa County. We prefer that you do, actually. Boy, they sound alike, right? In Santa Rosa County, the sheriff sounds just like that first county sheriff. We have warrants on these two people, and we have now have a suspect uh, you know, a name for the third person. So this third person was shot in the head, non-life-threatening injuries. But we are certainly looking to see if he is the third person that we're looking for. Uh, and I want to say, uh, as to the person, we don't know what homeowner, which homeowner shot at him. Um, I guess they think that they did something wrong, which they did not. If somebody's breaking in your house, you're more than welcome to shoot him in Santa Rosa County. We prefer that you do, actually. Wow, that is so good. And then the sheriff of Santa Rosa County says, look, whoever did it, have no fear. Come forward. We'll give you the Congressional Medal of Honor. Whoever that was, you're not in trouble. Come see us. We have a gun safety class we put on every other Saturday. And if you take that, you'll shoot a lot better, and hopefully you'll save the taxpayers money. God, this is so good. Wait. gets better. Listen to the sheriff in Polk County, Florida. I would tell them if you value your life, you probably shouldn't do that in Polk County because the people of Polk County like guns. They have guns. 
I encourage them to own guns. And they're going to be in their homes tonight with their guns loaded. And if you try to break into their homes to steal, to set fires, I'm highly recommending they blow you back out of the house with their guns. <laughs> so leave the community alone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, elected sheriffs in counties throughout Florida shoot to kill. By the way, we were talking about the CEO of uh, Starbucks, who grew up in the Bayview Housing Project, Howard Schultz. Uh, he announced the other day that he was closing about 12 Starbucks, uh, mostly in the north, Portland, Seattle, Los Angeles, uh, Philadelphia, because of crime, Washington, D.C. But Starbucks also said it will provide its baristas, who they claim are partners, with active shooter training as the coffee giant grapples with a surging crime across big cities nationwide. Now, you know that's mostly in their drive through um, barista locations down south in the Mason-Dixon line, because you know they're not going to be given active shooting training to their baristas in places like Seattle and Portland and San Francisco and Los Angeles and New York and Philadelphia and Boston and Chicago and St. Louis. You know they're not going to do that in Philadelphia. But it just shows you different parts of the country treat crime completely differently. Same country. Different way to treat it. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then remember, there's that 70-year-old woman outside of Orlando who is faced with a home invader, now 70 years old, and she lit this guy up. It was truly terrifying to have a man break into her home. She felt like she had to jump into action and defend herself, so that's why she says she shot him right at the end of the driveway. I didn't know what he was going to do, but I knew I was going to protect myself. I'm a fighter. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to defend myself. 70-year-old Virginia Morrison was inside her house yesterday afternoon near Bentwood Street and Farwell Avenue when she heard the door handle moving. The next thing she knew, there was an intruder in her home. And he stepped in. And I just turned around and I said, who are you? What do you want? Nothing. This guy never said a word the whole time he was here. She told him to leave and hit him with the broom, but says he swatted it away. Then her partner got his gun and Virginia got hers. Virginia's partner fired a warning shot from inside the house and Virginia went into the backyard. But that's when she says the intruder went outside and started walking toward her. I fired a warning shot, told him to back off. And he just kept coming. So she shot him in the chest. And I didn't realize I'd hit him, but... Once I looked, he had a hole right here in his T-shirt, and I thought, I got him. Virginia's neighbors say she's a tough lady. And if you think about coming in here stealing or robbing somebody, you got another thing coming. No wonder why so many people want to move to Florida. <laughs> you don't have to be a lone gunman. All your neighbors got guns, too. So if you don't shoot the home invader, they'll get them on the way out. But let's go to California because uh, pretty boy Gus Newsom, the governor, by the way, talk about do as I say, but not as I do. He uh, said to everyone in California, don't go to Montana for vacation because Montana is opposed to LBGQT plus uh, efforts. Uh, 
to be equal to the rest of their population in Montana. And yet, where did pretty boy Gus Newsom and his wife and his kids go to vacation recently? Of course, in Montana. Do as I say, but not as they do. It's always like, hey, in New Jersey now, where is your freaking governor, right? Who calls all of you knuckleheads, half in the bag Murphy, flew over to his $38 million villa in uh, in Italy, probably right near Lake Como with... Um, Trying to think right now, who would he probably be hanging out with? George and Amal Clooney. That reminds me, the pressure is on me. Yes, yes, it is, Avery. I know you reminded me and Broadway Bill Lee that I took quite the whipping uh, Thursday morning from Sid Rosenberg and Bernard McGurk, their morning show, in the seven o'clock hour when they they said, "Oh, you, are you gonna are you gonna ask your partner on Saturday?" Uh, you're going to ask Anthony Weiner about uh, how it seems like Bradley Cooper is now in a relationship with your former wife, Uma? And I said, well, and he said, whoa, you're afraid to ask him? You got to figure out how I'm going to be an inquisitor here. So remember, maybe Anthony will bring it up two to three in his program when he's solo the middle. I doubt he will. Then I got to press him on the issue. I don't want to look weak in front of Sid and Bernie, you know, where they badmouth me all the next week. Nah, I, I got to pop the question to him. There's no, no doubt about that. And by the way, you're not going to want to miss tomorrow's program 24 hours from now. We're going to go through all 68 terms that describe gender identity and sexuality expression. And I'm going to boil it down to forget about all that. You're a double X chromosome person, and that person's a XY chromosome person. We'll make it very easy. <clears throat> we'll make it extraordinarily easy. And, oh, you're not going to want to miss it coming up. We're talking about the um, guest list that Frank Morano has amassed with his lovely wife, Rachel, that does not include Curtis or Anthony Sliwa. I can tell you that categorically in just a few hours from 2 to 8. There will be a barbecue in their hacienda, uh, their Ponderosa out there in the south shore of Staten Island. And uh, I have not been extended an invitation nor to bring either Nancy or my oldest son, Anthony. By the way, I invited Frank to Anthony's baptism. He didn't show. His communion, he didn't show. His confirmation, he didn't show. That's fine. But I invited him. Me, Ugats, Bupkis, and you'll find out from his own staff. You don't even have to hear it from me. So, look, I'm going to take you to the break of dawn. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Speaking of California, where most of the uh, county prosecutors, like with Alvin Bragg in Manhattan, defend the criminals and prosecute those who fight back and defend themselves. In Riverside, which is part of L.A. County, you have this old codger there, 92 years old, who fought off home invaders with a gun. Uh, I'm the owner of the property back that had a burglar, and he didn't quite make it. 93-year-old Joe Teague was at his property on Eucalyptus Avenue in Moreno Valley around 1230 this morning, when he says he confronted several people breaking into the home. 
they parked at the curb and then they, they went back, kicked the door open, and they went in. And I believe there was ladies and men. But Teague was armed with a gun. And I approached him to put him under a citizen's arrest. They, they wouldn't hear that. One of them come at me with a fishing pole. And they kept throwing stuff at me, just like, you know, it was just like somebody comes to an, uh, you know, a gunfight with a, a pocket knife, you know. Have you had a lot of problems here lately? Yeah, oh, a lot of problems. That's not the first time they happen. They've been, they've been breaking in very often. A family member of Teague's told us this morning he'd been dealing with a number of burglaries lately. He's an old retired plumber, and he has a lot of tools. He got a lot of antiques, and he was a musician as well, so he got a lot of uh, uh, music instruments. And little by little, they've been ripping him off. I've had a lot of problems with the police department even showing up at burglaries. He was tired because every time they called the police, police was taking forever to come in and uh, assist them. And he took it, you know, the law in his own hands. By the way, they still haven't decided whether they're going to prosecute the old codger, the 92-year-old guy, for defending himself. That's California for you. By the way, let me give you an update on California. I gave you an update on Jose Alba, the bodega guy at 139th and Broadway at the Blue Moon uh, Bodega. Imagine this, two arrested in a string of fatal 7-Eleven robberies all in one day. Six 7-Eleven stores. The date, July 11th, or 7-Eleven, as it goes, which prompted questions of what significance the timing might have held. 7-Eleven had been celebrating its 95th birthday that day by giving customers free Slurpee drinks. I know if that were the case, Avery would have been going to every 7-Eleven he can find. Southland Corporation, oh yeah, 7-Eleven, they're all over the place. You know who's worked at 7-Elevens before? Matt Judge, before he started the Judge Report in Hollywood, California. That's where I first met him. Behind the counter. That's right. Serving up Slurpees and nachos in the wee hours of the morning. At a 7-Eleven in Hollywood Boulevard, I stopped in there with the Guardian Angel Patrol. And a lot of guys uh, who get jammed into the Witness Protection Program, given a new name, a new alias, they end up uh, serving up Slurpees and nachos in the middle of nowhere America. You know, Wyoming, Montana, uh, Idaho. All of a sudden, in the middle of leaving to Beaverland, Father Knows Best Little House on the Prairie. But let me give you this, what happened all in one day on 7-11, July 11th. The first crime situation occurred Monday at midnight. A masked man with a handgun robbed a 7-Eleven in Ontario. No, not Ontario in Canada. No. This was Ontario in California, which actually has a prison there. I'll never forget, I went there. It was a juvie prison. And I'm sitting, uh, and it is a hearing, a parole hearing for this juvenile delinquent who is uh, promising that he is gonna, he's going to fly right. And then one of the uh, parole officers asks him what he thought of his mother. And all of a sudden, his face went gray. And he said, that slut, that whore, that... And I said, you going to let this guy go? You gonna... This guy's going to kill his mother. 
Well, he didn't say that. He called their names. He said, deny him parole. No, they paroled him out. It's nuts in Ontario and California. Too much heat. You know, it's the high valley there on your way to Vegas through Bartow, where all the bikers are, and then, of course, Death Valley. But anyway, about three miles away at about 1240 in the morning, a man entered the 7-Eleven in Upland and aimed his gun at a Kirk clerk demanding cash. About an hour later, the first shooting occurred in Riverside, where the police found a man in his 40s bleeding from a gunshot wound inside a 7-Eleven. That person was taken to a hospital and luckily survived. By about 3.23 a.m., the gunman had traveled to Santa Ana in Orange County, about 40 miles southwest of Riverside, and shot and killed a 7-Eleven clerk. Then in Brea, a gunman shot and killed Mr. Hirsch, a 7-Eleven clerk, while trying to rob the store at about 3.30 a.m. About 20 minutes later, another gunman, same gunman probably, shot two people at a 7-Eleven in La Habra. Those victims were taken to a hospital. Can you imagine that all in one night? I'm telling you, being in a grocery store, convenience store, gasoline station convenience store, bodega, uh, fast food restaurant, diner, restaurant, all-night restaurant, 7-Eleven, Wawa's, any of those other, the most dangerous job, without a doubt. Finally, two people were arrested on Friday in connection with the string of robberies at the 7-Eleven stores in Southern California. Guaranteed, knowing the prosecutors out there, some of those places, Gasson, who's now up for recall. By the way, Gasson, you know, everybody said, wow, he just turns them loose. He's been the DA in L.A. County. He was the DA in San Francisco County before Boudin. He was a police officer. And he was the deputy chief number two to Bill Bratton when Bill Bratton was the police commissioner of the Los Angeles PD. I'd love to ask Bill Bratton, what the hell happened to this guy? You chose him as your number two guy? He's crazy. All night long, this is another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. W-A-B-C. New York's talk station with the king of New York, Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. So the exodus to Florida continues from Connecticut, from New York, from New Jersey and Pennsylvania. But there's now an exodus out of Florida because the cost of living is the highest in the nation. 
for the new timers and the old timers. So many of them because they're having to pay enormous amounts for car insurance, home insurance, and just the normal cost of living have decided to move to nearby Tennessee where they have no taxes whatsoever and uh, occasional tornadoes and floods, but nowhere near the Michigash that you have in Florida always thinking that any moment another another hurricane is going to come and wipe you out. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Oh. <laughs> and who the hell is moving from Florida back to New York? Remember Eric Adams, by the way, he has left the Club Zero Bond. He has departed. He did so at about 2.05, according to the birdies who are riding him out eating the Parmesan cheese. I have no idea where he's heading whether it's apartment 22H in Fort Lee, where he lives, Gracie Mansion, where they see him occasionally, um, believe it or not, Trump Tower, where he uh, sometimes uh, um, actually, I guess you could say, shack up with those two criminal friends of his, one of whom went to jail for, I think it was laundering money, the restaurant guy said he knows. He actually shacks up there uh, or at uh, this... uh, female's home in Prospect Heights that is his old lady, isn't his old lady. I'm not necessarily sure, but he's a man on the run. An enigma. Elusive. Throw shade at you if you dare question him. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. You don't want to miss it coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. How Frank Morano dealt me, Nancy, and Anthony out of his invitation deck. And I have documentary evidence. Up next, so in the 3 o'clock hour, the Beastie Boys, it took them nine years to get a street named after them. 99 Rivington Street. Rivington Street, excuse me. And you wonder, why did it take nine years? It took nothing for them to recognize Biggie Smalls with a plaza in Bed-Stuy, do or die. Or the 36 chambers of Wu-Tang Clan. That's right. ODB, Old Dirty Bastard, Little Jesus. You know, who is that? Uh, Dirt McGirt. No relationship to Bernard McGirt. That's right. Dirt McGirt. Remember he had those grills there in his mouth there? Huge. Uh, Avery was a big fan there of Dirt McGirt, a.k.a. Old Dirty Bastard, a.k.a. Baby Jesus. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. They had a plaza name in there on it, almost like a day after, in front of Park Hill and Stapleton, North Shore, and Staten Island. And who was there? Number one Wu-Tang Clan fan, Joe Pirelli, the councilman from the South Shore. What the hell was he smoking? Probably some of that chronic from Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. But why did the Beastie Boys have to wait nine years? Is it because they were Jews? Nine years! Our number is 1-800-848-9222. And then you're not going to want to miss it. We're going to sign off with the new national anthem that I... I'm going to ask Mark Levin to play, as you know, he does that at the beginning of his show, Monday through Friday, from 6 to 9. The national anthem is played by the Palestinian band uh, less than 24 hours ago when the President of the United States was visiting the West Bank, a.k.a. Bethlehem, birthplace of Jesus. 
And uh, their rendition was so bad that they should have all impaled themselves with their instruments. But they didn't. They were proud of what they did in front of Abu Abbas, the totalitarian dictator and inheritor of the PLA from Yasser Arafat. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Robert, who's calling from Suffolk County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Bobby. Hi, Curtis. I've become a regular listener to you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Robert. You're quite welcome. Um, You know why GoFundMe corporate lefty lowlifes took down the GoFundMe page for the bodega clerk? Well, number one... Uh, there have been many attempts to raise money for Jose Alba and his family, which are nefarious. I think they may have taken it down because there might have been complaints from the family. Uh, they made a statement. They don't support murderers. Mm, that may be true, Robert. Uh, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt on that. But I know there have been many attempts to raise money for Jose Alba and his family that were not legit, if you understand what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Oh, I also nominate you for the unofficial mayor of New York City. No, no, no. Hold on a second. The unofficial mayor as opposed to the official mayor. Yeah. Well, let's see. I'm unofficial because I wear the same outfit each and every day, the red beret, the red sateen jacket, black shirt, black pants, black shoes. So unlike uh, the real mayor who wears a $5,000 brand-new customized suit each and every day with Ferragamo shoes. Listen, you know and I know that it's all about the swagger. <laughs> now, Robert. Does he have a GoFundMe for his clothing attire? No, I don't know, but uh, I say if you are the real mayor, you would be the man to have a plan to control the crime in New York City. That's true. Uh, I have a plan. But get this. Uh, Mayor Eric Adams has been in office for a little more than six months now. He's already collected $850,000 for his reelection, in which he's been wine-dined and pocket-lined. Now, why the hell would he be fundraising for an election? It's not until uh, 2025. Oh, God. He's so... Oh, forget it. <laughs> i tell you what I'm going to do, Robert. Because you are probably right uh, in the official statement made by GoFundMe on behalf of Jose Alba and his family. Uh, Avery, I want you to do me a solid here. I want you to send uh, Robert a booby prize. I I just feel that. I, I, I feel that intuitively that he's right and I'm wrong. And so I'm going to give Robert the benefit of the doubt. Unlike a Frank Morano who like, oh... So omnipotent, so pretentious, so obstinate, so stubborn. He 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 doesn't want to give any of those booby prizes away. No, as, as if it's his money. Of course it's not. Again, trivia questions aren't great talk topics, you know. The hell would he know? He doesn't want to do trivia. He does that foolish. Uh, I give you ten questions in sixty seconds, and you can win a thousand bucks. And you know goddamn well he'll have to go. Oh, did I say goddamn? Oh, my God. 
going to have to wash out my uh, mouth, not with uh, Rokey soap. Yeah, I'm not Jewish. That's the Jewish laundry soap. I'm going to have to wash it out with Felsnapter soap. That's nasty, that Felsnapter soap. Uh, I, I did a, I did a bad thing, a boo-boo. See, I, I, angry Frank Morano got me. Trivia doesn't lead to conversations. It does. Every hour that I do, and we give away way more tchotchkes than Frank Morano does, you would think it's his own money. By the way, you're going to find out how he went on the cheap in doing this barbecue. Wait till you hear how he cut expenses. You know, if he were a wealthy individual, a millionaire, a billionaire, we would say he's frugal. But because uh, of his income status, we call him a cheapskate with alligator arms. Oh, my God, did he cut corners. Wait, wait. Till you, and now, none of this is coming from me. It's coming from his own staff, Matt and Alex, his loyal conquistadores. You're going to hear from them themselves describe what a cheapskate Frank Morano is and what he's doing. And just, from 2 to 8, the door closes at 8 o'clock, right? He said, hey. Well, I'm off with Anthony Weiner, three to four, left versus right. I got to pop that question at Weiner, or I'm really I'm going to have my uh, my three piece set hanging because of how uh, Sid Rosenberg and Bernard McCurk embarrassed me in the seven o'clock hour of the morning show on Thursday, where they said you got to ask Anthony Weiner about this guy muscling in on his former wife there, Bradley Cooper on Huma Aberdeen. And I'm thinking that Anthony Weiner, he doesn't want to answer that question, or he would have answered it by now. So I'm trying to figure out, how can I bob and weave that in there and get that question? Maybe I'll ask him, uh, oh, by the way, um, no. I see uh, your former wife, uh, whom is being compared no, to Amal Clooney and Bradley Cooper to George Clooney. No. I got to try, man, or you're going to be considered so weak. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go, if we can, to um, uh, Al in Yonkers. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Al. Yeah, hi. Good morning, Curtis. You know, Curtis, I wanted to say that uh, a lot of these big uh, corporations like um, uh, uh, Mr. Griffin, who's a billionaire in Chicago, uh, he's moved his operations to Florida and the Miami uh, area because things in Chicago have gotten so bad uh, in the crime and the quality of life. So that's what's going on in Florida, that a lot of people uh, who lived in that area are now are going to be priced out because these big corporations with the educated people who work for these companies are going to be moving in. And a lot of these uh, landlords for condominiums and all, they're going to get the prices they want. Well, you're right. Uh, Boeing has left Chicago, Caterpillar, uh, Citadel. That's the company you were referring to. Huge, massive uh, Fortune 500 companies. And they've left because of the crime. Uh, They've gone to uh, Florida and I believe some of them Texas. Those seem to be the two biggest states that corporations like to go to because uh, they don't really get taxed all that much. Uh, and uh, meantime, the mayor there, Lightfoot, Lighthead, uh, Featherfoot, whatever yeah, her name is. Terrible. 
You know, she's actually now on a junket to Europe. She has visited London and Paris trying to convince them to have businesses set up in Chicago. Unbelievable. Does she not think that the investors in London and Paris, they they don't get the news about Chicago being the murder capital, drive-by capital, carjacking capital, uh, crime capital, and gang capital of America? I, I don't know what she could bribe them with. Normally, cities try to bribe you, you know, by giving you corporate welfare. I don't think she has enough in the uh, Treasury. Although, um, to his credit, our mayor, uh, Eric Adams, uh, wanted to go on a junket, but he said, no, no, that'll really look weak if I live the, leave the city. I mean, we're right behind Chicago in terms of murders and shootings. So he sent his chief of staff, yeah. Frank Caron who is under all kinds of investigations. He's being investigated for everything under the sun. So he sends him, and he goes to Seoul, Korea, to talk to executives at Hyundai, convince them to come over here. And right away, he's having a meeting with them, and and they're reading the papers, and they're saying, you just had some Asians attacked in which the attackers said, go back to your country. Uh, Is that how we're going to be received in New York City? And I'm telling you, this guy, Frank Carone, I've known him, grew up with him, Mill Basin, Canarsie. Don't drop your wallet. Let me just tell you that. You don't want to drop your wallet in front of Frank Carone. This guy's got Velcro mitts. <laughs> That's for sure. Not bringing back any business, I guarantee you, in New York. Although the most interesting thing is Frank Carone is based in Brooklyn, uh, as is the support base for Eric Adams, which is the crooked Kings County Democratic machine. Do you know businesses have fled Manhattan and those that have decided to stay have gone to Brooklyn? Amazing. Think of that. Maybe maybe they're working against the interests of Manhattan. Hey, Frank Garone knows everyone in Brooklyn. Because Brooklyn is Crooklyn in the Adams administration. Our number is one 800 848 Let's go to Anthony in Virginia Beach. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Anthony. Hey, Curtis. What's up? Um, can you hear me? Sure. Loud and clear. Okay. Yeah. Hey, look, man, I grew up uh, in Canossie back then. I remember Fishhead. The story I got was a little different, though. He pissed off Finkelstein pretty good. They were out there messing around down Del Harbor or wherever it was outside of Canarsie, and uh, they used to always rank on this guy. I remember they used to really break his balls, and uh, he snapped, and uh, he shot him. I don't think it was with an AK. I think it was an handgun, but they offed, him, they offed him and his friend, and I remember that because I looked up to Fishhead. They were, I remember one time um, there was these two guys robbing Louis on the corner store on East 98th Street, sure. and he happened to be there with Martinelli lived on East 98th Street in Avenue M. And they they gave him such a beat. And I was standing there. I was a kid. I was about 10 years old. And they gave him a mess. I couldn't believe the beating. I mean, they stomped him to the ground, teeth out. I mean, they really a bad beating. The cops came, and they grabbed these guys. They put them in the cop car, and they took their nightsticks out and, for good measures, just kept, just gave them, tuned them up again. It was so crazy back then, this day and age, that would never happen. But, uh, yeah, I grew up there, and it was a great time, you know. I mean, everybody knew everybody, and 
It was a lot of fun. Um, I remember Avenue L, the Avenue L boys. I don't oh, know if you yeah. remember those guys. Oh, yeah. Well, I Allie used to, my cousins, uh, a little before that time, my cousins were with what they call the Canarsie Bebops. Oh, okay, okay. In well, fact, I, I remember as a kid, because I'm 68, so I'm with Joey G, the Cheech from Howard Beach, and the Canarsie Bebops, and they're going over to Bushwick Ridgewood to hang out in Knickerbocker Park, which was near the 83rd Precinct, and who do they end up rumbling with? I don't know. I'm just a kid. Bo Deedle and his crew. And I've told this story many times, so I'm just sitting there. I'm only like, what, six or seven. They're fighting. They had garrison belts. They're swinging at one another. Cops from the 83rd Precinct didn't come out. They were going to wait until there were bodies on the ground. And then Bo Deedle has his garrison belt and hits me right in the back of the head. Jesus. I will never forget that. I was just a little kid. <laughs> but, boy, yeah, they were rough. Back then. There were a lot of crazy people back then, I tell you. But do you remember the grocery store? Do you remember Fishhead used to play softball at 211? And he was like my hero, this guy, because he was like five years older than me, four years older than me. He was a big guy, big red-headed Irishman. Anthony Leary was uh, his cousin, my friend Anthony Leary. I don't know if you remember Anthony Leary, Salopino, yeah. and the guys all on East 98th Street. You might not remember them. Well, he fin- hit the ball from 211. There's your short porch. You know, there was the handball courts there. He hit it over Avenue K and on the roof across the street. It had to be about 375. Yeah, no, no, no. At PS114, because he went to PS114 with me, although he was at a lower-level classes. Like I said, he he body slammed me after school one time. He challenged me to a fight uh, during lunch, and, you know, you can't back out. But he was a nice guy. He always had a smile on his face, so we're out there. He he knew he could hurt me, so he picks me up, he slams me, and it's pretty much it. You know, I, I, I did the tortoise routine. You know, I'm moving my legs and feet around like, like what the hell am I going to do? This guy just body slammed me. I could barely breathe. And we play softball, and he was a great. He'd hit that clincher a mile, and he would catch. He yep. was the catcher. Yeah, he played a two eleven because uh, he came saw his cousin. Uh, I think he. I don't know. I forgot where he lived, but I remember him playing and hitting the ball. Nobody could hit it across the street like that on Avenue K. It was just that's one thing that stood out. I remember that. I was glad to hit it uh, past second base back then. I was a little kid. But uh, he was this big lumbering guy, and it was great. Do you remember Joey Sapinaro by any chance? Yeah. I, I remember going to the schoolyards, PS114, like you mentioned, 211, 115. That's where a lot of my cousins hung out. You had that area, remember, where the glue sniffers would be in the corner there. And everybody- oh, Richard Petty. There was one guy in particular. His name was Petty, I think. And uh, we used to go, and he used to for we used to give him a quarter, and he used to let us touch his head. He sniffed so much glue that his head was like a sponge. It was the weirdest thing. I think he had like, I don't know, maybe like fluid in up top of his head. It was the weirdest thing. And we used to give him a quarter. And we used to be able to touch his head, and our finger would just go into his head about like an inch. Yeah, because they, they were they would get that airplane glue, put it in a paper bag. They were yeah. huffers. They would huff it. They were in the yeah. corner, the corner of the yard, and their noses were all red. They they they, yeah. they were like <laughs> dope fiends for glue. And everybody would say, "Stay away from that area. Don't go there. Those are those yeah. are bad guys. They're, they're huffers." Yeah, it was crazy back then, but it was a lot. It was a, it was a memory, you know. And uh, hey, I made it out alive. 
Um, and now I moved down to Virginia Beach, and this is where I am now. But when I was listening to you talk about them, I was half asleep, and I had the radio on really low. And I always listened to you, and I heard you mention Fishhead. I was like, wait a second. How does he remember him? What a small world that is. Yeah, well, think of it. But, uh, Ronald Finkelstein, who was like this boy genius, uh, in uh, fifth grade he transferred from Brownsville to PS114. And you could tell he had an anger management issue. They didn't have that term back then, but he was brilliant in science and math. We're talking 98. So the teacher, Alan Topol, put me right next to him and said, Curtis, when he acts up, just put him in a chokehold, which I was very adept at doing. Uh, and then I was able to cheat off of him for math and science because they were not my best subjects. Same thing in the sixth grade, same thing in... A seventh grade, we were in 7SP. He actually took the English teacher and hung him out of the third floor window by his ankles. Oh, I, my God. Yeah, I had been sent down to the assistant principal's office to pick up uh, the, uh, remember how they would mimeograph tests? The, the smell yes. of... So, the uh, smell of the paper. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm down there getting a high on that. <laughs> I didn't come up right away. <laughs> Because they're running them off. You know, the secretary's running them off, and I'm taking time. I'm enjoying the smell. I bring the tests up there, and then all of a sudden I see, oh, my God, he's hanging the English teacher out the window by his ankles. Oh, my God. I said to myself, what am I going to do if I hit him? If I choke him, he might release the teacher. So I had to come up on his side, yell at him, scream at it, think. Think, let him go, let him go, bring him back in, bring him back in, which he did. He got suspended for about a month, which, man, I failed a few tests in uh, English and uh, math, uh, I mean, in math and science at that time. But this guy was out of his mind. I transferred over to Brooklyn Prep in the eighth grade. Uh, I'm sure he did very well uh, through the rest of junior high school and Canarsie High School, but I'll never forget listening on WINS how he was on a three-state chase uh, after uh, killing Fishhead, uh, a guy named Pecoraro, another guy. Yeah. yeah. And That's cool. I'll never forget, he sends me, when I first got hired at WABC, he sends me a letter because he's in a prison system somewhere. I think it was out there in Montana. And he says, could you write a letter for me to the parole board? I put that in the round filing cabinet. Then when the FBI was working with me, when the Gotti's tried to whack me, I said, could you do me a favor, check to see if this guy is in the system? And they said, no, he's either dead or he became a confidential informer. They let him go, and now he's serving Slurpees and nachos at some 7-Eleven in God knows where in America. (laughs) Hey, you remember Henry Borelli? He used to live on East 86th Street, and then he hung out with a crew at the Gemini Lounge. I don't know if you remember Oh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about that, because Sid Rosenberg, starring in the new picture that's coming out about the Gemini Lounge. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa.
Ladies and gentlemen, for a Curtis Lee Booby Prize, that song, You Gotta Fight for Your Right to Party, came off of what album put out there by the Beastie Boys? I know uh, that was not your flavor of Broadway, Bill Lee, when you were spinning stacks of wax over at the FM WCBS old uh, oldie station. Never, You never played the uh, Beastie Boys, right? Nah, nah, you are the Beastie Boys guy, the guy. And Avery, forget that. Avery has got a beef with Frazier, you know, going to bring it back. Uh, we're going to be talking about that in 24 hours. How uh, Avery claims that no righteous, Yurio Asiatic black man or black woman would ever end up watching Frazier. Where the hell did he get that from? Although he loves Seinfeld, right? Oh, yeah. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Now, you must be asking yourself, why am I playing the Beastie Boys? Well, it took them nine, count it, nine years to get a street named in their honor. City Council of New York, nine years. And you know what it was. They're Jews. Come on, let's be honest, right? Three Booker boys, three Torah-studying Talmud boys who made it big. One time, were the biggest rap group in the world. While you're illing and chilling, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But you see, I remember when they were into punk. This is before they became the white rappers, the Booker Boy rappers. I remember they'd be at CBGB's when we'd be patrolling the area. That's when the Bowery was the Bowery. You know, they had CBGB's, all scuzzy, and then they had a shelter like right upstairs, a flop house. And I remember when they were at CBGB's with Bad Brains, the Dead Kennedys, Misfits, Reagan Youth. Yeah, after Ronnie Reagan. They were like... Total punks. I mean that in terms of their music. And then all of a sudden, they were going to NYU. I don't know if all three of them were going to NYU. I'm trying to remember specifically. There was uh, Adam Yuch. There was uh, Adam Horowitz. And there was uh, Mike Diamond. Pretty sure that was the main trio of the Beastie Boys. And a lot of people say, well, what do Beastie Boys stand for, the acronym? Beastie Boys, right? Boys entering anarchy towards inner excellence. What kind of crap was that? I'll bet you they came up with the name Beastie Boys first and then said, well, we got to come up with an acronym for this. Sort of like what Biggie Smalls did, that degenerate. Who many of you out there say, oh, he's the GOAT, the greatest of all time, rapper, Bullfeathers. Anyway, he had the Junior Mafia. And I asked him, uh, not him, I asked one of his uh, promoters, what the hell does the Junior Mafia mean? And ladies and gentlemen, I know some of you out there know it because you're Biggie Smalls fans. What did the acronym Junior Mafia stand for? And you will win a courtesy of a booby prize. Don't ask, don't tell. It is a great WABC baseball cap that you can style and profile with the Curtis Lee show on it. You don't want the Frank Morano show, the Mama Luke uh, on it. Because if you're going into the hood, man, 
They're going to say, what? That Mama Lou came in with the pocket protector? And all, I mean, the nerd, the schlubby guy? No, no, no. Yeah, hey, you got to have somebody where they say, man, you don't want to mess with Sliwa, right? Everybody says, yeah, I want to mess with Frank Morano. I mean, here's a guy who's going to have a barbecue. How somebody could take all the fun out of the barbecue? No dancing, no music. You either play part cheesy or you shoot craps or CeeLo with him. You know, he ain't playing BC Boys. Maybe, maybe if people get a little uptight. Rudy Valley, brother, can you spare a dime? And of course, his theme song, Al Joseph's uh, 1918 classic, Mammy. Mammy. Our number is 1 800 848 That's 1 800 848 WABC. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Beastie Boys because I've asked you the question what was the album? That that song, Right to Party, came from. And I'm saying to myself, before there were the Beastie Boys, who were the white rappers, the first white rappers? That I remember. Please, a little music, maestro, I need a little more of that. Yeah, let's let's do it. If I remember correctly, and maybe you uh, rap heads out there can correct me, coming out of Far Rockaway, The Rock, was MC Search and Pete Nice of third base. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Right, right, hey. Broadway Bill Lee, I know you didn't deal with rap there at uh, WCBS-FM, but pretty sure they were the best. Out of the uh, the songs I, I heard, I didn't really dig on the Beastie Boys too much, but I liked uh, Cookie Puss and To the Five Burrows. You know, like Frankie, Five Burrows, Murano. To the Five Burrows. They all came from Jewish households. And I remember they got for their live shows, since some of them were going to NYU, Rick Rubin, who was their DJ for their live shows, uh, who started Def Jam with Russell Simmons. Both of them were going to NYU because, like Frank Morano, they wanted to be violets. Although I think uh, Rick Rubin's claim to fame wasn't so much uh, the Beastie Boys. I think it was Red Hot Chili Peppers. And as you know now, Russell Simmons is considered the perv of all pervs. He's sort of like, he was there with the Sultan in Brunei, I don't know. I guess uh, messing with his concubines or whatever. But uh haven't heard much from him since. But I will think back, and I remembered uh, Broadway Bill Lee, you probably remember, because you love Madonna. You know, the Madonna now, she just does anything to get attention. But back then, she was like number one, second to none. Remember, she was on her North American Virgin tour. Yeah, sure, she was a virgin. After chasing all those Puerto Rican teenagers in the Lower East Side when she came over from Detroit. No, no, no. But if I remember correctly, the Beastie Boys were her opening act on the road. And then remember, it was the Raising Hell Tour. You remember that, Avery, because your favorite group there, Run DMC, Houdini, LL Cool J, and the Timex Social Club. You remember that, don't you? And then I remember they went to Liverpool, home of the Beatles, who I hate, I loathe, I despise. Hate Paul McCartney, 80. Hate Ringo Starr, 82. George Harrison, Medzi, Medzi, Poco, Poco. Love John Lennon, right? Without Yoko Ono, please. No screeching. So... 
They're like 10 minutes into their show, the Beastie Boys in Liverpool. And Adam Horowitz starts attacking audience members, you know, the limey blimeys. And the Merseyside PD end up arresting him and banning him from the UK. That's it. You're banned from the UK. That's not bad. That's not bad. That's good. Good choice, Broadway Bill Lee. Good choice. And then remember they were in that documentary that I think Rick Rubin did, uh, Tougher Than Leather, with Run DMC. But they left uh, Def Jam because uh, Rick Rubin and uh, Russell Simmons ripped off their money. And then they went to Capitol Records. And then I think it was 1998, the MTV Awards, uh, Adam Uch, Uch, whatever the hell his name was, gave a speech that Muslims are not terrorists. During the Bill Clinton years, remember, Osama bin Laden had attacked the U.S. Embassy uh, in Kenya and Tanzania. He gave that speech. Well, it turned out those guys were terrorists. <laughs> and then uh, I think it was the following year when Adam Yuch, whatever the hell his name was, gave a big speech. He got another MTV Music Award for the Beastie Boys. And he said, beware of Woodstock 99. There were sexual assaults and rapes there. Certainly not the spirit of the summer of 69. Half a million strong. Up the New York State Thruway to Bethel. The farm there. Max Yasker. You remember the whole nine yards. You didn't have any of that. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. And probably what I best remember, because, of course, it were Jews. And people would always insinuate you can't trust them because they're probably agents for Shin Bet and the Mossad. They claimed that that album, of which nobody has guessed yet, that that album, when you would take the Beastie Boys CD and you would insert it into the CD computer of yours to play it, that the Mossad and Shin Bet had installed spyware in there. Because the Jews want to know everything. Is that not the craziest story you ever heard? Financially, some of the competition kept spreading that around. <laughs> of course they did. Now, here's a little story I got to tell about three bad brothers you know so well. It started way back in history with that rap <laughs> got to believe that their boobies or their zetas, their grandmas said, we sent you to NYU so you become a, what, a rap guy? You're, you're hanging out with these, uh, these, uh, I can't say that word. <laughs> I can't. I got Jackie Mason into trouble. <laughs> you're hanging out. <laughs> you're hanging out with these Gentiles. Uh, you imagine their boobies and Zetas, their grandmothers, and for this, we sent you to NYU to become a violent so you can hang out with the Gentiles? And then that other word that got Jackie Mason in trouble. No, I'm not going to say it. No, I'm not going to say it. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. 
Acts 1-800-848-WABC. Why did it take the City Council of New York nine years to designate a location, 99 Rivington Street in the Lower East Side, the LES, to be the location that is considered, what I guess you could call it, uh, Beastie Boys Square. And by the way, what was the store that had been at 99 Rivington Street? Ah, for another courtesy of Booby Price. Our numbers. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Amir calling all the way from Boston, Beantown. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Amir. Hey, Curtis, what's up? By the way, this is an easy one. I know because I play the album, all the songs in the album, when Joe Biden got elected, thank God, because that Mama Luke left the office. The name of the album is License to Ill, boy. We rode for six hours, then we hit the spot. The beat was a bumping and the girlies was hot. The dude was staring like he knows who we are. We took the empty spot next to him at the bar. You couldn't be more hopelessly right, Amir. There you go. License to ill, if I remember correctly. I'm trying to think to myself now. I think they sold... Like 10 million of those albums, a total of about 40 million overall throughout their career. That's a hell of a lot of albums. Probably they were all of the Jewish faith. Am I right, Curtis? All three guys? I think so, yes. right? Yeah, they were all, they were brought up in Jewish households. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember. I remember one of the original guys died early. He was not one of yeah, the that's right. three. That's right, yeah. yeah. And then, of course, uh, Yuch, I think I'm mispronouncing his name, Yuck, Adam Yuck. I think he died uh, about 10 years ago. And imagine all that time they're lobbying the city council to have a spot. I mean, they have a spot for Biggie Smalls. They have a spot in Staten Island outside the Park Hill Stapleton Projects for Wu-Tang. They got that quickly and in fact in Staten Island the most unlikely sponsor of that Joe Borelli from the South Shore he's Republican conservative but he loved 36 chambers of Wu-Tang including ODBO whole dirty bastard baby Jesus uh, Gert McGirt Gert McGirt yeah no relationship to uh, our own Bernard McGirt uh, but Amir why do you think it took nine years Nine years? Nine years to give him a spot in the Lower East Side. You know, a little square. They say, oh, this is to recognize uh, the three uh, Booker boys who went to NYU, which was right up the block. That's true. Uh, well, you know, it's funny because I'm originally from New York. I drove a cab there for 28 years, and I had you my cab twice, and you are very cool, by the way. Now I moved to Boston to do Uber. But that being said, before I answer that question, can I make a quick suggestion, Curtis? Of course. Do me a favor, and I'm telling you, rains go sky because you you're like one part that this radio needs, but you're missing the other part. I don't know why you don't get either Jay Diamond or your boy Kurt uh, Kubi, whose mommy's a commie, to have the flip side of the argument. If you do that, bro, your ratings will go off the roof. Why does the management let you do this? Very interesting because being held back by Frank Morano, believe it or not, Frank Morano does not want me to supersede his ratings advantage, uh, advantage, Amir. Really? Are you serious? 
Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I'm so close. I'm only one radio away. So figure every hour of the overnight, uh, just imagine, hypothetically, 100 radios are on. 15 of them are on to Frank Morano. He's lost, too. He was at 17. I'm at 14. So they have promos now. You see that Chris Libertini does claiming that people fall asleep listening to me. Uh, that Frank tells them they should play more and more because I'm breathing down his neck. I like your suggestion, Amir, but you know who will say Ixnay because he's the golden child. He's the untouchable. He can do no wrong. He is Curtis's what they describe. Imaginary ratings war is just that, imaginary. We're, again, we're on a different time. No, we're not. Same time, except I'm on the weekends. He's during the weekdays. You see how he tries to muscle into what I'm saying, Amir? We are still the number one radio show in our time slot in the New York area. The fan is nipping at our heels. They're trying. They're trying with all their sports, all their sporting, their basketballs and their footballs and their tennis and their golfs and their hockeys. Please. You see what I mean, I mean? I got you, but I'm telling you, keep pressing to the suits out there. And I'm telling you, because I know a lot of people in Boston and New York, they want something different. They don't want someone who, you know, keeps preaching to the crowd. Because I know you're not a total, total conservative. You're like a real conservative, which I like. You're not a phony conservative. And other times you sound like a progressive. But overall, with someone like, well, Ron Kuby, can I get in there? I ain't saying what. But with someone like Jay Diamond to do the voices and you being very charismatic, very entertaining. I'm telling you, you guys, can you convince Jay Diamond to come back there with you? Amir, you know that Frank Morano would fear that. He would fear that. As much as he says, oh, I'd like that, no, because he knows he would be knocked right from his pedestal, Amir. And he likes it like that. I'm telling you, he's neurotic like most talk show hosts and hostesses are. He's paranoid, a bit schizophrenic. You'll hear more about that. Hey, Avery, make sure you hook up Amir there in Boston, even though I hate the Boston Red Sox, hate the Boston Bruins, hate the Boston Celtics, and hate the New England Patriots of Coach Belichick. With or without the Brady Bunch. I hate Boston baked beans. I hate Boston cream pie. Although they were more loyal in the revolution than New York. New York supported the Brits. They were more loyal in the Civil War than New York City, which opted to secede. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't know that. The mayor of New York City wanted to be the second location to secede from the Union right after Sumter and the beginning of the Civil War in South Carolina when they seceded. Yep. New York City, loyal to the Confederates. Not like Boston. Boston, the Sons of Liberty, that's where really our revolution began. When they dumped the tea, they had to make a decision. Would it be Lipton or Tetley? You know, if it was celestial tea, we would have been in trouble. We would have been in trouble. That weak tea had to be strong black tea from Ceylon, now Sri Lanka, which, oh, I love the people in Sri Lanka, the Tamils. As they overthrew their president, overthrew their prime minister, and they're doing the Australian crawl in his Olympic-sized pool. And they did it January 6th on Parliament. Oh, they say that's great. CNN likes that. 
And they like to take over for our capital on January 6th, did they? They love it when it's in another country, huh? By the way, is it true that all of our tea comes from Ceylon, a.k.a. Sri Lanka? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Please, Avery, take care of Amir. I don't want him to feel that because I hate almost everything in Boston that somehow we wouldn't give him his Curtis Little booby prize. By the way, did you see a great column in the New York Post? I forget which column is. She actually traveled to Boston, walked around town, compared it to New York City. And she was right. From the Boston Common to Dorchester to Roxbury to Jamaica Plain, she talked about how much better Boston was than New York City. And they have a pretty liberal, progressive Asian female mayor. Although they have the Boston Red Sox. I hate, but yeah, she was correct. Even though Boston has about 650,000 people last time I looked. And New York City, obviously, eight, eight and a half million. When you count the illegals, probably more like 10 million. It is being run so much better than New York City. Their mass transit, the T, the blue line, the green line, the red line. I can go on and on. Spent a lot of time in Boston. You know what they do? They get families to send their kids to universities in Boston, right? So whether it's uh, Boston College. I know Boston College is not in Boston. I think that's, no, Holy Cross. They're not in Boston. See, I'm a little confused. Then it's Boston University, which our own Bill O'Reilly went to. And, yes, AOC, all-out crazy Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Martin Luther King Jr. went to, I believe, Boston University, I think. Then, of course, Brandeis there for the Brainiacs, Harvard. <laughs> so many other. Northeastern, a lot of universities up there. And what happens is these nubile... Mindless youth go up there. They might have been Yankee fans, Met fans. They might have been fans of the Philadelphia Phillies. Might have been fans of the Pittsburgh Pirates, wherever they're coming from. And then all of a sudden they're brainwashed into becoming Boston Red Sox fans. They come back to their city of origin and they walk around with those stupid Boston Red Sox caps on. You would think they were in Washington Heights. It was a tribute to Manny Ramirez. That's right. Manny Ramirez, who George Steinbrenner wanted desperately. Should have had him, too. Man, he was a Yankee killer. He'd be out there in left field with that that uh, Poland Springs bottle in his back pocket. He'd be hitting monster home runs like he hit in Washington. George Washington High School, the same one, same high school that Henry Kissinger went to. Can you imagine Henry Kissinger went there when he came from Germany to flee the Holocaust with his parents? And Manny Ramirez, when he came from the DR, where'd he go? Where all DRs go to? George Washington High School to play baseball. Thank God for the Dominicans. They've kept the sport alive. Well, boy, I digress. Where, where, where am I to? Oh, that's right. Washington Heights, they all wear Boston Red Sox caps because they're Dominicans. And because of Poppy, Big Poppy, right? Do you know that George Steinbrenner wanted Big Poppy when he played for the Minnesota Twins? And his general manager, who was his general manager then? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Said, nah, you don't want Big Poppy. He's not mobile enough. You know, he's he's a terrible fielder. 
And George said, yeah, but it's a lefty hitter. He's got the short porch right field. He'll be MVP. Nah, you don't want Poppy. You don't want Ramirez. Could you imagine the Yankees with Ramirez and left and big Poppy at first base? Every Dominican would have been a Yankee fan instead of a Boston Red Sox fan. Then remember which pitcher they loved. Although briefly he pitched for the Mets, yes. Martinez, remember? Although we loved, we killed him when he was on the mound, the Yankees versus Martinez. You know who it was? Kurt Schmoke. My name, my namesake. Remember? No, was it Kurt Schmoke? Oh, was it? Hold on a second. Kurt Schilling! With the stigmata, the blood, the victory against the Yankees. We were three games up, and then we lost it in seven, and then they went on to beat the Cardinals in the World Series. They broke the curse of Babe Ruth. Kurt Schilling. <sighs> See, all of this because of that call from Amir. You see, Broadway Bill Lee, what Boston. You know, I used to be syndicated on a Boston FM talk station at night in which I'd spend half my time attacking the Boston Red Sox and attacking Derek Jeter, who they hated up there, rightfully so. I hated Derek Jeter, and I hated A-Royd. Our number's 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So, Curtis, who's your daddy? (laughs) New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. No sleep till! Brooklyn! Oh, this is so good. Beastie Boys, by the way, I believe they have uh, a little Vest Pocket Park named in their honor. I think it's right near the entrance to the uh, Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. I'll never call it the uh, Harry Carey Tunnel. No, no, no. Not the drunken guy would sing, take me out to the ball game. Seventh inning breaks at Wrigley Field. Broadcaster for the St. Louis Cardinals. Not that Harry Carey. You, Carey, who was also half in the bag. In fact, he was governor of the state of New York by 11 o'clock in the morning. If you lit a match in the same room as you carry, we'd all be blasted the kingdom come. You'd never get away with that nowadays. And then he was married to that Greek. Uh, forget her name. Who was that Greek he was married to? He was acting Meshug. His hair was dyed like orange. He was, like, totally whacked out. Fact, you carry. I remember we would go to the water, uh, the water club. That's right, right off of uh, 32nd Street every election day. And you, Carrie, was there with his son, and there were other bunch of old political pros. And halfway through the meal, when everybody would be giving their observations about who might win that day, you, Carrie, would fall asleep. I mean, come on. His son would say, no, 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 he's going to remember everything we just said. So I would babble nonsense for like the next five minutes like I'm doing now. And damn, if he didn't wake up out of the snoring and repeat almost every word that I said. I said, whoa, you got to be careful around you, Carrie. Just when you think he's cutting some Z's and into a different uh, stratosphere, 
you memorize everything that you had to say. So if you're dissing and dismissing him, ho, 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 ho. By the way, who was uh, the Greek hot-to-trot gal that he married? I think it was from Chi-Town. It made him dye his hair orange. So he looked like Rusty Staub there for a while. 1-800-848-9222. Wow, we're really kicking it with a courtesy with Super Sports Spectacular here. Exactly. No! Sleep till Brooklyn! Just remember, there'll be plenty of time to sleep when we're all dead. That's all you get to do. They fold your arms, put you in a casket, give you half shoes, half suit. People come by, they look at you and say, Oh, he looks so much better as a dead cadaver than he did alive. Oh, that mortician did such an amazing job on him. Really? Me, I'm going to be in a cardboard box at the rate I'm going with my child support and the lawyers and the doctors I owe. I'll be in Potter's Field there, right? Yeah. Oh, no, that's right. My wife, Nancy, wants to stuff me. She wants to stuff me so that I sit in that rocking chair and all the cats will be perched on my shoulder. I mean, what kind of a crazy lady wants to stuff her husband if I kick the bucket first? But I told her, I said, ha ha, my little pretty. You're a baby boomer. I don't know exactly how old you are, but you will die before I do. I'll be wheeling you around in a wheelchair before you wheel me around. You know that, she said. You're a cat with nine lives, and remember, you've used eight of them. Ha 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 ha. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go, if we can, to Ari, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Ari. Hey, Curtis. Yeah, that's that's my name, Ari. That's my name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, big fan, big fan. Um, I was calling about the, the No Sleep to Brooklyn uh, album, but the guy beat me to it. But I know the Junior Mafia acronym, too. Ooh, whoa. Now, wait a second. How does a booker boy... How does someone like you, who is part of a minion every morning at the local shul, how does someone like you, who have studied extensively Talmud and Torah, know the acronym created by Biggie Smalls for his group called the Junior Mafia? I grew up in Brooklyn. I went to public school. (laughs) So you know, you know, Ari. So tell me, what does Junior Mafia mean at least to Biggie Smalls. Well, that's his crew. He uh, before he even got uh, to big, that was uh, his friend. So I don't know. Uh, I mean, the mafia stands for the Masters of Finding Intelligent Attitude. Wow! You hit it right out of the park, Ari. Yeah, I was kind of a fan. Oh, so you like Biggie, huh? Yeah, it was cool. Do you like you like the Beastie Boys? Yeah, of course. I remember that album. I had that album. Ah, hey, what about what about Wu Tang Clan out there in Staten Island? Them too. Well, let me tell you something, Ari. I'm going to give you a mission. You won the booby prize. Avery will take care of you. Probably a month of Sundays from now. So just be patient uh-huh. and hold on. But I know, I know. we got to take out Crime Wave Kathy Holcomb. 
That's right. The governor. Now, Lee Zeldin won the GOP primary to be the Republican candidate. He's running against crime wave Kathy Holcomb. The good thing about Lee Zeldin is he was brought up Jewish, raised Jewish. He is a big friend of Israel, a Zionist. He fought uh, against Saddam Hussein in Iraq. We got to get the Jewish vote out for him. He, we we got to get the message out there before they cave and fold for Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb. Right, Harry, I'm recruiting you to for do sure, that. Sure. Definitely. Okay, and and for that, for that, Harry, you're going to get your booby price. But I want a little bit more Beastie Boys right now. Broadway Billy, I know you didn't spin Beastie Boys when you were at WCBS FM. Yes. Um, I know you uh, always say when somebody says, "Oh, I met you, I met you," but I just met you recently at the at that day. Um, what was it? The Support Israel parade. Yes, yes, Support the Israel Day parade, right up Fifth Avenue. Yeah, and I met you all of a sudden. I walked by with my family, and I walked into that diner over there. You were over there with your son. Yeah, You were about to go to work. Yes, uh, with uh, Anthony. Yes. You were sitting there have, having uh, a little something on the shed, the outside shed, and I went in with my family, and I uh, spoke to you. We took a pic. It was a great pleasure to meet you. You know, Harry, what I was introducing my son, uh, Anthony, to, we were having a nice bowl of chullin. Uh-huh. You like chullin? Wasn't a guy. I was never a big fan of chullin. Well, I tell you, I love chullin because the more you fart, it's good for your heart. And chullin will help you do that, Harry. <laughs> Definitely. I love chullin. I, I could eat chullin morning, noon, and night. Anyway, you stay on the line there, Ari. Stay on the line, Avery. Got to take care of our chosen person here, Ari. I mean, he was so good. Look, imagine he went to public school. He wasn't a booker boy. He didn't go to shul or synagogue. Well, synagogue he went to, but he didn't go to shul. Now, where's my Beastie Boys here? Hey, uh... Exactly. There'll be plenty of time to sleep when you're dead. And nobody is going to sleep right now. We're going we're gonna to keep you up to the break of dawn. So good. Took nine years to recognize them. And give them their rightful place in the Lower East Side on Rivington Street. Where? 99 Rivington Street. What was the name of that store years ago? Come on, a lot of you old-timers used to go there, right? And what is that little Best Pocket Park? I believe it's in Carroll Gardens. That has been named in honor of the Beastie Boys. Come on, you got to come through. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But you know Frank Morano coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. By us playing some of his cuts, he's going to put some of our listeners to sleep. You know, it's like a trigger mechanism. 
So, uh, Broadway Billy, I think we're going to have to play cuts of his own board operator, Matt, who dishes him, and Alex, who's a brown nose to Frank. What a brown nose that kid is. At least uh, Matt gives him some argent, huh? That's right. In Brooklyn, we don't sleep. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Chris in Ozone Park. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Chris. Good morning, Curtis. How are you? Oh, I'm sorry. I said that. Backtrack. Ah, but you're a femme fatale, so I give you a slack. I give you some breaks uh, on that, Chris. Okay, thank you, Curtis. <laughs> I, I wanted to tell you what um, nutcracker uh, means. Ah, nutcracker. So, well, you see, typically uh, men will say about their girlfriends or their wives or their gumadas or their exes, they're real nutcrackers, right? Yeah, yeah. But that's but that, not that's not what, not what we mean. Say. No, no, that's not what we mean. Okay. Okay, so it's a blend of um, a few hard liquors and some fruit juice, usually sold in bodegas like $5 in a plastic cup. That's right. And also on the beaches where they'll charge you 10 bucks as they go around on the beach. That's illegal. But they'll sell nutcrackers out on the beach. That's right. Mm-hmm. And it actually so, was created by Dominicans. Really? Okay. Did not know that. Oh, yeah. And let me tell you something, Chris. You know, Frank Morano, he likes to talk about how he has six martinis, dry martinis before lunch, and I've seen him do that. If he well, had if he had one nutcracker, it would knock him on his ass. Really? Just okay, one. Just that. one nutcracker. Wow. But, but you stay on the line, Chris Avery. Let's do due diligence. Okay. Oh, Curtis, yes. Curtis, wait a minute, wait. Yes, yes, I'm not Chris. done yet. Oh, okay. I, I called you a few weeks ago about the dog that had been um, dog-napped in Ozone yes. Park. Yeah, was that the French pit bull? Yes, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah he was returned. Oh, how did that he's happen? back home, believe it or not, he's back home. It's a miracle. So now we don't know if this uh, the uh, African-American who snatched him on his motorcycle returned him? No, oh, no, no. He, he saw, that guy sold him to a lady out, you know, on the street. And, uh, and as she was walking the dog, she started seeing all the posters that are all over the neighborhood about the dog. And, uh, and she called the number on the poster and she asked the, the the lady that picked the phone up, she said, send me some pictures just to verify if this is your dog. And it turned out to be the dog. And um, so she returned to him last Sunday night. Oh, that is so, so nice. I mean, that was yeah, so we, good we of her. the worst. That is so, so nice of her. Yeah. I think they gave her the money that she dished out for the dog. I don't know how much that was, but... You know, she did the right thing, though, by calling the number. I, I can't believe it. I was thinking the worst. Well, you know, uh, that just recently happened again down by Wall Street in the financial district because a lot of people live down there now. They were searching for a man who violently tried to steal the woman's French bulldog from her. 
was caught on uh, video. It happened at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Broadway in the Financial District. It said that this 29-year-old woman from Brooklyn uh, had the dog there. The guy did exactly the same thing. He bent down to pet the dog, but then suddenly attempted to snatch it from the woman. The woman fought back, but during the struggle to hold on to the French uh, bulldog, her head was slammed against the, the glass door. The man fled the building. The dog wasn't injured, but the woman was taken to an area hospital for treatment of a concussion and more bruising to her head. And apparently the French Bulldogs are so popular now and they're so expensive. That's why uh, owners are being targeted. Yeah, I'm glad I don't have one. I have my dog is part pet, but, uh, you know, I see the young guys, they kind of eye him over like, "Mm," you know what? (laughs) And I get a little frightened, you know, that they're going to take him from me. Yeah, and they go from anywhere. I know uh, retail, a thousand and thirty thousand dollars, but depending on their pedigree. Uh, but again, thousand. Yeah, thirty thousand oh. dollars, depending on their pedigree. That's real crazy money. But it's interesting. Whoa. The police give a complete description of this guy: what he's wearing, his shoes, his pants, his shirt. And guess, guess what's the one thing they're not describing? His color. Exactly. (laughs) Now, you say to yourself, Chris, they have his complete wardrobe down. They have a video of the guy. You clearly see the guy is black. But in the police uh, wanted poster, they don't indicate that the guy is black. Yeah, they don't want to be accused of being racist. You know, how crazy is that? It's crazy. Oh, man, Curtis, I don't know. Well, anyway, uh, Chris, you've won a booby prize here. You are the first. Yeah, I won I won the booby prize two weeks ago, and my head is hatless, Curtis. Your head is what? Hatless. Oh, so you got I your... don't have it. For... Remember you asked two, um, you know, two famous birthdays on the 4th of July. I said Calvin Coolidge and Geraldo Rivera. Yes, yes. Yeah, I still don't have my hat. <gasps> Avery. Maybe Frank Moreno. You know what? Avery, well, Avery was not on that night. It was some, I forgot the guy's name, but it was another oh, name. I see. So you're giving an exemption to Avery. Yeah. Well, now we're going to put you on with Avery because tomorrow you're going to hear Frank Morano dissing and dismissing Avery big time. Big time. Oh, so I got to make sure that he gets all your details so we get it out there. If not, Avery, you're going to have to take the A train to the Rockaway Station, not the one before Broadway Junction, the one over by Ozone Park on the way to Leftwich Boulevard, and you'll have to get off and personally deliver it to Chris if she doesn't get it within seven days. Chris, can you keep us informed of that? Yes, I will, Curtis. <laughs> All right, so hang on, hang on the line. Chris, Chris has given us a great update on the return of that French bulldog. 
was snatched up from that elderly Hispanic guy on 88th near Boyd, where I spent a year of my life. Yeah, in the shadow of the A train there, 88th and Boyd, South Ozone Park, not far from where the uh, Flying Dutchman grew up. You know who the Flying Dutchman was? Let's see if anybody out there knows. He had served first as the union chief of the United Firefighters Association, the UFA. And then he was appointed by Rudy Giuliani, Michael Mbaricic, to be his fire commissioner. Very unusual. Head of the union. And then appointed commissioner. And then the union ended up hating the guy who used to be the president of the union. Who was that flying Dutchman? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Bernie in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Bernie. Uh, Curtis. I grew up in Brownsville on Osborne Street between Sutter and Belmont. I don't remember where where uh, uh, Osborne Street connected with Hageman. Perhaps you could tell me. But uh, when I was uh, eight or nine, my grandfather used to take us by trolley car to Canarsie because Canarsie was a, vet- was a uh, vacation place. It was nothing but fields. But he used to take us by trolley car to Canarsie. That was a that was a vacation place. I thought you'd like to know that. Yeah, no, no. My mother, uh, they lived there on uh, Remsen Avenue. My grandfather had bought a house there. It was mostly lots at the time, and then eventually it got subdivided. But back then, my mother said that they had an amusement park at the end of the trolley car run by the. Um, uh, by the uh, the pier, which was on the other side of the Bell Parkway, uh, which I think was called Golden Gate, I think, with a with a small Ferris wheel, a few rides. You know, it was like a, a small Coney Island. May West used to uh, actually appear in the jazz club there and sing. That was a black jazz club. That was it's the first time I ever saw black people. They were coming out of the jazz club at like uh, 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. I was like, huh? Because, you know, anybody in a jazz club was considered a sinner, you know, demonic. You go to a jazz club, whether you were white or black, people would tell you, you don't want to go to a jazz club. You know what they do there? They smoke this wacky tobacco in there. Yeah. Where was, where was uh, Osborne Street? Connected to Hegeman, I don't remember Hegeman at all. We grew up in the in the in the Osborne Street between Sutter Avenue and Belmont in the early forties. Oh, I know uh, that. I know that well. You grew up uh, near what became the Betsy Head Pool. That's uh, right. And Betsy that's Head right. Pool, as a white guy, me and my cousins would go there, and then the brothers would come over to us at about five o'clock and say. Hey, white boy, when the sun comes down, you better get the hell out of this part of town. That's right. I went to Betsy Head Pool once, I remember. I remember once I went to Betsy Head Pool. I was about 10 or 11 years old. Yeah, well, anyway, Osborne goes straight down. And as you go to the Brownsville Boys Club on Linden Boulevard, it then hits Hegeman, which uh, twists right into New Lots as you go towards East New York. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. In fact, I lived there for a year. I had been married to Corinne Drayton, 
nobody was happy uh, on that block because it was all black at the time. They were upset with me. All the guys were like, well, what are you married to a sister? You can't find your own. Then I couldn't go back to Canarsie to visit my cousins, my friends, and my mother, Francesca, or my dad when he was home from the ship because they would have strung me up from the nearest pole, say, oh, you're one of those end lovers, huh? You're not welcome here in Canarsie. Yeah. That yeah. was, uh, let me give you the day that was 1975. Yeah. And we, uh, we, we were married one year. She discovered, uh, Meyer, uh, I discovered, not Lansky, uh, what was the name of that law firm? I forget. It wasn't Meyer Lansky, that's for sure. <laughs> I remember when we were in the Brownsville. I remember that uh, you're about 20, a little over 20 years younger than me. I was, I'm going to be 88 in December. I remember my grandfather taking us to Canarsie by trolley. I remember I grew up in uh, Brownsville till I was 18. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I took uh, Sid Rosenberg there a few years on the L train and the 3 train on Junior Street. And I told them that was uh, Murder Incorporated's uh, burial area. They had about 200 guys they killed. This is when the Jews were the toughest, Lepke and Gura, and the Italians would actually subcontract them in Brownsville. They would go over to Midnight Roses, where you would get the uh, salted, rotted pretzels and the egg creams without an egg in it. And that's where the Italians would come to the Jews and say, you think you could whack this guy? And they'd say, well, how much are you going to, how many shekels are you going to pay us? Yeah, yeah. I remember when uh, in 1947, I was listening to the World Series and uh, the Dodgers, I think in game five, they beat Bill Bevins. He was pitching a no hitter until he had one out left in the ninth inning and the Dodgers put Eddie Mitchell and Pete Reeser on base, and Cookie Lavagetto hit a double, I think, past Tommy Hendrick, and the Dodgers won that game. And I looked out the window on uh, in Osborne Street, and I looked out the window, and I saw the truck below us on Osborne Street, <clears throat> where the driver used to take my grandfather and father's schmatters. They were schmatter dealers. He used to take them to uh, Canal Street once a month to sell the Schmantas during the Second World War to Dandurian, who was a contractor. And he used to, I forget what he did with the Schmantas. I, I think he used to sell them to the Army. The government bought a lot of uh, clothes at that time. Well, let me tell you he, something, Bernie. Your memory is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah, 88 years old. He remembers every minute detail. Brownsville never read, never will. Anyway, uh, uh, we got to send uh, Bernie, uh, Curtis Lee with Booby Prize. Hey, Avery, you take good care of Bernie here, right? Zagazun, Bernie. Zagazun, Hashem. He's going to take good care of you. He made it to 88. He's still alive and kicking and sharp as a tack. Check this out. Oh.
on the weekend. Ufa. Take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. about this barbecue that Frank Morano has been busting his gums about for days and days, which will be taking place in just a few hours. It's locked in to 2 in the afternoon to 8, and that's the close-down date at Frank Morano and Rachel's Ponderosa, his spread out there in the south shore of Staten Island. And I think I can say declaratively that you, Broadway, Bill Lee, have not gotten an invitation. Is that correct? Yes. Not, not. And I know you, Avery, certainly didn't get an invitation because tomorrow, same time, same place, you're going to hear how Frank Morano badmouths you compared to his crew of Matt and Alex. Alex the brown nose. Oh, my God. He's got his nose so far up Frank's tush. It's unbelievable. Meantime, Avery calls it like it is when he's on loan to the Frank Morano show, but uh, we'll get to that momentarily. Now, I would say about half of Frank's program of late, you can listen to Frank Morano Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5 in the morning, the other side of midnight, has been dedicated to talking about this barbecue. Let's go back. Two weeks, two weeks, Broadway Bill Lee. And he talked about how that they had a list, uh, him and Rachel, of 100 people. My wife and I have agreed to host a barbecue at our home, okay? I came up with a list of 100 people that I'd like to invite. Now, before you freak out, let me just understand. I have a broad social group, okay? Understand, though, that I knew uh, this was a 100 people in a first draft that I sent to my wife because I knew she would want to redline some people. Redline? I mean, that's what you do when you're trying to force people out of their houses to sell their houses. You know, you're calling them up and saying, hey, you know, you see that guy Avery moving in on the block? Yeah. You want to sell your house before more Avery's move in on you, huh? That's redlining. 
Wow. This is like two weeks ago. And he, apparently he would talking about this barbecue every day. Broadway Bill Lee was obsessed with this. Then he talked about his wife, Rachel, naturally blaming her for everything, how she redlined and then had a wait list. My wife sent me this list back of all the people she redlined and then all the people she waitlisted. And she said, if a lot of people decline right away, then move to the waitlist people. So I sent out this uh, this email where I made uh, made clear to mention that uh, and, and my wife said, make sure people know that we don't have a swimming pool because maybe then they won't come. So she's essentially rooting for as many people to decline as possible. And she's trying to make it, you know, very unattractive to folks. By the way, uh, Broadway Bill Lee, did you get that email? Nope. Uh, Avery, of course you didn't. And I didn't. Uh, No invitation for me, Nancy, and for my son, Anthony, who, by the way, uh, when he was having his baptism, I invited Frank. He didn't show up. Anthony's communion, I invited Frank. He didn't show up. Uh, Anthony's confirmation, I invited Frank. He didn't show up. I don't care. I, I mean, I invited him. I, I understand. But he didn't show up. At least I invited him. Then he talked about his backup list, except it was his board operator, Matt, who was pushing him on this. How many people are on the backup list? Uh, well, on this current version of the backup list, my backup list would be much larger, but it's one, two, three, four, five. Six, seven. I'm counting couples here. Like uh, that's uh, like when I say seven, that's right. couples. Okay, not not seven couples, seven people. Okay, seven, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty-one, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine, thirty, thirty-two, thirty-two. How do you like that? And so uh, Matt Preston, but, oh, man, his sickle fan, Tony and Lackey, the brown nose, Alex, just rolls over for Frank. I was also going to say, you know, and I mean, you did just sort of disprove it, but how do I know that? Because who in their right mind, when they send an, an invite to yeah. somebody that was on a backup list, how do they say okay. that they Here. weren't on the backup list? Show you the, the people in green here are on the backup list, okay? And as you can see, there you are listed at number 80, 86. Other guy who works on your show? Yeah. That's that was, what it says? Other that, guy that is, who works on your show? I'm just another guy to you? Well, well, at least you made the list, Alex. Broadway Bill Lee didn't. Avery certainly didn't. And I and Anthony and Nancy didn't. So then, Matt, the only guy who's really pressing him, actually reads what the invitation says. This strikes me as as good a time as any to give Matt Blaze an opportunity to comment on uh, the forthcoming barbecue on Saturday and uh, his response to the letter I sent him and uh, whether or not we can expect an RSVP on this front. Uh, Matt Blaze, do you have anything that you would like to add on this front? Well, I want to read this invitation. Go ahead. I I will silence my microphone. So this is the invitation that I got from from you about the barbecue. So you're right. I don't know that you'll ever be able to fully appreciate 
how exclusive the invitation you're about to receive is. Rachel and I are having a barbecue at our residence, and there's a hard out at 8 p.m. It starts at 2 p.m., hard out at 8 p.m. You're invited. I came up with a first draft of folks who I had hoped we could invite. Rachel decimated the list by about two-thirds. There are some very painful omissions on this list, but the good news is you made the cut. We hope you can come. Rachel has asked me to stress that we have no swimming pool. No swimming. And are unlikely to have one installed by then. Our landscaper, Joe, was a little unhappy at the volume of people we had last year. He's a bit like the mechanic that Brad Garrett played on Seinfeld. Yes. Which has only steeled Rachel's resolve further in limiting the number of invitees. I had hoped that we could make this a no mobile phone slash wireless device event. Yes. But Rachel felt that people might want to take photographs or make audio recordings or at the very least have a mobile phone available to them in case of emergency. So mobile phones will be permitted for this event, but they're strongly discouraged. Yes, absolutely. Lastly, there are a bunch of folks who Rachel used her preemptory strikes against who I'd like to invite, so we've compiled a backup list. If you can't make it, please let us know as soon as you're able so that I can move to the backup list. There will be standard barbecue fare. We'll look forward to seeing you, Frank. Yeah, I think it's a very nice invitation. If I were you, I'd be uh, I'd be thrilled with that kind of a, an invitation. Yeah, I didn't get the invitation. Uh, Broadway Bill Lee, you didn't get the invitation. And Avery, you certainly didn't get the invitation. Hey, hey Kirk, can I ask a question? Yes. If this barbecue is so exclusive... And Frank, you know, he has mob friends. He has friends in high places. How did Alex and Matt make the cut? Well, Alex, we know because he's a brown nose. Matt, because Matt knows where all of Frank Morano's bones are buried and who buried them. But to give you an idea, imagine there are current co-workers and old co-workers. So what is Frank to do? You had said before that when you made this list or when you were inviting people to the barbecue, it was Rachel's idea that you invite your current co-workers. Yes, she that, said. Yes. That you had invited former co-workers. That's right. And that you should invite current co-workers. That's right. So it's really not you inviting me. It's Rachel. No, it's me, uh, but at her suggestion. But you wouldn't have if she didn't make the suggestion. I I would probably, if I'm being totally honest, not have invited you. See? And I would have invited Alex. Oh, of course, Alex the Brown knows. And by the way, Avery, you work with Frank Morano on his show, don't you? Absolutely. But that... I, I think hell will have to freeze over three times before I get that invitation. Is that because you're a Euro-Asiatic black man? I said that has something to do with it. I don't think I can make it on his block unless I'm holding a Domino's pizza. (laughs) Well, you're not going to find out because uh, you are persona non grata. But, look, Broadway Billy, Avery, 
don't feel bad if you weren't invited. If you're someone that is actually personally friends with me and you weren't invited, don't feel bad because, honestly, we mostly tried to limit it to people that were geographically close to us and to have something resembling a reasonable number of people because I will admit last year with 100 people was a little out of hand. Um, now, if you weren't invited last year, then, okay, I don't blame you for being offended. But as far as this year's go, you know, you know, I don't know if, uh, you know, you shouldn't feel bad about being invited. And it's going to be 86 degrees and there's no swimming pool. So it's going to be very hot and uncomfortable. So you see, don't be, don't feel bad, Avery. Don't feel bad, Broadway Billy, although uh, I do know that Nancy and Anthony and I are very angry. We didn't even make any list. We didn't make what, what he called the backup list. We didn't make the primary list. We made the Ugats list. And then, like last year, although I wasn't invited last year either, nor was Anthony or Nancy, apparently he had hired two people to handle the barbecue because naturally he and Rachel, they don't want to do any manual work. But I guess this year he decided to cut down on that. By the way, I am hiring uh, someone to help staff this barbecue. Last year, I hired two people, and um, my wife uh, made me uh, to – she made me promise to limit it to only one so we can keep costs down. So I I talked to this lady, and I sent her money. It's 90 – it's um, for two four hours, I think, or three hours. It's um, $180. So I, I talked to this lady, and I Venmoed her $90. And she said, you could pay the balance on uh, Saturday. And she said, uh, she, I'll send you a receipt later. So last night, she sends me a receipt, and it's just got beautiful cursive handwriting. It says, thank you, Lucille, and it says what I'm paying for. And I just said in response, I don't think Lucille quite gets my humor um, or my sensibilities, for lack of a better description. She just responds. I, no, I respond to her, this photo of the receipt that she sent me. By saying, lovely handwriting. And she says, what does that mean? I said, I don't know, but it is impressive. God, what a creep Frank is, right? Here it is, the woman is like, man, this guy's a real creep, a perf. Why is he writing about my handwriting? And then, uh, is Matt again. You see, Alex would never press Frank. He's too much of a brown nose. But Alex... But uh, Matt wants to keep knowing about this backup list. So. Now, do, do people on the backup list know about this barbecue? I, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Have you, Some people who were on the first list thought they were on the backup list, which they were not. But I'm going to I'm going to drill down. I'm going to spend a good portion of the day today drilling down on these RSVPs, and then I'm going to move to the backup list. Because I'm, I'm wondering, if, is the backup list like when a university puts you on a wait yeah, list? Yeah, exactly. Well, and, no, but, okay. and you learn about no. it, you're on the wait list. Well, see, I would like to let the backup list people know that they're on the wait so list. They so they have the day free. So they, exactly. So they're exactly. ready, and right. just in case you decide to invite them. Wow. I mean, this is becoming so complicated. But you know, because he's made it so complicated, I hope that nobody shows. You know, he's not going to permit music or dancing. No dancing. You know, he's uh, sort of like these holy rollers, these charismatics. Uh, who the only time they believe in dancing is if you have poisonous snakes around your neck, you got no shoes on, and your hillbillies up in the Ozark Mountains, and you're dancing, right? 
to Jesus. And then he wants you to play board games, you know, Parcheesi, and shoot craps or CeeLo. God. And remember, he, it's open 2 o'clock. He shuts it down at 8. Now, I get off the air with Anthony uh, Weiner. 3 to 4, as you know, is left versus right, and I really got to pop the question to him because I've been shamed into it by Sid Rosenberg and Bernard McGirt. Earlier this week, uh, Thursday morning on the morning show in the 7 o'clock hour, and they said, you got to ask Anthony Weiner about Bradley Cooper snacking on his former wife, Huma. And I realized, but I don't do that. I'm going to appear to be very weak. So that's coming up in a few hours. But I would have had more than enough time with Nancy and Anthony, right? Program ends at 4. We could have gotten out there no later than 6, even if there was traffic. We could have been there from 6 to 8. Bottom line, no invitation. But now, notice he rolls out the red carpet for Alex, his brown-nosed uh, assistant, and for Matt, who's like, mention, mention, poco, poco. He's not sure uh, if he's going to go. So when can we expect an RSVP from you, Mr. Matt Blaze? Well, I'm thinking about it. I, th- I think Matt's deferring this university. <laughs> I, I don't I'm, not defer- I'm not saying he, yes, and well, I'm not saying no. Yeah, he's he's, he's got, got better plans. Well, right now, I didn't even say that. Uh, you, that backup invite could go to Fred Cerullo, could go to the Fratellones, could go to the Marys, could go to the Gatulos, could go to Joe Sibelia. You never know. I mean, I think you were right, though. You can't expect him to, to RSVP to this thing. Right. Yeah. Right. It's just not going to happen. Deb Valentine? You never know. Did she RSVP? No, she didn't make the list yet. Whoa. Now, wait a second. Do you hear that laundry list of those who would replace Matt? By the way, it's Matt Blaze. So we know Matt is certainly not Italian. Probably Jewish, right? Probably Jewish, Matt Blaze. So I want you to hear all the people who would supersede Matt Blaze if he opts not to come. Please play that again. So when can we expect an RSVP from you, Mr. Matt Blaze? Well, I'm thinking it. about it. I, th- I think Matt's deferring this university. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I'm not. Defer- I'm not saying he, yes, well, and I'm not saying no. Yeah, he's he's, he's got, got better plans. plans. Well, right now, I didn't even say that. Uh, you, that backup invite could go to Fred Cerullo, could go to the Fratellones, could go to the Marys, could go to the Gatulos, could go to Joe Sibelia. You never know. I mean, I think you were right, though. You can't expect him to, to RSVP to this thing. Right. Yeah, it's just not going to happen. Deb Valentine? You never know. Did she RSVP? No, she didn't make the list yet. Now, wait a second. Every one of those people he mentioned, their last name ends in a vowel. Fred Cerullo used to be deputy mayor for uh, Rudy Giuliani, Michael Balicic. The Marys, Matthew Mary. Uh, came out of the Knickerbocker houses uh, on the Lower East Side where a lot of mobsters choking on their lobsters came out of, members of organized crime. He's represented most of them. The Fratellones, the Gatulos, uh, who does sports there at AM 970, The Answer. He did it for me. That's four years I'll never get back in my life. He's still there. Stabile and Valentine. We're all Italians. Well, what is he? No blacks? No Hispanics? No Asians? 
No non-Italian whites? Wow. And by tomorrow when we're on the air, since neither of us have been given an invitation, neither of us have received an email, nor has my wife Nancy or Anthony, I bet you there'll be a list of members of organized crime. Because you know out in Staten Island, if I were to uh, wave a dead cat around my head, every fifth person I would hit out there would be a member of Italian organized crime, the Mafia La Cosa Nostra, right? Can we know he has a special place in his heart for Italians, but especially members of La Cosa Nostra, the Mafia, Italian organized crime. Then uh, Matt decides to press him even more. Thank God for Matt Blaze because uh, Alex, what a wuss. Now, here's the other thing. Yeah. The backup list. Yeah. Is there an order to the backup list? In other words, if I say no or Alex says no yes. or anybody on yeah. the first, is there an, an order you, that you go, okay, yeah. this uh, is the guy ready? up here? What's, yeah. the, what's okay. the order? Uh, so I'll tell you who gets invited first on the backup list. Um, Fred Cerullo. He's the first backup list invite. Then um, Have you moved to the backup list at all? N- no, because not enough people are RSVPing. So I don't know. Well, because most people don't RSVP a barbecue. I know. They just fair. show up. Yeah. They don't RSVP for a barbecue. Matt Blaze is correct. What is this, a, a black tie gala that he's having at his barbecue? You know, Frank, he finds every way possible to take the fun out of a barbecue. I'm telling you, I hope that nobody shows up. Nobody shows up to this barbecue. He's got no dancing. It's like, come on. All you get to do is play Parcheesi or shoot craps or you can't go. Hey, Curtis. Yes. It says a lot about this uh, shindig that his own board op who works for him can't be pressured to commit to his his barbecue on the air. <laughs> But notice, That's not a good sign. Notice Alex can't wait to go. Oh, yeah. Alex Alex going to spend the night outside the yard. He is such a brown nose. Yo, yo, shout out to Matt Blaze, man. Yep. Matt Blaze for being uh, a contrarian and uh, questioning every facet of what will amount to probably no people showing up at all. The guy's making it so difficult. And by the way, he hasn't told everyone. But you got to bring your own food. Oh, yeah. You got to bring a tray of your own food. They're not serving any food. <laughs> because Carmine is like 40 pounds now. Remember, he was birthed a few days before Thanksgiving by the 92 year old nun on loan from Mount St. Laredo. She is the midwife. And then that crazy nurse ratchet assigned to Rachel from uh, Richmond High, uh, Richmond Hospital took two of them to deliver Carmine, 15 pounds. Now he's 40 pounds. So if they put out a spread of food, my God, Carmine will end up eating it all. He'll probably inhale it. So imagine you got a schlep out there to Staten Island. You get clipped when you come over the Outer Bridge Crossing, the Godfields Bridge, the Bayonne Bridge. Got to take a reverse mortgage. If you come over the Verrazano, you got to take a payday loan. Then you got to pay for gas, right? Five bucks or more, depending on where you're buying your gas. 
Then you come and there's no food to eat, not even crackers. Not even crackers and cheese. His favorite, right, fromage. Not even Velveeta cheese. You got to bring your own food. And what is it? You got to bring your own bag? You got to bring your own liquor? This is really sad. Really sad. And I bet you there won't be any black people there. I guarantee you. South Shore, Staten Island? No. A lot of black people say, no, I'd rather not go. No, it's not because I don't like you, Frank, but, you know, it's your neighborhood, man. It's sort of like, that's like no man's land for people like Avery or Broadway Bill Lee. You know, even for Sicilians with a, a deep olive complexion, the Cheeches and Zips out there, if they got a little curly hair like Frank does, you know, a few curly cues, right away people say, who are you? Where are you from? You from Ethiopia, Somalia, Eritrea? Somehow related to Benito Mussolini? Can you trace it back to when the Italians had Somalia, Eritrea, and Ethiopia as their provinces, their colonies, huh? Or maybe Libya, huh? Gaddafi, Gaddafi land. Yeah, the Italians control Libya, too. Oh, yeah. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jim, who's calling from Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jim. Hey, Curtis. Love John Waters today. Oh, yeah, yeah, Jesse Waters. We were talking about more yeah, shoplifting. And uh, the top male shoplifter in New York City has been clipped 128 times. <laughs> Michelle Maybell, 126 times. They're competing against one another. Yeah. But uh, I had to say, you know, you're not being fair to uh, Frank. I think he has a lot of uh, African-Americans and Latinas at his party, but they're all serving cocktails. <laughs> and, uh, you know, pigs in a blanket, you know, <laughs> walking around with the tray. <laughs> but I think I think he might be being made tonight. What do oh, you think? I never thought of that. He's being made tonight. Yeah, the tonight, racket report. Like you see him. Me. Yeah, you see him in the racket report. You know, he's got that suit that shines in the dark, where he looks like he's on the periphery of the Gambino crime family. Yeah. You may be right, Jimmy. With the sideburns. He's, he's all good. The, the blonde uh, made man. Not only that, Jim, uh, he interviewed this guy called the Golden Greek who used to own the, uh, uh, I forget which diner it was, very famous diner, and then the uh, Brooklyn Chop House, although it's in lower Manhattan, a bunch of restaurants. The guy was complaining that he was getting shook down by Gotti Jr. and the Gambinos and Mikey Scars D. Leonardo. Now he's complaining. Right. He's always snoring. Yeah, you notice that, don't you, Jim? You know that? He's always just trying to get something for free. He's always, you know, he's you know, not doing he, commercials for other people. You know, he just wants to schnore. So he gets uh, free meals and free drinks. Free everything. Oh, my God. <laughs> What's the problem with James Conn? How come you guys didn't hit it off on the right foot? <sighs> You're right, Jim. You're absolutely right. I'm thinking back now, all the interviews he's done, they're always interviews with people who are promoting a product or selling something. Yeah, only does something for him. 
Remember Rusty? <laughs> what happened to Rusty, the next door neighbor? The oh. doggy? Oh, yeah, yeah. Rusty, the dog, with uh, the guy who lives next. Street under. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. He, he definitely, he keeps an eye on him. Wow. I think he's done. Like, I think he got whacked by the, uh, <laughs> Frankie's friends. Yeah, the Gambino, Zagatis. <laughs> by the way, it's you know? incredible. He had his wedding, right? He invited every Gotti and Gambino he knew that filled he's up like. He's a wannabe. He's just like, he's a wannabe. Yeah, but can you imagine inviting me and Nancy there and then sitting us right next to John Gotti Jr. and all the Gambinos and Gottis and Angel, his favorite Gotti. Is that true? Is that true? Yeah. Does he really do that? Yeah. And by the way, this is before he met Rachel. Uh, He used to get really sweet on Angel Gotti. I mean, I thought they were like a couple. You know, they were like together. They were like swapping spit. What's with the Gottis with him? I did not see Curtis next to the Gaudis at my wedding. They were on opposite ends of the room. They did not interact at all. There was no interaction. I don't think they saw one another. Uh, The extent, I think, to any interaction they had is Curtis was dancing with his wife on the dance floor, and John Gotti Jr. came over to me, and he said to me, hey, do you think Curtis would mind if I cut in with his wife? See that, Jim? He's a, oh, he's a schmuck. Yeah. He's a snoring schmuck. A snoring schmuck who's also a putz. Uh, how tall is he? Five foot nothing? Yeah. We well, see, he's a real nebishy, like you mentioned, a schlubby, nebishy uh, pisher, schmendrick. He's got the Napoleon complex. Oh, absolutely. There, you, you nailed it there. He has a Napoleon complex. He walks around here like he's Mr. Big Stuff. Who do you think he is? Exactly. He has has a polo shirt now, Jim. He has a polo shirt, and on the back, it says number one in the ratings on WABC. He has it, you know, on the the stuff. He wants to be Gutfield. He wants to be Gutfield. Yeah. No, you're right. That's his idol. Gutfield. That's right. But he doesn't doesn't have that, that wit. Yeah, Kuma say quiet. He, 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 no, nah, he's he not. Qu- trying to be too smooth, you know. He's not afraid of uh, insulting himself. Now you know what it is. Is he always wants to have the last word, and you can't have the last word. Right. You got to let other people make fun of you. You got to talk. This guy, his ego is too much. Yeah, no, that definitely a fragile ego. The moment you take a shot at him, he immediately it's like a knee jerk reaction. Right. Yep. Yep. Dang right up on you. He I does know, that. Right he does that all the time, Jim. The moment you get the best of Frank, what happens? Click. Yeah, that's what I do. I got to switch to W O R if you're not there. Oh no! Hold on a second. That's women's only radio. You can't do that. I know, but I, I just I I can only listen to you. Yeah, but you see, Jim this guy actually he actually puts me to sleep. I mean it. It's actually good. I don't have to buy Ambien. Use the human Ambien. Jim, this is what you have to do. Jim, please. You know I, I can't go to sleep. I understand. My job is to keep everybody up to the break of dawn. But, Jim, this is what you and everybody else must do as much as you might hate, loathe, despise. The omnipotent, pretentious, um, 
stubborn Frank Morano. You got to listen. Monday through Friday is from 1 to 5. You have to because I can't listen all the time. I don't have a chance to go to the podcast because I'm taking out Guardian Angel Patrols because Eric Adams, the swagger man, has no plan and crime is skyrocketing through the roof. So I need all of you like Jim and others to rat him out to eat the Parmesan cheese to let me know specifically what he said. All of these cuts that I have acquired are all recommendations from people who have listened to Frank. And they say, look, at this time, uh, at uh, 328 on Wednesday morning, this is what Frank said. And I take down copious notes, and then it's up to Avery and Broadway Bill Lee to cut them up. And I really thank all of you listeners for being so accurate, so acute, so specific that we're able to isolate these cuts and then play them back and give commentary to it, because without which we'd be slipping right into the talk radio abyss. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. All night long, this is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. There's an island across the sea. I remember, remember when Frank left his lovely wife, Rachel, behind Carmine and went all the way out to Hawaii. Remember, he calls it Hawaii. Stayed in Oahu there and went to every tiki tiki bar and got, I mean, just drop dead drunk until eventually went out to Kauai. For the marriage of his uh, brother, Alexander, not spelled the Italian way, but the Russian way, who, if you remember, was interviewed by Jesse Waters, uh, his brother, Alexander, and admitted he was a stone-cold communist who believes in redistribution of wealth. And Frank Morano fell in love with Don Ho and now plays Don Ho at home and drives his wife, Rachel, nuts. And the neighbors on the block who hear Don Ho singing Beautiful Kauai. Beautiful Kauai. Beautiful Kauai. By the way, I know uh, Broadway Billy, during the break, you went through all of your emails the past two weeks. No invitation from Frank Morano. Because your prote- your complexion is not your protection on this. You are... Come on, let's face it, you don't have a vowel at the end of your name. You're not Italian. You know, if you were a Sicilian, a cheat, a zip, and you had some characteristics of a Euro-Asiatic black man, he'd, he'd give you some slack, depending on which organized crime family you were affiliated with. Avery, not a shot in hell that you were going to be invited, that's for sure. My wife and I have agreed to host a barbecue at our home, Okay. I came up with a list of 100 people that I'd like to invite. Now, before you freak out, let me just understand. 
I have a broad social group, okay? Understand, though, that I knew uh, this was a 100 people in a first draft that I sent to my wife because I knew she would want to redline some people. Redline? It's what happened to black people over the years, right? They come in, the mortgage uh, bankers, real estaters would redline. Ah, now he uses that term, huh? And he loves Don Hall now. I don't know. Do you think he's replaced his favorite song, his theme song, Al Jolson, Mammy, made in 1918, or Rudy Valley, Valley, uh, brother, can you spare a dime? You think it'll be Don Ho now? Beautiful Ho, Kawaii. Mother Nature made her home at the falls of Wailua. lovers of the I can just see Frank there. So okay. My across the sea. Beautiful Hawaii. Beautiful Hawaii. By the way, he never did end up interviewing his most preferred guest, the lady in white, former congresswoman from Hawaii. Ran for the Democratic nomination for the presidency. Eviscerated uh, Vice President Harris on that stage in Detroit. Never, never got a chance to interview her, even though he is her number one sickle fan, Tony and Lackey. By the way, who am I speaking of, ladies and gentlemen? If you know the name of the former congresswoman from Hawaii that Frank Morano desperately has mooned for, has opined for, has bade to the moon for when he was in Oahu. Couldn't even get to first base. Who am I talking about? For a Curtis Lee will booby prize, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Larry and Beth Page. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Larry. Curtis, I have to, I got to tell you, uh, I'm on fire right now. There isn't a show that Frank does where he doesn't cry about having no money. He's, he has literally almost been in tears. Oh, my God, I owe $2,000 to the IRS. How am I going to do it? And the next minute, he's online in front of four homeless people cashing in bottles and cans at ShopRite. And then two minutes later, he's in Atlantic City, and he is buying drinks for the house. He's eating in the best restaurants. He's doing this. He's doing that. He's traveling, and he doesn't have a pot to tinkle in. It is. It is. I wish I was an IRS agent because this man, Curtis, this man, we all love him, but he needs to be investigated and maybe spend a few days, maybe a few years behind bars. When you think Frank Morano, you think the craps table, right, at Borgata? I don't know about the Borgata. All I know is this man cries every night about having no money, and yet he's living better than the Trumps. How does he do it? Curtis, you know better than I do. How does he, he goes to restaurants. He goes to Rayo's. I can't even drive past Rayo's and smell and smell the lemon chicken being cooked. I can't afford that. But he's there. But he's there. And the next minute, he's cashing in bottles and cans at ShopRite. 
How yeah, the same it? shop right in which the guy slapped Rudy on the back and got arrested for second degree assault. The same shop right. Yes, yes. But how does he do it? How does he do it? Listen, I'm telling you, this man should be investigated. We all love him. He's a great talent. But there, this is there's a lot of evidence. There's a, that it just does not pass the nose test. You know better than I do. You're more involved in this kind of stuff than I am. Yeah, well, let me, let, me, let me tell you what the schnoz test tells me. You know what you can do to become, uh, to, uh, become wealthy in a hurry? And I, I'm going to try and do this. Become an expert witness for trials. Now, he has done that, Larry. He has uh, rented himself out to many attorneys, Arthur Idala, some other attorneys, that he's always talking about what great chums they are, what great friends. It's really a business relationship in which he snores favors. He snores money. He's a, he's a, he's an old-school broadcaster. He's a, just a big snorer, Larry. I hope, I hope, Curtis, that God bless Carmine doesn't have to be raised by some strange family in somewhere in New York City. I just really hope that doesn't happen. And I hope his wife um, knows nothing about this and she trusts his husband. But this, this, is, this is bad. This is really, really bad. And poor Carmine, he's going to grow up like, who are, my, who are my parents? I haven't seen them in 20 years. What happened to me? Come out, rule. New shooter, come out. All right. Uh, we got eight. Eight. Eight easy. You see, Larry, he's trying to augment his income by giving instructions on how to shoot craps at the Borgata in Atlantic City. A loser uh, instructing other losers. But what many of you people don't realize... Is that for many years, Frank was the consummate Italian mamalook. He lived at home. He had few, if any, expenses. Look at his wardrobe, right? Come on. What did he go? He got that at John's Bargain Store, right? He got that, what, at the uh, at the Salvation Army uh, thrift store, right? Look, look at how Frank Morano dresses, right? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. So he would save his money so he could go to Atlantic City to shoot craps. But he would take a percentage of the money and he would stuff it in the mattress in the basement of his mother's house that he lived in. And that, that he secured a lot of money that way. Now, you see how Larry mentioned the IRS. The IRS would have no idea about that money because it's unclaimed. Uh, we don't know the source of it. Uh, we do know that at times he raids the mattress in order to get the money to go to Atlantic City to shoot craps at the Borgata. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And sucker others into playing craps, which means he snores chips so he can play poker, so he can play uh, blackjack, so he can play the one-armed bandits. You know, they give him freebies. He goes to the Borgata, Borgata whole weekend. It's all on the Borgata. He gets an au pair to watch uh, Carmine. He and Rachel go down, extra chips. Uh, they get meal tickets, you know, drink tickets. 
It's like everything's on the house because he keeps promoting the Borgata, the station. We don't get uh, any of the funds from that. Basically, it's all quid pro quo. You scratch my belly, I scratch yours. I know. Come on, come on. Five, five, seven. Come on, five. One eight hundred. Crapped out. Okay. He always craps out. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mike, who's calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Mikey. Tulsi Gabbard? Yes. Hawaiian, uh, okay. Yes. Told, and now, he has moaned for Tulsi Gabbard. He has opined for Tulsi Gabbard. He has said that his politics is synergistic to Tulsi Gabbard. Part of the reason for going to Hawaii and leaving his wife, Rachel, and Carmine behind was he was trying to find Tulsi Gabbard. Do you know where Tulsi Gabbard hangs out when she is in Hawaii? Waikiki uh, Beach? No. No. Remember, do you know what her religion is? Uh, she's a Mormon. No, not a Mormon. She's a Hindu. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Because she's, uh, she talks about karma and stuff like that. Yes. And she was at an ashram. And Frank, you know, he's went, going from one tiki bar to the other tiki bar, you know, just getting sloshed. And apparently he went to speak to her at an ashram to arrange an interview, you know, with his little personal tape recorder. And the, uh, the high priests of the ashram said, Ixnay on that, you're too drunk. You're too polluted. Are you trying to infer they were having an assignation in uh, Hawaii? Well, they have standards, Mike. Standards that Frank Morano could not accommodate. Uh, and so from there, he went to Kauai for the wedding of his uh, brother Alexander. Again, spelt not the Italian way, but the Russian way, in honor of Vladimir Lenin, his hero. It's a Bolshevik. He was interviewed on Jesse Waters, his brother. Hardcore communist, Mike. Yeah. I'm an anarchist. Yeah. 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 So you see, Mike? See? A very complicated life, but everything gets down to snoring. He wants to snore, snore, snore. You know, it's funny. There's no evidence to support Curtis's version of Frank Morano. Mike, I, I think I've made my case, wouldn't you say? Sure, to me anyway. Have a good morning, Mike, because he's going to be with us to the break of dawn. Let's go to Mike in the Bronx. From one Mike to another Mike, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mikey. Hey, good morning, Curtis. Uh, the answer to your earlier trivia question, uh, the native of Rockville Center, Tom Van Essen. Yes, Tommy Van Essen. I call him the... Uh, uh, Dutchman, the whirling, uh, swinging Dutchman, great stickball player, by the way. He actually played in one of my stickball contests when I was the commissioner of stickball of the city of New York. Uh, and he grew up in Ozone Park. He became, uh, worked up the ranks, the UFA uh, uh, chairman. Uh, he elected the uh, chief of the union and then was picked by my Kumbada chief, Rudy Giuliani, to be uh, in charge of the fire department of the city of New York. Curtis, I just have two comments on the Mama Luke. Number one, you got double Ufa. You didn't get an invite to Carmine's christening 
and now you didn't get an invite to the barbecue. Yeah, and uh, trust me, when uh, Anthony was uh, having his uh, baptism, Frank was invited. He chose not to show up, okay, but he was invited. Uh, Then when Anthony had his communion, again, I invited uh, Frank. He didn't show, but at least he was invited. And then his confirmation, Frank was invited. He didn't show, but he was... uh, officially invited he received the uh, the card there was no such thing as an rsvp this is ridiculous mike you got an rsvp for a freaking barbecue i know and real quick again uh i called his show about eight weeks ago answered a trivia question never got a hat and in a way it's a blessing because i wouldn't wear it but i would certainly wear yours oh Stay on the line, Mike. Hey, Avery, this is your way of getting revenge against your nemesis. Within 24 hours, you're going to see how he puts you down. I'm not going to reveal that right now, but please make sure you get Mike's information and get him that Curtis Sleeve booby prize because now we can rub salt in Frank Morano's wounds. Let's go to Patrick in Huntington. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Patrick. Good morning, Curtis. Listen, that Marmaluke juice bag yesterday morning, he's asking his listeners, where's there a bar I can go to at 9 a.m.? Cash only, he says. Wow. What a lush. Nine, what, nine, and also, let me ask you another question. You think he's got one of those porto parties set up at the, at the, at the barbecue because he doesn't want the guests going in the house? Yeah, now, wait a second. You're right about that. His, uh, he is really fixated on people not using his bathroom. I remember I was there one time. He was kind enough to take me out. I was getting implants. Uh, his uh, wife, Rachel, made the worst cup of coffee I ever had in my life, you know, with that artificial creamer in it. Oh, yeah. I had the runs. And he said, no, you can't use my bathroom. I'll run you back to the dentist's office where you're getting the implants. Just hold it in till we get back there. That was that was like two miles away. Yeah, yeah. you know, maybe they'll put some, like, party favors on that green box that's going to be in the corner of the yard to make it look presentable, you know? And what, there's probably what? some uh, some wise guys standing outside it, right? Yeah, what do you think it is about the fact that even if you go to his house, let's say to visit Carmine or you're a family member, he has this fixation that you can't use his bathroom? I don't know. I think I know what it is. I think I know what it is. Remember, Dr. Remember what the bar I told you about? He made a point of saying cash only. So what, was Rachel take his uh, credit cards home? Yes. Yeah, because remember, he's out of control. He, the moment he has any kind of uh, any kind of credit, he immediately runs to the Borgata and starts shooting craps. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. He's a degenerate gambler. He's admitted that. He said, give, give it. in fact, when the argument was, well, maybe they should put a casino in Times Square as one of the locations where the state would license a casino, a full, you know, table game casino. 
He said, oh, no, don't do that. That would be too much of, of, of a lure for me, too much of a temptation. I, I'd never have enough money to bring back to Rachel and Carmine. And what kind of spread are you expecting at this barbecue? Well, no, there's no food. You have to bring your own. You have to bring your own food. He's not making any food. This is potluck. Patrick, you come. Let's say you're one of the 100 lucky ones invited. It's potluck. Everybody has to bring a bowl of something. Does he have plans for a pool? I hear the pool talk. What is there, one in the future? No. No. In fact, Rachel uh, does not want a pool because she says that's a reason that a lot of people will use to want to come over to your house to use the pool. So she absolutely, she doesn't want the little uh, plastic pool for Carmine, nothing. She doesn't want a bird bath. She doesn't want people thinking they could come over and use the sprinkler system to cool off in the hot hum- humidity of the south shore of Staten Island. Remember the role of uh, uh, Danny Aiello? 26, 29th, uh, 29th Street with the lawn, with the oh. Italians with the lawn. Oh, yeah. Can you, see Frank, can you see Frank like that in about uh, 10 years? Easily, with pink plastic flamingos in his lawn. Yeah. Little little statue of the Blessed Virgin Mother Mary. Oh, yeah. What do I call it? Uh, Mary on a half shell? Yep. Mary on a half shell. You're so right. you Boy, you got this guy figured out to a T. <laughs> and you know what? If he did get a pool, you could actually kill two birds with one stone. Then you get rid of the porta potty and all the guests just do right there. Boom. And let me tell you something. I don't know. You're so right, Patrick. He doesn't have a porta potty unless he expects you to go over and use the neighbor's bathroom. Rachel is meticulously clean. So it's not like it's a hillbilly house. I mean, like I said, that. Well, that's that's a problem too, though. That's a mental health problem when you're. Uh, that's the OCD screaming for help. You yeah, know, I never th- doing I... the carpets every twenty minutes. You know, making the rows got to go a certain way. I got a friend like that. Yeah, it's... yeah, no, that's Rachel. You nailed her on that. She is, a, she is just obsessed with keeping everything clean. Obsessed. Yeah, that's. that's... She's screaming therapy right there. That's just a big shout-out. Help. That's what that is. You're so right. And just think I was sitting there on their couch, wonderfully kept with the slip covers, you know, wonderfully kept, having a cup of coffee that Rachel made and with this artificial uh, creamer. It was horrible. Had to go to the bathroom. Frank goes, no, squeeze your legs. Squeeze hard. I'll drive you back to the orthodontist to get your implants. I'm sure he has a bathroom you can use there. You can't use our bathroom. It's a prank. Rachel gave me this coffee with that horrid creamer that's made me have the runs. You know what he said? Tough noogies. Tough noogies. By the way, uh, the mayor, the swagger man with no plan has become the new pot man. Wait till you hear Eric Adams talking about reefer, weed, pot, and who he wants to run the dispensaries once they're licensed within the five boroughs of the city of New York. 
It sure ain't Frank Morano, that's for sure. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Yeah. I'm a big Just remember, ladies and gentlemen, my mission is to take you to the break of dawn. We've got an hour to go. Falling asleep in front of a TV each night could lead to an early death, according to the New England Journal of Medicine. Likewise with radio. So my my goal here at WABC, particularly on the weekends where WABC, the acronym stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis, from Friday night to Sunday night, and in between, it's to not let you go to sleep. You can't. You just can't go to sleep. By the way, uh, Frank Morano, uh, no doubt, is cutting some Z's, preparing for his uh, barbecue from 2 in the afternoon to 8. And that's the slam dunk close time. I would have had more than enough of an opportunity to get there after... Uh, Coming on the show with Anthony Weiner, as I do each and every Saturday. He's on from 2 to 3, going solo. Anthony Weiner in the middle. And then it's left versus right. Curtis Sliwa versus Anthony Weiner. And I'm telling you this. I've been shamed into a corner by Sid Rosenberg and Bernard McGurk. On Thursday morning, I appeared at 7 o'clock. I wondered why did they insist that I appear. Normally, I've got to nudge my way on the program because they're so busy yakking at one another like two yentas, you know, to get a word in edgewise. But, no, they lured me in like they set up a Venus flytrap. You, Curtis, must ask Anthony Weiner on Saturday afternoon from 3 to 4. What does he think about the fact that his former wife, Uma, is now being snacked on by Bradley Cooper. You know, Mr. Academy Award, Mr. Emmy. I wonder how I'm going to approach this, because so far he's taken the coat of Omerante. He was on the front page, Anthony Weiner was, uh, this past Thursday. The very very morning I appeared with Sid uh, Rosenberg and Bernard McGurk and was challenged to be an inquisitor. But he was on the front page. It was the picture of Huma in the left. It was the picture of Bradley Cooper, her new uh, home slice on the right. And peering over the shoulder, incredulously, was Anthony Weiner. But he wouldn't answer any of the page six questions. Do you think he'll answer my inquisitive questions? And I got to come at him with a serious of questions at all different points of that hour in case he does the rope-a-dope or takes the coat of Omerta. I must succeed in my mission, and all of you must be listening. I know, no, I know you want to get a few hours of sleep, but you got to be up between 2 and 4, especially 3 to 4. And if for some reason you miss it, you got to go to the podcast. The podcast that you could get at uh, wabcradio.com. That's wabcradio.com. Not only this podcast, but the podcast for all the great hosts and hostesses 
who do a separate program sometimes other than what they do here on WABC, the number one news talk station in the nation, and especially for father and son. Another one in the can earlier on Friday with uh, Anthony and Curtis. Can't wait to hear what we were talking about. Please, a little Wiz Khalifa. I need that motivation to get into what the mayor of the city of New York was talking about earlier today. He was on the front steps of City Hall on Friday, looking like he was uh, a cast character in Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee. He had on that kung fu white outfit. What the hell was that? I mean, this guy, every day, he's like a fashionista. He looked like he got attacked by a flea market today, earlier today. It's like unreal. And then he was being asked a question because New York City now rates the second dirtiest city in the world. Second dirtiest city in the world. As he has cut back on the sanitation budget, isn't hiring any new sanitation men and women. And it's not been a good motivator to those few who remain in the sanitation department. So we're now rated the second dirtiest city in the world. Second only to Rome. I would say eh, Rome, Naples. If you've ever been to Naples, garbage, garbage everywhere. The third city is Glasgow in Scotland. I've been to Glasgow. I wouldn't rate them third. Have a nice little subway in Glasgow. Hell of a lot better run than our MTA system. And what is the cleanest city in the world? Of course, Stockholm, Sweden. You can't even find a gum wrapper on the ground. But New York City, the second dirtiest. And the lead story in the New York Post on Friday was, ooh, the smell of the piled up garbage. That the city sanitation department is not hauled away. And a lot of private carters. So when asked this question at City Hall... When uh, our mayor, the swagger man who has no plan about the ever-rising crime problem, how to get a uh, handle on it, dressed like uh, Bruce Lee and entered a dragon. I kid you not. You got to look at the pictures. You say, where the hell did you get that outfit from? Down on Canal Street? You know, in Chinatown? So he's asked a question by the paparazzi, the members of the Fourth Estate, Room 9 in City Hall, about the smell in the city. And this was his response. Well, the, yeah, the number one thing I smell right now is pot. It's like everybody is smoking a joint now, you know. Um, uh, you know, everybody has a joint. Uh, I, I, I'm not smelling. Maybe I have a New York nose that, you know, I'm not smelling, you know, uh, filth. So his schnozola is not smelling the stink. But I understand that. You walk around the streets of New York City, there's like a, a purple haze, a plume of smoke. People smoking joints, spliffs, blunts, vaping up. It's like everywhere. And it just hangs over the city almost like a, a smog would. Except it's the purple haze of reefer. And then again, I don't know if the mayor is in favor of that or not. Hey, could you please play that again? I want to hear the mayor dressed up like uh, Bruce Lee and Enter the Dragon, where he got that outfit from, probably. Uh, was he wearing kung fu slippers also? Well, the, yeah, the number one thing I smell right now is pot. It's like everybody is smoking a joint now, you know. Um, uh, you know, everybody has a joint. Uh, I, I, I'm not smelling. Maybe I have a New York nose that, you know, I'm not smelling, you know, uh, filth.
But let me get this straight. Is it a good thing? Uh, I couldn't quite uh, figure out if he thought it was a good thing that he was inhaling the secondary smoke of pot like he had been shotgunned, or it was a bad thing. He says New York City reeks of pot, but then he had that little sort of uh, childish laugh, the same childish laugh he had after he had beat me uh, in the general election to be mayor, I think the day, the night after November 3rd, he was the guest of the Colbert Show, and he brought a gift to Colbert. And guess what? I don't know if it was a nickel or dime bag. I don't know if it was Sensimilia. I don't know if it was Acapulco Gold, but it certainly was something in those little baggies. One of my best gifts, as you know, marijuana is legal. I have raw. I did not know. I have raw. I am not aware, Mr. Mayor. I'm not into that scene. I have bamboo. Oh, you know, big. And I can't give you this gift. I give it to you later. You know. <laughs> it's like you laugh in high school when you smoked your first joint. What is with this guy? Is he giddy? Is he happy that people are smoking reefer openly in the streets and that the city smells like it's uh, purple haze out there? That that's, uh, that's sort of the uh, the atmosphere, the smell of marijuana. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. By the way, when he was on the front steps of City Hall dressed like Bruce Lee and entered the dragon, was talking about how he was looking for a spokesperson to manage New York City's weed habit. Since eventually uh, we will have dispensaries licensed by the state of New York. He wants a czar or a czarina to run it. And he's saying it's going to go out and launch a, a massive nationwide search for a pothead who could run all of this. I mean, the person is like his, uh, his attache from Staten Island. She's no longer going to be the state senator there, Diane Savino. Diane Savino has been at the uh, the pot uh, conventions that have been held at Jacob Javits Convention Center every year. She's been like one of the number one promoters first of medical marijuana and now the recreational use uh, of marijuana. She's traveled the world probably sampling marijuana. You would think that Diane Savino, the former state senator, is perfect for the job. And yet, no, Eric Adams wants to go on a nationwide search for a new uh, reefer czar or czarina. I don't know if you noticed earlier in the week, the uh, NYPD flip-flopped on the weed testing that uh, the law department of the city of New York said was no longer necessary for... Cadets, recruits wanting to become police officers, those who were already police officers, and that if you were smoking doobs in your off hours, it was your business, your business alone, as long as you didn't come to the job high. They announced that at 5 o'clock Thursday night. Two hours later, they rescinded it because guess who they didn't tell about that? The police commissioner of the city of New York, Sewell, who's always missing in action, uh, she's not even in the the loop. The loop is it goes to Phil Banks, the deputy mayor in charge of public safety, 
who has an office in the Verizon building that Eric Adams has his hideaway in. Yeah, that was exposed this week by Politico. And the mayor had no explanations of why he would have an office in the Verizon building, which is just six blocks from City Hall, three blocks from one police plaza. What the hell do you need to be there unless you want to be out of sight, out of mind, and you don't want the general public to know who the hell you're meeting with, who may be trying to wine, dine, and pocket line you. You got the reporters at Room 9 at City Hall. They would take note of that. And you would have the cops who would have to sign in guests, and that would be become part of the permanent ledger. And yet the mayor couldn't answer that straight. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then you see these We World trucks everywhere throughout 42nd Street. We World trucks everywhere. East side, west side. They towed them away. The sheriff towed them away. They're back. Claiming they had accumulated $500,000 of parking tickets. But you know how you deal with the Department of Transportation. With that, you basically... You negotiate a fee, just like Federal Express does, UPS, and all other agencies that take those parking tickets because you can't find legal parking. So you take the tickets, and then eventually you boil them down and work out a compromise. (laughs) This is incredible. Then you got drug dealers fighting one another on the corner of 42nd and 7th and 43rd and 7th for the turf. So drug dealers are stabbing other drug dealers. Tourists are watching this. Yet the mayor of the city of New York says you cannot take a legal handgun that you have a permit to conceal into Times Square because that would be too dangerous. Oh, but drug dealers fighting with one another, sometimes shooting at one another, stabbing each other, that isn't a danger? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And so naturally, Kathy Holcomb uh, Crime wave Kathy Holcomb, Holcomb because she's full of nonsense, had to weigh in on this as she's told all smokers to leave New York State parks. So there's a ban in parks to smoke anything, and there's a ban in the state beaches to smoke anything. So if it's Robert Moses State Park out in uh, Long Island where the sharks are at play, uh, or it's, um, uh, it is uh, Jones Beach State Park, where the sharks are at play, or it is uh, any uh, state state forests or parks, you cannot smoke uh, cigarettes, and you cannot smoke reefer. In fact, the ban will apply to tobacco and marijuana, according to Assemblyman Jeffrey Dinowitz, who's from up there in Riverdale, who sponsored the legislation with State Senate uh, Senator Toby Ann Stavitsky, God, I thought she was dead. What is she, like 120? Uh, uh, her and her son, they run a lobbying group. Uh, obviously, it is uh, it is a, a real, real conflict of interest to run a lobbying group to be a state senator, and you're getting wine-dined in pocket line by many of the people that you represent in the lobbying group. That's why I'm supporting the Republican conservative candidate Stefano to oust Toby Stabitsky, who has been uh, there in perpetuity. She's sort of like the, uh, what can I say, the poster child uh, for term limits. God, I really thought she was dead. And I haven't seen her in a month of Sundays. 
Maybe she's a cadaver in formaldehyde. Just remember out there, it's time for a little youth surge. Stefano has identified himself as a Republican, a conservative, but a Curtis Lewa populist. That's why I'm going to be going door-to-door out there in Queens in that state senate district, which covers Whitestone, parts of Bayside. Oh, yeah, all along there, uh, along Francis Lewis Boulevard, not far from Holy Cross High School. Oh, yeah, yeah, you folks know that. You, You folks know that. I'm going to be there. I carried that area in the mayoral general election against Eric Adams. Yeah, that whole area. Vicky Palladino won as the city councilwoman against all odds. I won the mayoral race there, winning more Asian votes than any candidate ever running for local office had won before as a Republican. And I won that district. And we're teaming up together, me and Vicky Palladino, and we're going to win it for Stefano against the missing in action. I thought she was dead, Toby and Stavitsky. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Ah, Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix. Two things are memorable about Jimi Hendrix, who died far too early in his life. Just like uh, Janis Joplin and... Jimmy Morrison of the Doors, is that when he first broke in here in New York, he had come from Seattle. He obviously uh, defined himself on the West Coast, very popular, but he came to New York to break in, and he was the opening act at the Forest Hills Stadium for the Monkees, who were the number one group in America at that time. Even though the Beatles and the Rolling Stones were ready to come on tour, they were number one, second to none. And guess what? When Jimi Hendrix came out to play Purple Haze as the opening act, they booed him off the stage. Booed him off the stage because they wanted to see the monkeys. And then, as you know, Jimi Hendrix was delayed in getting to Woodstock. But right before the last of the half a million strong who had gone up the New York State Thruway to Bethel and had spent three days there just rolling in the mud in the rain where there was no violence, there was peace, love, and happiness, only to be destroyed months later by what the Rolling Stones did in Altamont, the racetrack up in Northern California, when uh, uh, Jerry Garcia, the Grateful Dead, said, man, you guys have set up the wrong kind of concert to try to be the Woodstock of the West Coast, because what did Mick Jagger do? He hired the Hells Angels. Sonny Barger, who was the leader there, gave him a few cases of beer, and he said, do whatever you want. Sonny, crazy man as he uh, was, who just recently died. By the way, I think he had pancreatic cancer, he had lung cancer, he had prostate cancer. What an enemy of society. But anyway, the Rolling Stones, they they ruined the Woodstock experience of peace, love, and happiness. And it became ugly at Altamont. And eventually... Uh, Jimi Hendrix, who played those last few hours at Woodstock in the rain, played the uh, yeah the Star Spangled Banner, his own style, and lit his his uh, guitar on fire. Momentarily, we're going to play you the Star Spangled Banner, not the rendition that Jimi Hendrix did towards the end of Woodstock in the rain, but the Palestinian band did in Bethlehem about a day ago. 
when the President of the United States, Joe Biden, was visiting the West Bank and meeting with Abu Abbas, the leader of the Palestinian uh, Authority that he inherited from Yasser Arafat with his continued wars against Hamas and his continued wars against the Israelis themselves, the Israeli Defense Forces. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. More news on the pot front. Because you wonder where Eric Adams is. I don't think he uses pot. I don't think he gets shotgunned. I don't think he uh, inhales the secondary smoke at Club Zero Bond, the private club that he goes to in the wee hours of the morning, downtown Manhattan, the private club where whatever happens in the Zero Bond, Bond Club stays in the Zero Bond Club. But he is very interested in the legal sale of marijuana that still is not taking place in New York City or in New York State. They have yet to complete the licensed uh, procedures for legal sales. Uh, They're nowhere near where New Jersey is. They're already on their second leg, having uh, kicked off a few months ago. In fact, the State Office of Cannabis Management in Albany warned 52 illicit retail operations to stop the unlicensed sale of pot products. Uh, So roll joints, uh, gummies, edibles, uh, the vapor uh, oils, while others in government have turned a blind eye to those defying the law like that pot shop that is the latest retail business open in my neighborhood. I'll never forget, it was uh, July 5th, the day after July 4th, we were celebrating uh, my wife uh, Nancy's birthday. You still have no idea how old she is. It's sort of like Frank Morano, these hipsters and millennials. Uh, they want to take that to the grave. So anyway, we celebrated her birthday at a restaurant, the same restaurant I first met her in. Uh, and then also we had meal in uh, right before the lockdown and pandemic of March of 2020. And we celebrate her birthdays there and our anniversaries. But it closes at 10, like most of the gin mills and restaurants and stores in that area. The only store open is this pot shop, uh, weed store, which is um, between 86 and 87th uh, along Columbus Avenue on the west side. It's open until the wee hours of the morning. So you can go in there. They'll sell you roll joints. They'll sell you edibles. Uh, they'll sell you the oils. Uh, they'll sell you uh, the stuff that you can vape. And then they sell you a lot of munchies because you're going to get the munchies. And all of that is illegal because it's not licensed. Uh, the state of New York, the city of New York, is not deriving any taxable revenue. So let's see what the hell Eric Adams is going to do about that. And there are no legal dispensaries uh, that are in New York City. By the way, they're already talking about magic mushrooms could be legalized for personal use in New Jersey. And you know that will soon follow here in New York State. Can you imagine some schmucks, some putzes going up into the Adirondacks where all there are are trees? There are almost no people up there whatsoever. And in some instances, very small towns. And there are all kinds of mushrooms that grow at the base of these trees that have been there, not quite as long as the redwoods in Santa Cruz that are in danger of burning down now because of forest fires out there. But they've been up for hundreds of years. So they got all these mushrooms that are growing at the base of these trees up in the Adirondacks. 
And how many idiots would actually eat those shrooms and think they're going to get a psychedelic attack, uh, like a psychedelic trip? That's what it's all about, according to the temptations. Yeah, you eat those shrooms, and a lot of them are poison. Go ahead, knock yourself out. Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Howie in Pennsylvania. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Howie. Hey, what's up, everyone? So, I'm on the bus. I'm getting ready at the uh, Pennsylvania bus in Eastern, and I go over to the Phillipsburg Marijuana Dispensary, and they tell me uh, I can't get regular marijuana until after two. And when I go in there, it's very, very expensive. And uh, I know Phillipsburg a little bit, and nothing good is from, and nothing good is in Phillipsburg. So I'm ready to go to New York with a book bag full of spray paint. And 200 bucks so I could buy some marijuana and edibles in New York City. I'm going to be in New York City for the last time because I'm moving out to deep in Pennsylvania because um, New York is weak now. So anyway, I'm looking around for these marijuana shops and these trucks that you and everyone else keeps talking about. I can't find them. I'm on my bike, coming up and down the street, spray painting my name with fat caps um, spray paint and putting up stickers. Um, my tag, DJKH1. SoundCloud, and um, I can't find these marijuana places. So I came back home with 200 bucks. Where are these places? That's it. So let me get this straight, Howie. You live in Easton, the home of Larry Holmes, one of the greatest heavyweight champions of all times. Uh, you don't go over to nearby Allentown in the Lehigh Valley. My God, there's so many weed places you could score there in Allentown. How come you didn't go to Allentown? I did, but um, I went to New York City. Do you know what the purpose you know, the do graffiti bombing? Ah, so now wait a second. Uh, where were you born and raised? In uh, uh, Hudson County, North Bergen, which I want to ask you, why is Mayor Sacco still the mayor since the 1980s? He was my school principal at Lincoln School, and he was the mayor back then. Why is he still the mayor? And when I was on food stamps, when I graduated high school, they told me in order for me to get food stamps and help, I had to vote for Mayor Sacco. I'm like, okay, whatever I got to do. But it's show yeah, you how to... corrupt uh, it is. Uh, as you know, in New Jersey, you could be in a municipal position. You could be in a state position. So, for instance, Mayor Sacco had four, count them, four state and city jobs at one time. He was the mayor of North Bergen. Uh, he was the head of the uh, Water Authority. He was the head of the Board of Education, and I believe he was either the Assemblyman or the State Senator in Trenton. So he had four government-paying jobs, uh, two of them where he was elected, the other two he was appointed, and he was getting pension dollars for all of that, too. Four, Howie, four. Yeah, he didn't like me back in Lincoln School when he was just a regular principal there because I was, you know, late my name all over the hallways in the bathrooms there. And they and they adopted the uh, anti graffiti truck because it was the first graffiti thing in North Bergen, Hudson County. It was because of me. And Sacco don't like me. And then um, I was dating one of the girls who worked at the health department in Hudson County. Boy, <laughs> what a joke over there, man. Now, yeah. question, question, Howie. Uh, when you were tagging up in North Bergen at the high school you were going to, but were there any consequences? Were there any ramifications when you got caught? Nah, he'd yell at me, and then maybe I'd get suspended so i get to be home and hang out at the house and come back. Yeah, I was known for doing graffiti. I told, I called the show before, and I told you I was the first graffiti writer 
in Hudson County to hit New York City. I've been doing it before rap music adopted the term graffiti. Since 1978, I've been doing graffiti. So now, in this recent trip, when you couldn't score marijuana in Phillipsburg across uh, the border from Easton, where you're living now, uh, because the, the dispensary didn't have any available until 2 o'clock, so you figured, hey, I'll go into New York City. Okay, you went to the Port Authority, you had your bicycle, you're driving around the city, you're tagging up, you're putting stickers up. Did anybody stop you then when you were doing that? No, I I was also I also had spray paint with fat cap tags, and I was dissing people that had told on me, dissing people and getting my name up uh, along. Uh, let me see, Tenth Avenue. Then I went to Delancey Street, then Canal Street, and then hit the Williamsburg Bridge and up from Delancey Street. Then went to the uh, Manhattan Bridge, hit that, and let's see. Then the side streets, Lower East Side, Chelsea, looking for the weed store in Chelsea, up and down the blocks, and you know where the street art is. You know, got up over there too with spray paint, and uh, no one said nothing to me. I used to have to do that stuff in the day and in the nighttime. But I could do it in the daytime now. You can do whatever you want over there now. No one's going to say nothing to you. I smell some weed a lot in um, where the 30th streets are, where they have all the fabric um, all the fabric stuff. I would smell, you know, like weed. But uh, like, where's the, where are these stores, though? I want to buy some edibles. I did buy some in Phillipsburg. Very, very expensive compared to the um, places in um, Pennsylvania. And they don't sell the Satavia. They only sell the, the wheelchair weed to make you fall asleep. Phillipsburg weed shop is whack. Let me ask you a question. Uh, when were you most recently here in New York City on your bicycle? 14th, July 14th. Just All right, so July 14th, uh, if you had gone to 42nd and 7th Avenue, there are three guys dealing drugs there openly. In fact, they put their nickel and dime bags right on a card table. Then you go one block north on 43rd and 7th. You got another three guys. They're fighting for turf there. You got the weed wagons over on the west side. They can go south uh, all the way down to 34th. Man, you must have been, like, so totally hyped on doing your tags uh, and doing your graffiti that that was not your priority to score a pot. I mean, I had a bun with me, too. I brought my own weed with me. I want to get some New York weed. I want to get some edibles, you know, to eat. I can't find edibles in Pennsylvania. Wow, man. What what? What a bummer. Here it is. You're riding around like Pee Wee Herman uh, all the way down on Kent Avenue on the Williamsburg side of the uh, the bridges. Then you go over into Manhattan. Nobody's stopping you. Obviously, uh, cops, uh, it's uh, no longer zero tolerance. Can you imagine if you were doing that when Rudy Giuliani was a mayor? No, you, you can't do that. You're going to be busted right there. You, you know, no way. They had, they had Vandal Squad back then and everything. No. The cops saw me getting up. And I said, I said to myself, you know what? I better chill. I better chill. And I and I got on my bike and I rode, you know, zigzag through the block. Got up again. Keep getting up with spray paint. Now, what <laughs> we used to do, what we used to do, because the uh, the guys uh, they'd be in the layups where the trains would be stored or they'd be uh, on the tracks uh, on the L's. So if we heard that a bombing crew was going out to hit the layups like CIA, Criminals in Action, some of the other crews, we'd get them once they were already there, and then I'd grab them, turn them around, put them up against the train and say, hey, you like the graffiti? And naturally, a guy, Howie, the guy would say, 
No, 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 I wasn't graffitiing. I was just holding the paint. I said, where'd you get the paint? You must have stole the paint. You didn't buy this paint. No, 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 no. And I said, oh, you like to paint things, huh? I like to paint things, too. I'm painting your face and your clothes, huh? Get the hell out of here. And I kick him in the ass. And he go running home to mama. <sighs> See, it was so much better back then, Howie. So much better. Have you, did you ever spray paint one of those graffiti writers in the face with his own spray paint? Yeah, oh, that, that was the best. I got knockers from that. I got knockers from that. Anyway, up next, I have a suggestion. Monday through Friday, 6 to 9, the opening uh, moments of the Mark Levin show as he plays our national anthem. I had already contacted uh, his producer, Richie, and uh, his home screener, Rich Valdez. Rich Cementa is his producer. Rich Valdez is phone screener. And I had suggested to them that uh, they play a different version of the national anthem as done earlier in the day for the visit of our president, Joe Biden, to the West Bank, to Bethlehem, where Abu Abbas, the leader of the Palestinian Authority, was welcoming uh, President Joe Biden. And when you hear this coming up, you yourself are probably going to want me to burn you a CD so that you can play it again and again and again. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. <laughs> National anthem played by elementary school bands, junior high school, high school. That's the worst rendition I've ever heard. It occurred uh, earlier, a day ago, when President Joe Biden, after meeting with the Israelis uh, at the Ben-Gurion Airport on the tarmac, traveled to the West Bank, Bethlehem, the birthplace of Jesus, run by the Palestinian Authority. I know that I was there after the Second Intifada. Nobody was there. A lot of Greek Orthodox uh, locations there. A lot of Greek Orthodox locations. But anyway, that had to be the worst rendition. And there's Abu Abbas, the guy that we keep there as the totalitarian dictator who inherited the leadership upon the passing of Yasser Arafat, 
who has to consistently battle Hamas, who would love to sack him every chance they got. They're down in the Gaza. He's up in the West Bank. And uh, whereas Donald Trump, our president at the time, cut off all funding to the Palestinians, I believe that uh, President uh, Joe Biden has renewed by sending a billion dollars a year. Uh, After that rendition of the national anthem, I think uh, that band members should have all impaled themselves with knives, Gurkha knives. Ladies and gentlemen, would you pick or pan that? Just imagine this is American Bandstand and you heard that rendition of our United States National Anthem, and you were Dick Clark. Dick Clark would say, do you pick that tune or do you pan that tune? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And I am going to insist that Rich Samantha, the producer of the Mark Levin Show, nationally syndicated and its phone screener, uh, Rich... uh, Richie Valdez, that they actually play this rendition at the start of each uh, Mark Levin show, 6 to 9, Monday through Fridays. Uh, I think it's a keeper. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Eventually, the president was on to uh, Saudi Arabia, where he was bumping fists with the uh, mastermind who planned the execution, annihilation, and incineration of Khashoggi. Uh, because we want their oil, not their olive oil. We want their petroleum products. And then he was meeting with, uh, what, General Zazi from Egypt, I think in a few hours. Oh, my God, that guy, he's got all kinds of medals that he has given to himself. He's another totalitarian uh, dictator who uh, now runs uh, Egypt with an iron hand in the aftermath of Mubarak. Then he's meeting with leaders of the UAE. I forget one other country there in the Middle East. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Russ, who's calling from White Plains. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Russ. Thanks, Chris. As far as coffee, I'd like to know, is uh, Frank Rano hand-grinding his own beans now that he's married? Well, it used to. They used to have Medaglia Doro as a result of his mother, Stephanie. I remember having a cup of coffee that she made excellent coffee uh, but I don't know the coffee that Rachel uses. I do know that the creamer they use caused me to have the runs, and then they wouldn't even let me use their bathroom. I mean, come on. Well, I also wonder about Tony Hot Dog tomorrow, if, uh, now that Huma's gone, if he's hand-grinding his own beans. But, Curtis, you know, you have a lot of credulability, Curtis. You've been. Everybody remembers the time they met you, and they expect you to remember them because you have positive interactions. But you have many negative interactions with the public. It's uh, like retail crime fighter. And you see a lot of stupid stuff about this guy with Jose Alba in the, the blue moon. Did you see the guy, the young man, shifting from side to side before he grabbed uh, Jose Alba from behind the neck? Yeah, you mean the taller black guy who was hovering over him after he had pushed him into the chair? Yes. He pushed him into the chair. Right. And to me, he was shifting from side to side. Now, I've been in that chair with people who do that. The shifting from side to side is about, he's, he was thinking about pummeling him there, right in that private space. And then the young man said, no, I'm going to lead him out of here to have him confront my wife and my kid about these potato chips. He took him by the back of the neck like Jose Alba was a kid. And, you know, it's, I'm not, you know, making excuses for, the, for uh, Austin Simons. But to get a, a, a dagger in the neck 
for doing that, I think, was wrong. I think uh, Jose Alba is going to have to face those charges. And I want to ask you, Curtis, you're 68 years old. If someone uh, grabbed you by the neck or pushed you down, wouldn't you just take it to the hands? You wouldn't get a weapon and kill them, right? Well, let's uh, take it step by step, because when he hovered over Jose Alba, who is, as you remember, you saw him turning his... uh, his face to him. He wasn't confronting him with his face. He turned away, hoping that it would stop. Uh, and the guy reminded me, if you remember on that airline flight, when that white guy was bothering Mike Tyson and the guy he was on the plane with, they were bordering San Francisco International Airport, and then all of a sudden uh, Tyson just pummeled him in a similar kind of a situation. Uh, that I think Jose Alba, remember, had uh, said to him beforehand when he came over the counter, Hey, Papa, I don't want any, I don't want any trouble. I don't want any trouble. So the guy was extraordinarily aggressive. You got to understand when you come over the counter, Russ, that's like the DMZ. That's like the no man's land. If you want to be out in the middle of the store and you want to bust it up, uh, basically uh, knock yourself out. You come over the counter. There's a whole bunch of different rules. And I believe that when he was looking to drag out Jose Alba, You might have thought that it was so that his uh, wife or his girlfriend with uh, her child could confront him. It might have been to take him outside where he had a bunch of friends, and they might have done him in big time, stomped him, stabbed him, beaten him. You just never know, Russ. That's why once you leave that counter, uh, you're no longer in your comfort zone. Curtis, you've been in that store, right? You went into the store? I personally have not been in the store. Guardian Angels were in the store who patrol that area from Washington Heights. It was up there yesterday. The door was closed, and there was a young African man behind the counter. So they're taking steps. That neighborhood is no not what it used to be. I went there 30 years ago in City College. It is more like the Upper West Side. That is not a violent neighborhood. That young man was acting out of, you know, he was showing his rear end there doing that. And it was wrong. But that encounter, those kind of encounters happen thousands of times a day. But if you let someone take a knife and plunge it into someone's neck, listen, he was going to take him out into that area and maybe make a scene. But if you really want to give someone a beating, Curtis, it would have been behind that counter. He didn't touch the cashier. He had a $400 T-shirt on. He was egged on by his wife. Men do stupid things for women. Look at what happened to Emmett Till. They're still trying to get Carolyn Bryant because she had an idiot husband and brother-in-law who did an atrocity. And there's still people who want to go after her for vengeance, not justice. And they're doing it to the same thing to this young man. They want to charge her with his murder. It's ridiculous. But, Curtis, thank you. And I wonder if that rat twerp Howie knew you were talking about him. Thank you very much. Ah, inquiring minds want to know. Anyway, let's go to James in New York. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, James. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say the Roseanne Bars uh, rendition of the national anthem was the worst. But uh, also, I wanted to say that my father was uh, a veteran, uh, a, a, a Marine hero, he got the Congressional Medal of Honor, and he hated that song because he had PSTD, and every time he heard the song, it reminded him of bombs blowing up and bullets flying and you know the the national anthem about how purple majesty purple mountain majesty is the one he liked he didn't like the one about the bombs are bursting in air and all that that's you know it's a 
It's a song about revolution. It's not really a song about America being great to me. Anyway, I just thought I'd tell you no, about No, but let's, uh, let's go back to Roseanne Barr. I think she did that in San Francisco at the Giants Stadium, uh, or maybe it was San Diego Padres. Uh, and you're right. That was like maybe the worst uh, rendition of all time where she was singing it. But I think the Palestinian band had the worst... Uh, uh, playing of the national anthem by any band. I'll tell you this story about Tony Bennett, who did serve in the military honorably. Uh, it was the Yankee victory parade through the Canyon of Heroes. I believe it was 1996. We were broadcasting the Yankees at that time, and they had come back and beaten against all odds the uh, Atlanta Braves. Atlanta Braves won game one, game two in Yankee Stadium. I mean, annihilated the Yankees. I think the second game was like 13-2. In fact, uh, they had a brand-new center fielder, Jones. I'm trying to remember his first name. He had like three home runs in two games. He was a rookie. Uh, He came from, I think it was Aruba. Not quite sure. It was uh, basically an island not far from... uh, Venezuela is all rock, but uh, what a baseball player, great defensive ball player. They were calling him at the time the black uh, version of Mickey Mantle. He was great. And then the Yankees came back and won the World Series, uh, came through the Canyon of Heroes. I remember at the time the broadcasters, uh, we carried them on WABC. As I said, the Yankee games, John Sterling did the post-game show, and then I did the post-post-post-game show but it was uh, Michael Kay and John Sterling. So we're down there in Battery Park, and the trucks are lined up, and they haven't they haven't uh, acquired a truck for the Yankee broadcasters, John Sterling and Michael Kay. So I requisitioned the truck with the Guardian Angels. We took a truck from somebody else. I have no idea who it was. We got him up on the truck. A few of us were riding with him. It was such a drunken crowd. It was 1996. They were throwing, uh, they were throwing rolls of Scott tissue paper, toilet paper, five hundred uh, sheets long, that had been dunked in water, dunked in water, throwing it at us. And I'm telling Sterling and uh, Michael K, you better duck, duck. They said, "No, oh, the crowd loves us." Bang! Right in uh, Sterling's head. Bang! Right in Michael K's head. And then finally they listen. But when we come back, I'm going to tell you. That when we had arrived at City Hall for the celebration, for the speeches uh, and the dedications, it was Tony Bennett who was singing. Wait. Wait till you hear the story. And you better not go to sleep now because, remember, I take you all to the break of dawn. So nice. I'm going to do it twice. I'll be back. Uh, for Sunday morning from 12 midnight to 6. Remember, in just a few hours, I'm going to be with um, Anthony Weiner. He's got the uh, show called The Middle from 2 to 3. Then I'm on with him from 3 to 4, left versus right. And I got to pop the question to him, as posed to me by Sid Rosenberg and Bernard McGurk when I was on with them at 7 o'clock uh, Thursday morning, in which they said, you got to ask Anthony Weiner what he thinks of Bradley Cooper snacking on his former wife, Uma Aberdeen. You got to ask him because he's not answering that question. I'm, I'm going to have to pop that question to him. And then remember, Sundays I come back from 3 to 5, give you the uh, news of the day with commentary, take a lot of calls. We're call-driven. I don't take yes. 
And then after uh, Vinny Madunio comes on from 5 to 6, like he does later on today, both days back-to-back, belly-to-belly. Today it'll be be his mentor who follows Cousin Brucey from 6 to 10, and then it's Tony Orlando without Dawn, a special extravaganza about Elvis Presley from uh, 10 to 12. And then on Sundays it's Vinny Madunia 5 to 6. It's Jersey Joe Piscopo from uh, 6 to 8. The Frank Sinatra two-hour extravaganza sponsored by Ramsey Mazda. And then it's Dina Martin playing Stacks of Wax of Dean Martin, her father, from 8 to 9. And then I return for my final go-round, making a quinella. And we finish up with the Animal Welfare Hour, which is the most listened to, most called in, most requested of all the uh, hours that I do at WABC, where ABC stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Going through the Canyon of Heroes right after the World Series victory. Coming back against all odds to beat the Atlanta Braves. With uh, wet toilet uh, rolls being thrown at John Sterling and Michael Kay, I and the Guardian Angels batting them away. They were throwing it at everybody. It was a drunken, rowdy crowd. So we were in front of City Hall. Rudy Giuliani presiding, number one Yankee fan, cut his veins and arteries. He bleeds Yankee pinstripes. It was George Steinbrenner. It was the Yankee brass. There were all the, uh, the winning Yankees, some of the old timers. And then it was Tony Bennett. He didn't sing the national anthem. He sang, God bless America. And so immediately there were some people who said, he doesn't sing the national anthem because he's not that patriotic of late, even though he had served in the military. So I get on the air and I'm talking about, oh, he didn't sing the national anthem because he's not that patriotic. And then later on, at some point, I meet Tony Bennett, the Astoria kid. And he goes, well, I was saying I wasn't patriotic. He said, well, because you didn't sing the national anthem. He said, no, I sang God Bless America. Do you realize how high the notes are in the national anthem? I can't hit those high notes like I used to when I was a kid growing up in Astoria. So I sing either America the Beautiful or God Bless America. Man, I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassing. You know, recently, uh, what was it? Tony Bennett was in the wheelchair being uh, wheeled by Thunder Thighs, Lady Gaga, in Central Park. By the way... Ever since he hooked up with Lady Gaga, mm, nah. not like when he was solo, like when I saw him, the North Shore of Staten Island at the St. George Theater that was uh, refurbished, magnificent, the St. George Theater. And then he came out on the stage, packed audience, and he sang all of his uh, favorite songs. I mean, that might be a good hour here at WABC uh, since we go all entertainment all the time on the weekends. Tony Bennett hour. Man, he's he's had hit after hit after hit. Yeah, story of kid. Then why not uh, our owner-operator, John Katzmatidis, along with Margot Katzmatidis, his wife, our parent company, Red Apple Media. I know they're always looking to make acquisitions of other stations. Maybe an all-music station. I can see it now. Curtis Slee was spinning stacks of wax, EDM, electronic dance music. Who would think at the age of 68, out of all the eclectic music that I've played just in these past hours alone, 
Beastie Boys. It took them nine freaking years to get a little slice of the Lower East Side named in their honor at 99 Rivington Street. Whereas it took Biggie Smalls, right, uh, who was slinging drugs to pregnant women, all of like uh, maybe 48 hours in Bed-Stuy, do or die. They got Biggie Smalls Plaza and Wu-Tang Clan, right? 38 chambers of Wu-Tang Clan in the shadow of Park Hill and Stapleton. They got their own little plaza there. And guess who was there? Of all people, I never in my life would have thought that Joe Borelli, Republican conservative, Majority leader of the Republicans in the city council was a big Wu-Tang Clan fan. Wu-Tang Clan that was smuggling in guns from Steubenville, Ohio, right to Park Hill to Stapleton. Some of their uh, hangers-on got busted for that. The iron pipeline that Eric Adams always likes to talk about, the swagger man who's got no plan. But Joe Borelli was the sponsor of that. Say it ain't so, Joe Borelli. God, he'll probably be at that barbecue, no doubt, for Frank Morano. You know, that's his uh, that's his kumbada cheech. But me, I'm going to be on the outside looking in. I still haven't gotten my invitation. Not for me, not for Nancy, not for Anthony. You know, Frank Morano, this is absolutely despicable. First, you didn't have me for the baptism of Carmine. Now you don't have me for the barbecue. It is a disgrazia. A shanda. Time marches on. Just can't wait.